Well, it's Thursday in the Pacific Northwest, Thursday late afternoon, and we still don't know who the president is going to be, although things are looking like it's going Biden's way. So I wanted to try to get you the election night because I think having an essence of the night is going to help you. So attached to this, I've included a really cut down version of the evening and linked. And I encourage if you're interested, you maybe should consider doing this linked. I'll have the full Mama Jamma recording six and a half hour live stream that really gives you the full context of the night. But I don't know. I don't think there'll be much interest, <laughs> much more than a week or two out. So I wanted to get this out to you. And I'm continuing to watch the election results and all of the controversy surrounding it. And when we have something really substantial, I'll uh, I'll break in and I'll, I'll cut an episode for you. Also, I wanted to make you aware of a change in our Discord. The live chat channel has been updated in honor of Wolf Blitzer. It's now called the Right Now chat room. And that is for news that is developing, events that are breaking right now, as the name implies. And it'll be a room to discuss events as they're happening, including unfiltered live streams. But if something's happening and it's newsworthy, I'll go live. And then the links and info and discussion that have been happening in that right now channel will fuel the live stream. And it's also a great place to help collaborate to find links or sources and clips for the show. So if you haven't gotten the Discord yet, on filter.show slash Discord, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well to take you right to the right now room. Okay, so what's coming up now is a cut down version of election night with the uncut version linked in the show notes. Enjoy. Episode 334 of the Unfiltered Program, and it's election night, and I have had a bit of dread starting this, not because I'm dreading the live stream, but because I have had all the different feels <laughs> about this election today. I, it's, it's been making it hard to sleep even. I've never been, I've never been impacted by the anxiety and the anticipation of an election like I have this one. And I know that even tonight we may not have an answer, but at least this phase will be done. At least, at least we will be done with the campaigning part of this. It, I don't know if that means we translate that into uh, riots and violence. I'm not sure what happens there. I think what made me f start to feel kind of anxious about where this is going to go is when I saw the news report that a lot of the major U.S. cities were boarding up. So I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I've been a little all over the place with this one. I want to go to CNN, though, because we're about to get some polls here. We're watching here. all of these states, especially the battleground state of Georgia, for early clues about where the race may be heading tonight. Wolf is fired up. All right, we have our first projection of the night. Uh, CNN now projects President Donald Trump will win Indiana. Trump beats Biden in Indiana, wins its 11, 11 electoral votes, the first projection of the night. It's too early to call in these states right now. Too early to call in Georgia, a key battleground state with 16 electoral votes. Too early to call there in Virginia. Too early to call there, 13 electoral votes at stake in Virginia. Also, too early to call right now in South Carolina, nine electoral votes uh, in South Carolina. Too early to call in Kentucky, eight electoral votes there. Too early to call in Vermont, three electoral votes right there. All right, let's take a look at the, where the Electoral College map stands right now. Uh, Donald Trump ha has 11 right now. Biden has zero. Remember, you need 270, 270 to win this race for the White House. Let's get a key race alert. 
right now. We'll start off with Kentucky right now. 12% of the estimated vote is in. Uh, Trump has a lead of about 9,400 votes over Biden. Look at this, 50.9%, 47.5% for Biden uh, in Kentucky. Eight. This CNN segment, by the way, is brought to you by a Calm app that's designed to help alleviate your anxiety. So I don't think I'm alone on this one. I was I was chatting with our Discord before I got started, and we all are self-medicating in one way or another. Uh, tonight I'll be drinking some Russian vodka, because <laughs> I thought that'd be a nice little bit of irony. Um, and I have some clips for you. Well, I'll be monitoring all the networks, so this is going to be meta coverage. Perhaps this can stand as a document of the night, and also as well as uh, a way for us to commiserate in real time. I've got a handful of folks that have joined me on Discord over there. Hello, everybody in Discord. Thanks for being here tonight. It's nice to see you all. And they get a live they get a live feed of uh, the stream as well. If you'd like to join the Discord, there's two rooms. We have two options for you because why not make things multiple choice? <laughs> it is it's you decide night. We have the live room, which is the chat text chat that you see up on the screen. Nice companion to the video stream. And then we also have a voice chatting channel, a little bit lower down on the list, which is uh, live audio and video. And you can always ping me in there and let me know if you want to say something. I can unmute the uh, Discord and get you on the air. If you have comments as the night rolls on, just flag me in the chat and I'll try to work you in. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So I got a series of clips. And here's what I think my game plan is going to be tonight. There's a lot of speculation if we're gonna if we're gonna know anything tonight, if we'll have an answer tonight, if we have to wait. That's that's been the speculation for days now. And the networks plan to go real cautious on this. That's that's the name of the game. Good morning and welcome to this week. We are in the final hours now of what may be the most fraught election of our lifetimes. With two days to go, Americans are on edge and engaged. This is obviously. Uh, a clip from a couple days ago. <laughs> More than 92 million of us have already voted. That's two-thirds of the total votes cast in 2016. When all the votes are counted, it is all but certain that more than 150 million Americans will weigh in for the first time in history. This is nuts. This has been one of the big stories leading up to the election. Almost every day, it's been another 10 million have voted early. And now they're saying it's over 100 million, 115 million that have voted early. That's going to change the counting a lot tonight. That's one of the reasons why we may not know everything in the evening. And that's, that's also been probably one of the unique things about this election, one of many. <clears throat> I heard earlier today that it's been like since 1908 that we've had this kind of turnout. 1908. That counting may take some time in this election transformed by the pandemic. We are braced for that as well. And everyone watching at home should know that it is not a sign that anything has gone wrong. This morning, we're here to give you our best sense of where things stand right now, what to watch for Tuesday night and beyond. And we begin with... It's all about caution. Everybody is couching this a lot because they want to set expectations. And I think they don't want to make a a mistake in, in like sort of the vein of the year 2000 with Bush and Gore, where NBC called it a little too early. So let's do a network check-in. ABC News is uh, covering Trump right now. Let's see what they're covering. 
Let's go over there. Tuning now into ABC Live. Billion ballots, 500,000 margin of victory in Election Day ballots in Florida, 400,000 apiece in Michigan and North Carolina. Well, today they tell me uh, that, for example, in Florida, where Joe Biden had a lead at the beginning of the day of about 115,000 votes in that state, now the Trump campaign aides say as of 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, that lead had evaporated, and now President Trump has a lead of 194,000 votes in Florida. They are urging their supporters who are prone to ele- uh, voting on Election Day to stay in the election lines and cast those ballots. Mary. James, what are the president's plans for the evening? Do we know we're he's here. planning to make a speech no, tonight? Let's okay. He was asked during that appearance at his campaign headquarters this morning by a reporter if he has a concession speech and a victory speech. The president said he has given no thought to a concession speech or to a victory speech, but he then added, winning is easy, losing never is. Mary? We'll see. We'll see how he handles that, too, if that happens to be the case. So there's some speculation at this hour about Texas still, as we are sitting here at 4 p.m. Pacific time. There's speculation that Texas could go to Biden. If that were to happen, then uh, it's pretty much over for Trump. I don't think there's really any successful path to the White House if uh, Biden were to somehow secure Texas. I think that'd be pretty remarkable. There was obviously talk early on uh, about Florida, but now it seems like that's going Trump's way. Let's tune into Fox, see what they're doing. Survey, And as these raw vote totals come in, these numbers from these states. But can we, looking at we, what we see now, say that this is likely not a landslide either way? Well, I'm not certain that we can deduce that from the, uh, from the, from the uh, polling uh, that we've had and, uh, and the election returns thus far, but I suspect that's exactly going to be the case. Both sides have been revved up. You generally have a blowout when there's one side that's revved up and another side that has become dispirited, either because of internal divisions or, or simply a lousy candidate. We've had two campaigns here that have focused on revving up their bases, and so I think it'll be a big, a big, huge turnout, and I think it will be relatively close, closer than I think either side. That's Carl Rove, if you uh, don't recognize the voice. I got a few things I want to run through with you guys before we get started i like that there's betting taking off in the discord if texas is going to go blue or not that's that's pretty great uh i wanted to i wanted to just for um just to give us a sense of what things were like i want to play this clip of president bush reacting to obama's victory in 2008 bush walking out to the white house in the rose garden right now heading up to the podium this is from the ap Last night, I had a warm conversation with President-elect Barack Obama. I congratulated him and Senator Biden on their impressive victory. I told the President-elect he can count on complete cooperation from my administration as he makes the transition to the White House. I also spoke to Senator John McCain. I congratulated him on a determined campaign that he and Governor Palin ran. The American people will always be grateful for the lifetime of service John McCain has devoted to this nation. And I know he'll continue to make tremendous contributions to our country. No matter how they cast their ballots, all Americans can be proud of the history that was made yesterday. I forgot about that uh, weird Coke jaw thing that Bush does. Yeah, so I don't think that's how a Trump concession speech would go. But I've been thinking about this. You know, 
where where do I fall down? Whenever the election comes, I always try to think, okay, well, if I had to put myself into a box and I had to vote one way or another, where do I fall down? And I I wonder if if I, maybe a little background on 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 my views wouldn't be useful today. So <clears throat> my first president that I really remember being in office was was Junior's daddy, Bush Senior. That I I was alive, I think, during Reagan, of course, and um, you know, there was other there was there was just I was oblivious to it as a child. But I remember Bush Senior, and I remember needing to go into Iraq, and I remember Saddam Hussein. I all I I clearly remember Bill Clinton's term too, but my first president, to my recollection, was Bush Senior. And you know, I realized today, my kids. My kid's first president is going to be Donald Trump. There's no way they're going to forget Donald Trump. And that's interesting. But it was Junior here that really, that really changed things for me. See, in the time of Junior, it was easy for me to consider myself a progressive. Because I thought he totally blew the response to 9-11 and the warning that he had received. The invasion of Iraq was completely unjustified. The search for weapons of mass destruction was false and silly that they couldn't manage it better. It was easy, easy for me to hate Junior. And so it was easy for me to consider myself uh, progressive. And it, I was receptive to Obama's message when he came, out, came along and he promised hope and change. He promised legal cannabis and he promised hope and change. But what he ended up being was a centrist. A, the grand compromiser is what I think he was. Even when, even when they had the whole house and they, they had the stack, what we got was Romneycare. Obama broke me, you see. And then when, when the DNC picked Clinton as their candidate, they had lost me. She was completely uncompelling. She was obviously corrupt on her face. She had questionable health issues. And she was very much a pro-war corporatist Democrat. And I was sick of the dynasties. We'd already had two Bushes. We didn't need two Clintons. So they had, they had picked a really kind of middle-of-the-road meh candidate for me. And here we are now in 2020, and we've got Clinton 2.0 from, presented to us by the DNC. Joe's a centrist. And if it, if it was any other president, if it was any other, any other candidates that were running against each other, it would be a foregone conclusion. Trump is an orange reality television host running against a man with 47 years of experience, and it's still at this point not a foregone conclusion which one of them is going to win. Think about that for a moment. Why did they put forward Biden? Why didn't they put forward someone that would be that would be more compelling? They wanted, I guess, a good brand. They wanted a stable brand. But I think they wanted somebody who's a corporatist, who's pro-establishment. And even when they're up against Donald Trump, who by their own accounts is essentially Hitler 2.0, and he is the worst thing to happen to our democracy and our country... The very, the very soul of our nation, according to all of their banners, the soul of our nation is on the ballot. 
the circumstances could not be any more dire. It is the most important election of our lifetime. And I, I feel it. I, I actually, I thought, I thought after 2016, nothing could be so crazy. And then 2020 came along and it's even worse. I worry that a Biden presidency, a win for Biden, reinforces the DNC strategy of putting forward very middle-of-the-road contenders who can barely win against Donald Trump. I worry that that win sort of locks that in. And then here's here's my bigger picture worry. Is then I worry... That the only way we're going to get a break the system and fix it, the only way we're going to get a real, true populist candidate, the only way we're going to get a president who's going to fix some of the systemic problems that this nation's been dealing with for 30 years or hasn't been dealing with, I should say, for 30 years, that only now comes from the right. Because the left is just putting forward established establishment corporatist candidates. So the right now becomes the only path to the chaos candidate that could change and break the system that you need every hundred years or so. And that means it's going to be right-wing change is what that means. It means the only way to get somebody new who's going to really change things up, who's going to be anti-establishment, is on the right now. There's no option. There's no pathway on the left anymore. Because they're always going with the establishment candidate now. And if they win, it's going to reaffirm that strategy. A loss, a Biden loss tonight, could force the left to reevaluate their core team. Your Pelosi's and your Chuck Schumer's might have to retire. It could allow for some of the younger, more progressive voices to move into more authoritative positions. And while that would scare people on the right, it would make there to be it would be a clear differentiator between the two. And if we're going to have a two-party system, at least there would be real choice all of a sudden. A Biden loss may have to force the left to deal with all of this that they skipped after 2016 because they used Russiagate to paper over the problems that actually caused their candidate to lose against the orange man. Russia, Russia, Russia was a cover for preventing self-analysis. It gave them an excuse to lose. But if they lose this time against the orange man, again... They're going to have to analyze to figure out how to get a good candidate that people will actually vote for. My, my sense is, though, that Biden has a good shot tonight to win. That's my sense. Trump has been working his butt off for the last week, doing five rallies a day. I hope we have an answer tonight. So my plan is to go until we have a pretty solid idea of what's going on. We may not get resolution tonight, but we'll be able to get a pretty solid idea. We have polls closing soon in a couple of battleground states that are now like new, like Ohio and North Carolina. So we'll have that shortly. So I think in the meantime, what I want to do is I want to play you where both position for the the position of both both sides right now. Uh, They've gone on the Sunday shows and they've said their piece. So I want to play this for you from here's the Biden side of how they think they're doing right now. And then I'll play the Trump side. Now from the Biden campaign, Anita, let me get you to respond there, starting to Jason. Actually, you know what? If, he, if she's responding, uh, if she's responding to the other one, I'll play the other one first. I was just, uh, you know, trying to just change it up a little bit, but that's fine. That's fine. Here's the Trump side. 
You know, our doctors get more money if somebody dies from COVID. You know that, right? I mean, our doctors are very smart people. So what they do is they say, I'm sorry, but you know, everybody dies of COVID. But in Germany and other places, if you have a heart attack or if you have cancer, you're terminally ill, you catch COVID, they say you died of cancer. You died of heart attack. With us, when in doubt, choose COVID. It's like $2,000 more. So you get more money. This could only happen to us. President on the campaign trail on Friday. Let's talk about that with Trump campaign senior advisor Jason Miller. Jason, thank you for joining us this morning. The AMA responded to that immediately. The head of the AMA saying it was a malicious, outrageous, and completely misguided. The president suggests that doctors are inflating COVID deaths. Why does the president repeatedly uh, attack doctors saying they're working on the front line, saying they're inflating COVID numbers? Well, George, good morning, Sunday morning, where I would tell you that tens of thousands of people are waking up in Pittsburgh this morning and reading the Post-Gazette and seeing that they've endorsed a Republican for the first time since 1972. That's President Trump for his re-election. So we're excited about that. Uh, to your comment about the president yesterday on the campaign trail, I don't think he was attacking anybody at all. I think he was talking about how most Americans want to safely and securely reopen the country, get back to work, get back to life as normal. Jason, defeat we all this just virus. saw it. He was and talking is, about but, it, doctors inflating COVID desk for money. George, I'm not going to get into the, the billing aspects of which there have been many uh, reports on. There have been all sorts of independent things of pointing to that. But the fact of the matter is people want to get their life back to normal. They're tired of the lockdowns. You look at these Democrat-run states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. We're seeing this on the campaign trail with the rallies. People are tired of these lockdowns. They want to safely reopen. So you're repeating that you believe that doctors are inflating COVID deaths for money. I think there have been a number of reports that have raised issues. Let's stop right here. <clears throat> so this is an interesting this is an interesting A and B reality issue, and he's doing a really crap poor job of responding to it. Um it's like it's like George is walking into a Vegas casino and saying, You're telling me there's gambling going on in here? There's nothing malice about it. If you have a patient who has lung cancer or heart disease, and dies, and COVID made their body more stressed, you can very easily justify that as a COVID death. And if it makes your shop more money, and that means you can you can pay for nurses, and you can have proper COVID precautions, and you have maybe a little bit of money in your bank account at the end of the month, you're going to put that down as a COVID death. There's nothing malicious about it. But we live now in this newspeak reality where blatant, obvious shit can't just be talked about as truth. And so people who just talk about things as truth are right-wing or they're crazy conspiracy theorists. It's a, it's a fascinating duality, and I think it's at play here. I think this very issue, this duality, where you have some people who see it as just a plain obvious truth and you have other people that see it as slamming doctors and it's how could you even say such a thing? These are our, these are our poor frontline workers. And then, of course, you have people that have a motivation to double down on that. It's you have an A and a B reality. There's a duality, I think, is going to be displayed in this election tonight. And whichever side wins is a vote for that reality. And uh, it's either going to be A or B out there regarding billing and things like that. But again, the choice on the ballot on Tuesday is President Trump and people who want tax cuts or Joe Biden and people who want tax hikes. That's what's on the ballot on Tuesday.
Well, but the president's talking about doctors on the front lines inflating uh, COVID deaths, which, as the head of the AMA said, is malicious and completely misguided. The president is also saying that uh, we're rounding the corner on the pandemic. And this comes as we've just come through our worst week yet on cases. Cases are rising in 42 states. Test positivity rates are up. Hospitalizations are up. Deaths are climbing up. Why does the president continue to say we're rounding the corner in the face of this surge? Because we're right there on the cusp of having this vaccine finalized and ready for distribution. We will have it done and start distributing it by the end of the year. I don't know why I just muted myself because um, I was going to mute him. <laughs> let's let's just stop now. I'm already kind of bored with this line of questioning. Let's go now play the Biden side. I was originally going to do this just to see what each camp said. But now that I'm watching this, I'm really curious to see if George hits her nearly as hard as he was hitting that guy. Let's 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 Jason, check. let's check. Saying they have possibility of flipping Nevada, back it up, Biden back it up. campaign. Anita, let me get you to respond there. Starting to Jason, saying they have possibility of flipping Nevada. They're going to win Arizona, maybe even Michigan. Thanks for having me this morning, George. Before I respond to the states, I actually just have to say I'm astonished that Jason Miller spent as much time uh-huh. as he did without ever saying that the doctors who are on front lines in this coronavirus crisis that this country faces, that without ever defending them and without ever basically saying, no, they're not in it for money. These people have been risking their lives. I I love that this is, uh, by love, I mean, I absolutely, truly, deeply hate it. That this is, So I love that this has now become a political football. Uh, you don't love the doctors enough. You don't give the doctors enough respect. It, it's just such a discredit to the people that are actually doing the work that they become a political pawn. Uh, and look at her taking her opportunity to shit all over the guy after he's gone. Since the beginning of this crisis, frontline workers and doctors, nurses, the people who work in these hospitals have been risking their lives. They didn't have adequate protective gear at the beginning. No one really knew how it spread. They have been out there every day, many of them working double shifts. And I just want to say for the record that it tells you everything you need to know about the difference between the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign, and between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden respects those frontline workers. He respects doctors. He respects Dr. Fauci. He listens to the scientists. And when he is president, he's going to put a plan in place to get coronavirus under control. We saw, for the first time, over 100,000 new cases in one day this week. A thousand people a day dying on average now. She very much has a Hillary Clinton look going there. So the, her 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 goal here, right? Hammer COVID because uh, they're hoping this is going to be a key issue for voters. But it seems like from the early polling, it's not uh, it's not as as critical for some voters. It is critical for other voters. And actually, I think this is what Fox is addressing right now. So I'm going to actually tune that in real quick. Was the party that controls the Senate important uh, to on. your vote? Wait, I'll back up and see if I can get their coverage. I have a little bit of a DVR functionality. So they were talking about coronavirus and. Uh, Voter analysis, Shannon. Okay, Brett. So as the polls start to close, both candidates have Georgia on their minds tonight. We've been talking about that. Bill Clinton was the last Democrat to carry the state. That was back in 1992. Now, four years ago, President Trump won by five points. Tonight, the Biden campaign thinks they can win the state back, sending former President Obama to stump there yesterday, trying to fire up the base. Black voters traditionally backed the Democrat candidate, and today is no different. In Georgia, they are coming out strong for Biden. Also working for Biden, newcomers to Georgia. More than half of voters who've lived in the state five years or less are in his corner. But 
President Trump, plenty of fans there in Georgia, too. Seniors, a group that many thought the president was losing over coronavirus, they're actually breaking for President Trump in Georgia and conservative Christians. Despite criticisms of the president's name calling and insults, white evangelical voters are solidly behind the president. This year has been for many people all about the pandemic. In April, after he urged states to reopen their economies, the president called out Georgia's governor, Brian Kemp, for opening too early. A majority of voters agree with Trump's stance at the time, saying they think it's more important to limit the spread of the virus, even if it hurts the economy, rather than limit further damage to the economy, even if opening back up increases the spread. An even greater majority favors a mask mandate. About three in four voters say they're in favor. Now, we still have two very important Senate races in Georgia. We'll continue talking about those. But first, we want to jump over to the critical Senate race in North Carolina, where Democrats are hoping to flip and pick up a seat. It has been a wild race there. Just a month ago, a sex scandal forced the Democrat, Cal Cunningham, to go on the defensive. That very same day, Republican Tom Tillis, the current incumbent, was diagnosed with coronavirus. So both campaigns have been scrambling ever since. Cunningham was probably not going to win over North Carolina's white evangelical voters, and this scandal certainly did not help. They are backing Tillis by more than 60 points. At the same time, voters who say the pandemic is the most important issue facing the country, they favor the Democrat by almost 50 points. This is one of those races that could decide control of the Senate. So we asked voters, was the party that controls the Senate important to your vote? Almost half said that was the single most important factor to their vote in this race. And those voters are split down the middle. So it doesn't get any closer than that. We will continue huh. to crunch the data. But for now, back to you. Guys. So that's Georgia. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that being a trend in a few places right now. Looking at the state of Georgia, the vote total is coming in. You see the probability now 59% to Joe Biden. Again, here is the thing with the probability meter. This is the early vote that we're getting out of Georgia. This Lots is likely the early vote that dumped at the beginning of the polls closing. Remember, we talked at the beginning of the night that that is likely 6 out of 10 for Joe Biden in a lot of these states. Donald Trump, however, is leading, according to our analysis, on the day of vote, which comes in over the night. So you're going to see this probability meter shift throughout the night. Right now it's at 59 percent. In the raw vote total, uh, Joe Biden is leading at 56 percent. And we're going to see that through the night. Chris, you had something on Georgia? Well, just looking at our uh, voter profile analysis, which is a poll that was taken, an exhaustive poll, thousands, 100,000 people across the country in Georgia. And I think this is going to be true in a lot of states. If if Joe Biden is elected president, it's going to be on the basis of women. There is a big gender gap. Uh, women in Georgia, 56 to 42, Biden over Trump. Uh, on the general question of the country, and this is always a very telling one, especially for an incumbent running for re-election, would you say the country is right, going in the right direction or the wrong direction? 61 to 39, wrong direction of a right direction. And then finally, which is the most important issue facing the country? If you think the economy is the key issue, 77 to 20 for Trump. If you think the coronavirus is the key issue, 72 to 26 for Biden, the difference is, 39% think the coronavirus is the most important issue. 26% in Georgia think the economy is the issue. So we don't know how it's going to turn out, but you look at the... Coronavirus being the number one issue, I don't think is good for Trump overall. I think that plays better for Joe. Now, the narrative has been, as we go into this, it has been very much that the early votes will probably go towards Joe, and then Trump will get the on-the-day votes. 
So we'll see. Uh, I could definitely see that being, but that's like one of those statements that seems like it makes a lot of sense, but then, you know, you really don't know until after the election and there's been some analysis of what's going on. I think we have West Virginia coming up in uh, a very short period of time and a couple of others, maybe even Ohio. Um, So I might just play you a, a quickie. As I'm looking at this, I have this board up. This is one of the nice things about the streaming setup here is I have this board up of the uh, different networks. So I can kind of peek in on on what all the different networks are doing at once. Uh, so, like, for example, right now, CNN does a lot of this, and they're doing it right now is they're doing the board where they go up to the board. And he needs, when you get into the suburbs, and the Democrats do very well in the close-in suburbs, more and more increasingly in the Trump age, they've been moving out into the outer rings of the suburbs, out to the exurban areas. So you watch this play out here. Uh, you look 16,000 votes ahead there in the state of Georgia. Just take a peek in South Carolina. Uh, the president winning quite handily here so far, but that's very preliminary in the vote. One of the things we we'll watch throughout the night, are the president's margins about the same or do they shrink even in the places he wins? just want to peek one more time at Florida as we go here. Florida 2020. Welcome back to the roller coaster. Joe <laughs> Biden has pulled ahead by yeah. 7,784 votes. So this has been interesting on Florida so far tonight as they keep, they keep going back and forth. Biden's ahead right now. We're early in the night. By a point. Florida is as close as it gets, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, let's just take a closer look at what we're seeing here. Palm Beach turned blue. We thought it would. Uh, and a big vote dump to get it blue. That's why the state changed, right? We had just a few hundred votes in Palm uh. Beach a few moments ago, and the president was leading. Right now, Wolf... The Florida vote coming in as Joe Biden would like it, as we wish, but we will keep counting. As we wish? He certainly will. Florida's uh, emerging as a major, major fight that's going on right now. We're coming up on another critical round of poll closings in the Biden-Trump presidential race just moments from now. That's when most polls will close in North Carolina, Ohio, and West Virginia. Together, those states account for 38 of the 270 electoral votes needed to win the White House. All right, we got a key race alert right now. Too early to call in these states, including in Ohio. Too early to call in Ohio. 18 electoral votes in Ohio. Too early to call. Too early to call in North Carolina as well. 15 electoral votes in North Carolina. Too early to call. West Virginia, five electoral votes. Too early to call in West Virginia right now. Let's take a look at the uh, Electoral College map where it stands right now. It still remains the same. 11 Electoral College votes for Trump, Indiana. Well, give me a break. Uh, Zero so far for Biden. Give me a break. Interesting, uh, following ABC as well. And ABC is showing that uh, Trump is ahead in Florida tonight. So this is where you start to see the networks um, break apart from each other. And they, they start to see uh, different numbers and different results. Uh, they're covering North Carolina right now over on ABC. I'll go to that if, uh, if you'd like, just so we get a little taste. And we, ex- we expect a large amount of numbers to come out because, George, 4.5 million North Carolinians here voted early. That's 96% of the total vote here from 2016. The expectation is it'll be about a third Democrat, a third Republican, and a third independent. Historically in North Carolina, Democrats do what they do, Republicans do what they do. The, the uncertain area tonight will what? be what will independents do. All right, that's, that's about as bad as the analysis gets. Give me a break. Give me a break. Let's go over to NBC, see if their analysis with uh, Chuck Todd and whatnot does a little better. Got a bunch of those counties back. That's what we're going to be watching for tonight. Is is Joe Biden looking like a shared Brown Democrat or is he going to look like a Hillary Clinton Democrat in Ohio? And let me go to Casey Hunt on this, because Erie, Pennsylvania is one of those areas the president went to for a rally, but actually said, I believe, to the Erie voters, I didn't think I'd have to come here. I didn't think I'd have to push it so hard. But every vote in Pennsylvania is being fought for. 
That's right, Savannah. In fact, he said, I didn't want to have to come here. I didn't want to have to, as you say, uh, fight for it, uh, <laughs> which is not line. necessarily a traditional message from any political candidate to a group of people uh, where you're standing there and you're asking uh, for their votes. And Pennsylvania, of course, uh, Joe Biden's uh, original home state, his hometown uh, of Scranton there, his boyhood home. Uh, and it has been a place where both candidates have visited over and over and over again. And to Chuck's point uh, about that that area along Lake Erie, you know, that that also, I think, speaks to questions about whether Joe Biden can actually increase uh, his uh, his support among white voters. Democrats have been losing support generally among white voters. And and we've you know covered extensively all of those uh, people, those uh, blue collar folks who maybe voted for Obama twice and then flipped and voted for Donald Trump. And could Joe Biden stem the bleeding there? And our exit polls are showing some early signs that it's possible that that's the case uh, in, in places uh, like Georgia as well. Uh, now, that, of course, could also be uh, suburban. And, the, and don't forget that the suburbs uh, in states like Ohio and especially in Pennsylvania are also very uh, important here. And that extends our conversation uh, to suburban women. So uh, those are still, you know, some of the areas I think. So right now, as it stands, Trump has 11 of the Electoral College votes and Biden has three of them. Uh, But of course, that's just the beginning, not necessarily an indication either way of how things are going to go tonight. Uh, checking back in on uh, MSNBC and CNN, and um, you know, if I, CNN is still doing the zoom in thing. Isn't that funny? So I think what I'll do is, is I'll I'll, I'll do <laughs> what I'll do is, <laughs> is I'll play you some other clips I've got for you. So going back uh, to this, I I remember um, when uh, Hillary Clinton was at the nine eleven event and she passed out and they had to throw her in the van. I I really at the time wondered how that would impact her chances because a lot of people saw that. I feel like the Biden gaffes when he goes out it gets shared at a whole new level now because you have so many video platforms and everybody's catching it and everybody's documenting it. And I uh I wonder now how much will that how much will that play into people's choice for Biden. Strategy to mobilize true and international effort to pressure. That is the song I would have to play to get you hyped up. Aretha Franklin's respect. The okay. Controversy continues today about Hunter Biden, your son's uh, no overseer. My five grandchildren who range in age from 27 to uh, to 14. Or no, that's not true. 16. You can send every single qualified person to a four-year college in their state for $150 billion. After our interview, Mr. Biden's staff told us he misspoke and that the cost of free public college could be twice as much. Four more years of George... Uh, Georgia, he, uh, we have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I think everybody has seen a lot of that. It's not a secret. Uh, there's been nicknames I've, I've seen on Twitter, like hashtag blundering Biden as one of the hashtags going around. It's people see it. The news, this is the news junkie, and they've been just as bright and just as talented. They've been essentially building a YouTube channel around Biden gaffes. White kids love this place. I love, look, what's not to like about Vermont? Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. How many unsafe bridges you still have here in the state of Ohio? I mean, Iowa. And you want to check my shape on? Let's do push ups together, man. My name is Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. 
We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Four more years of Georgia. Georgia, my wife Jill, as you know, and Doug Emhoff, uh, Kamala's wife, are there. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Jill Biden's husband, and I am Kamala's running mate. <laughs> you get my point. You have to wonder if this plays a role or not, or if this has reached everyone at a at a real like mass level. I I, I can't tell. It's really it's it's. It's not, and I'm not, see, I feel, I actually still feel just like I did during Hillary. I feel silly for saying it. I feel like some people are going to think that uh, I'm uh, being ageist or something, but I'm not the only one who brought this up. Uh, da- back during the primaries, there was a Democratic representative who brought this up and said, look, this is our chance to do something about this. This is the primaries. This is our chance to work this out. And he didn't just kind of vaguely mention it. I actually was fascinated by it. I recall that. And so I went and found the clip for you. And that's what I'm saying. And as I said, there's sometimes a lack of clarity. And I think that's what I'm hearing on the ground. I think that's what a lot of people are thinking. And, you know, we can't afford that at this point. And that's what these primaries are for, to figure out who's the best person to put forward. And it sounds like you really are taking aim, though, at, you know, at the former vice president by saying, you know, I just think he is declining. Uh, I don't think he has the energy. You see it almost daily. And and I love the guy. And you said, well, you're not backtracking. What, What do you really? mean by this look look these primaries are about us presenting our platform which direction we want to take the country but also a contrast to other candidates and on the debate stage I was very clear about some positions that Democrats in this field are taking uh, around you know taking people's private health insurance uh, around free health care for undocumented uh, uh, people in the country when other people in the country citizens are paying for their health care you know these kind of issues are putting us in a position where we are not going to be able to win the states we need to win. And I also think we've got to make sure we have a candidate that can be very aggressive against Donald Trump uh, in the campaign. And, and, and you're I'm not saying backing you, down from any of that that I've said. So you're saying you don't believe that uh, Biden can be uh, aggressive. You say he's declining. In what way do you mean that? And is this an inference to his age or something else? She just has no idea. Well, I mean, he went on uh, Colbert to address this very issue. It's not like I said something that a lot of people aren't thinking, or he wouldn't have went on Colbert to talk about it. So this is an issue. We have to be honest with each other. There's so much at stake in this election. We can't just put somebody up there who can't beat Donald Trump, whether it's on the issues or on the issues of, of energy or lack of clarity. And like, we've got to be very clear. And I. You never heard from Representative Tim Ryan again, <laughs> did you? No, no, you did not. Uh, so you're not supposed to say that kind of stuff. It's uh, not okay. Not not okay to say that. Now, I'm not trying to say like Trump is some uh, young uh, mid-30s kind of uh, in, in good shape, high-energy guy. I mean, I am very impressed. I'm very impressed at five rallies a day. But I've been checking in on those rallies, and there have been times where he is... He's very low energy, as Trump would say. He's sleepy Trump. 
They tell him to do. That's sleepy Joe Biden. It could have been the greatest. You know, if you look, uh, we look at the amount of money that he has raised hundreds of millions, $300 million one month. But I could have been the greatest of all time. I could have been the greatest political fundraiser. He kind of doesn't sound very, uh, I don't know. He's, you could tell he's in different headspaces as he went to do um, these different events. But man, has there been a hell of a turnout, hasn't there? Like one of them had like 30,000, 30,000. And I, I do wonder if that will translate into votes, that kind of, that kind of passion. You know, the, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of stuff going on in Pennsylvania, and there was, a rally, there was rallies held on the same day. The Biden rally had 200 people show up, 200 groups, so a group of whatever it was, like 225. And there was 20,000 at the Trump rally. But in, 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 in a pandemic, it's hard to know. Is, it, is that just because Biden's supporters would be more likely to be cautious and be worried about going and get to an event like that? Maybe, maybe. But if it was a celebrity, if it was Tom Hanks out there stumping for Biden, I wonder if they'd show up. I worry what happens. So I talked about a Biden victory. I worry what happens with a Trump victory. I feel like the Trump presidency has pushed peop- some people, not everyone, obviously it's nuanced, but I feel like it's pushed some people on the left too far. And Don Lemon put it into words. And he said that people who follow Trump, they're like drug addicts. And he even said, in fact, I, I'm going to find this clip for you right now. He even said, in fact, that he's going to have to quit his family members and friends over Look politics. Look what's happening here to we them. Go. We Found have it. to help them. They're all getting killed by this. Now it's happening here. Yeah. It's happening here right now at his own damn rallies. You know what the sad thing is? And I'll be honest with you. Um, I, have met, I have many people who I love in my life. And yeah, I come from a red state. I've lived in several red states. There are a lot of friends who I had to really get rid of because they, they are so nonsensical when it comes to this issue. They have the whole, every single talking point that they hear on state TV and that they hear from this president. They repeat it and they are blinded by it. State TV, I think, is his cute euphemism for Fox News. And I just, when I said to you the other night, there's no way, they can't believe it. They can't, you know, I was just goosing you in a way, right? You know, what they say, I was, you know. Um, uh-oh, goosing my, uh-oh, goosing. Goosing, goosing I was breaking works. your, you know. You goosing know works. It won't, it's okay. not like that'll be all over the internet. Continue. <laughs> so, hey, but here's the thing. Um, I, I had to get rid of them because they are too far gone. I try and I try and I try. They'll say something really stupid and then I'll show them the science and I'll give them the information. And they still repeat those talking points. And all the while, the state was a hot spot. Many, if you look at the information that we put up last night, that you know, this is fascinating. Uh, the idea of quitting friends and family that you grew up with because of their politics, I, I'm sure it some of us have considered it. I have to say, I never would. Um, I, I think, I think a critical aspect of a healthy republic and a healthy democracy and a health, a healthy uh, voting populace is the freedom of speech and the ability to discuss ideas in a way that isn't violent. And if you can't even if you can't even stand to be associated or talk to people who have a certain political belief, you're not really helping the cause. And additionally, you should probably analyze why you're emotionally reacting so strongly. A lot of times when you kind of react like that and you have to eliminate people who don't believe like you do, 
It's because you're desperately trying to keep yourself believing. You're trying to convince yourself. And anyone that gives voice to any doubt, well, that chips away at your ability to convince yourself. And that cannot be allowed because you're scrambling as hard as you can to hold on to a narrative. And you're protecting that. You should try to analyze why it is you want to protect that so strongly. And perhaps in that journey, you could discover something else that's worth thinking about. Like perhaps there's something you've been telling yourself that you really don't believe deep down. And what these people are doing is they're reminding you, they're showing you that. And that's the actual problem, Don. You know what they say? I was, you know, um, yeah, bra- goosing, goosing I was breaking works. your, you know, you goosing know what I'm works. About. So it's okay. not like that'll be all over the internet. Continue. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. Um, I, I had to get rid of them because they are too far gone. I try and I try and I try. They'll say something really stupid and then I'll show them the science and I'll give them the information and they still repeat those talking points. And all the while, the state was a hot spot. Many, if you look at the information that we put up last night that came up yesterday, showed you how the red states have now taken over where the blue states, where people came in because there are bigger cities and there's more transmission, obviously. Where- what, 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 what really befuddles me is, is they, don't, they don't seem to have any historical appreciation. So with, with, they'll get on like, oh, they're just not upset enough about coronavirus. I have to quit them. They're not scared enough of Rona, and so I have to just stop associating with them. If you look back at, uh, at, well, human civilization, humans persevere. They continue on. They fight through being bombed. They fight through black plagues. They fight through oppression. They continue on. It's, there's a nobility to it. And what, what one could interpret as a nobility, they interpret as toxic Trumpism. For a while, the state was a hot spot. Many, if you look at the information that we put up last night that came up yesterday, showed you how the red states have now taken over where the blue states, where people came in because there are bigger cities and there's more transmission, obviously, where, where, there are, where people are closer together. And so now the red states are the problem. And I just, I had to get rid of a lot of people in my life because... So in the left states were the corona problem, that was fine. But now that it's the right states that are the problem, oh, got to get rid of them. There are more people are closer together. And so now the red states are the problem. And I just, I had to get rid of a lot of people in my life because sometimes you just have to let them go. I think that they have to hit rock bottom like an addict. Right. And they have to want to get help. They have to want to know the truth. They have to want to live in reality. They have to want to be responsible, not only for other people's lives, but for their lives. So, you know what? I have had it's so sad. And I don't know if after this I will ever be able to go back and be friends with those people, because at a certain point you just say they're too far gone and I got to let them go. And if they're willing to come back and if they're willing to um, now I got to dig myself out a little bit, live in, in reality then I will welcome them with open arms. His reality. You see, that's what's so hard for him to understand, is it is, it is his reality. There are different ways to see these things. And it's, it, nobody was talking about quitting people when it was the blue states. But I can't do it. I can't. Oh, he can't do it. <laughs> and then somebody has a vote below in the clip. <sighs> now, you know, Muting people or unfollowing people on social media because they're a bunch of lunatics and you're sick of seeing their crap. That's that's one thing, right? But cutting off lifelong acquaintances, friends, family members because they're not scared enough about the Rona. Well, you're the one that's too far gone, my friend. I hate to break it to you, Don. I know. I know it's rough. But you, my friend, are the one that is very far gone at that stage. Uh, And you got to ask yourself what you're trying to avoid. 
What is it, Don? What are you trying to avoid? All right, checking in now on the networks. It looks like a couple of them are at uh, break. MSNBC is live, and they're doing a Senate update. So let's check in on them. That's a good one. We haven't talked much about that yet. Now, go. About both those states. So we may know more about the Senate when we go to bed at 2 or 3 in the morning than we do know about the presidency. Okay, I'll take the optimism. Uh, Claire, keep watching with us. We'll go back to you uh, when things warrant. Uh, Hey, Steve Kornacki has early vote from Ohio. Yeah, I think that we are taking a look here at the early, uh, the absentee vote in, well, let's go statewide here and give you that view. Statewide in Ohio, that would explain why Joe Biden right now, you see statewide leading so much. Two places here that are accounting for this vote. Cuyahoga County, core Democratic County, this is where Cleveland is. And again, we're going we're gonna to play that game where let's see. Is he end up significantly over the Hillary Clinton number right now? He's at 75 percent. Clinton got 66 percent here. Biden's going to need substantial improvement uh, across Ohio. This is, remember, an eight-point victory for Trump statewide in 2016. Let's take a look in Franklin County, the state capital, Columbus. This guy is, like, totally disheveled and frazzled. I love it. Ironically, like, the NBC and CNN guy seems to just be freaking loving it. He seems almost giddy about it. So there's quite the uh, difference there. Uh, Mr. Debate, Chris Wallace, he's live. Let's go check in with him over at Juarez. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Conversely, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, he immediately said he's going to get a vote. He wasn't sure whether it was going to happen before the election or not, but we were going to he was going to go full speed ahead to name this. And, and by doing that, he kind of forces everybody in his party. He plants the flag and they have to rally around it. He's, he's really, I agree, an enormously effective Senate leader. And he will be in the Senate for six more years. Again, we don't know which leader position at this moment. So polls closing minutes from now in a big hall of states, including Florida and Pennsylvania, two states that could very well decide the presidential race. Yep. Election night 2020 continues. Yep. So Pennsylvania is one to watch, huh, guys? Isn't that something? Uh, so we'll have that in a little bit. And then obviously Florida always is. Uh, but Pennsylvania is where they've really been focusing for the last couple of days. Uh, multiple events in one day for Trump in Pennsylvania. So if we can, then let's talk about something else that's obviously at play here with this election. And um, I'm kind of I'm I'm proud that it's been, uh, you know, 50 minutes plus into the stream and this hasn't come up yet. But <laughs> uh, if you listen to the show, this would have you would think this would have come up already. And that is the Hunter Biden laptop. And you got to wonder if that's a factor at all, because um, it it sort of undermines a little bit of Joe's credibility. I think if people follow it, most people are probably dismissing the story. And if I were going to bet money on it, my bet would be it doesn't move the needle for this election. However, sort of as the Streisand effect does, the story about the cover-up has also kind of exposed an uncomfortable detail. And so I wonder if that isn't something to think about here. I watched this really weird interview with a like some this guy is called like Chris Chris Salito. I don't know. I uh, I honestly don't know. Have any idea who he is? He seems like some small time uh, player, but uh, he has an interview with Rudy Giuliani, who seems like a dingbat to me. But uh, and I can't tell if it's theater or not. But he seems to have one of the Hunter Biden laptops with him right now. Uh, I know the FBI has one of them, and we recently learned there was multiple. Not only does he seem to have Hunter Biden's laptop, but he seems to know the password. To Hunter Biden's user account. Now it's possible 
cracked up Hunter Biden stumbled into this MacBook repair shop, which is a legitimate business. It's out there. It's possible uh, he coked out of his head and cracked up, walked in there and dropped off multiple laptops and gave them his password. And then that shop owner passed it along to Rudy. It's possible. Seems a bit weird. Um, and Rudy Giuliani is a weirdo, so it's hard to really say. But I want to sh- I want to play you the bit for it so you can see it and make up your own mind. I don't know exactly where it was in this interview, but it's somewhere around here. And then you see a, dis- you see a disproportionate number for an adult male of photographs of underage uh, girls. Some of it appropriate. Still wondering why all of it is there, but appropriate. Some of it highly inappropriate. And some that at least the experts I showed it to believe that it crossed the line so much it had to be reported. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, I want to ask you about there are legitimate news sources out there that have confirmed that Hunter Biden is under an FBI investigation as of 2019, uh, we're told, and it should have been sooner, in my opinion, but 2019 for money laundering. And that begs more questions. Who is who? What are the countries he's laundering 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 money for? And then then to who is he laundering money to? Then the people in the FBI, really, uh, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. It doesn't want to. I mean, I gave them a document. That that demonstrates money laundering by Hunter Biden. For $14.3 million of money that moved from Burisma in Ukraine and was disguised as a loan to a phony company in Latvia, to a phony company in Cyprus, and then into his account. I handed that to them in January of 2020. I handed it to the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh. And he didn't investigate a damn thing about it. Wow. And then he let the president get impeached. On the theory that there was no reason for the president to be asking the president of Ukraine to investigate Biden when there were a thousand reasons to do it sitting in the computer the FBI was hiding. And Chris, you can't miss Ukraine in this computer. You can't possibly miss Ukraine in this computer. Here's the computer. I'm going to open it now for the first. This is the FBI opening for the first time. Says Robert Hunter. I know the password, of course. Now I'm going to open the uh-huh. computer. And on the right-hand side, you know, like the, the, the legends on the front page of a computer, there's one that says, Hunter, Burisma emails, waiting to upload. I'm sorry, you couldn't possibly have missed that. The reason, <laughs> the reason that uh-huh. the repairman criminal is because he read those and he interpreted it as criminal conduct. You mean to tell me the FBI didn't open them like I'm doing right now? Now, and now didn't is there read evidence? Is, do we actually have, have you actually seen two, evidence? Four, six, have you seen six, evidence ten, of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? Right. 70. Well, well Mr. 80, Mayor, have 90, you seen evidence 100, on this? 110, 120, 130, 145 text, uh, just uh, uh, emails about uh-huh. Burisma, which, uh, how this could be hidden, covered up and concealed when a president is being impeached by a bunch of crooked, phony Democrats for a charge that's full. Well, let, let- so 
uh, how bizarre is this? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. How bizarre is this? He just, Rudy Giuliani, who clearly just by, uh, you can hear him just speaking. He doesn't even know the term icons. He doesn't, he has zero technical knowledge, somehow knows the password. I mean, I don't even think he knows enough to guess that the password might be password. And he apparently has the MacBook right there. And when he closes it, you can see uh, the, Bi- the, Bi- the famously reported Biden sticker on it. So he has one of these things in his personal possession that he can just open up and look at the child porn pictures whenever he wants. How is this happening? How is this happening? But there's clearly a laptop. I wonder if we haven't been so busy talking Russia, 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 that maybe we have missed China, China, China. There's got to be a connection here. There's got to be. This is just something about this doesn't smell right. Just something about it. Like, I'm not saying the emails are illegitimate. Those are clearly pictures of Hunter. Hunter. I I had another uh, Russian vodka shot during that clip because of Rudy. So now it's going to hit me. Um, You know, I, I... I unfortunately saw parts of Hunter's anatomy that I never needed to see. And I saw a sad picture of a man struggling with drug abuse with him with a crack pipe hanging out of his mouth, passed out in bed. And I didn't get any joy in seeing that. It's very sad, but that's it. They're there. So the material is, seems legitimate. Um, but it just all is a little too weird and something's not right here. And the fact that Bannon is involved and he has ties to China and the fact that Biden, we played that audio where Biden had ties to China, something isn't right here. You, you following what I'm saying here? Like, just don't know, but I'm doing the math and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking there's probably a China co- connection here that we are not really fully appreciating. And the fact I think Bannon might be the key to it. He, he might be the conduit. I don't know, though. Obviously, there's no way for us to know. And I think this is sort of the shame of of actually just burying the story and not looking further into it. So that's that's why I wish that's why I wish they would get into it a little bit. I'm going to do a check in now on the uh, networks. Move on from that. Uh, I just thought that was kind of an odd one. Uh, We have uh, perhaps some updates with. uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. So, well, they've they've declared Kentucky, but I think we already knew that at this point. So, I don't know if that's necessarily an update. 50 to 49. Uh, Obviously, he'd like to be winning by more than that. Uh, But that's a lot different picture than we were getting not very many weeks ago, which way the senior vote was going in Florida. So, that might be encouraging to the Trump Trump campaign. Think about how many stops that both campaigns made in Florida, uh, in North Carolina, in Georgia. Uh, Those three southern states are going to be really crucial. And we're getting ready for the next poll close, and we may have some more calls in just seconds. Oh, yeah. The polls are closing in 18 states. Look at this. 175 yeah. electoral votes are up for grabs. All right. What happens in this hour could define America. We are going to win my home state of Florida. We win Florida, and it's all <laughs> the votes are in. Holy we'll crap. The threshold. Who will be the president of the United States of America? It may come down to Pennsylvania. And I believe in you. I believe in my state. We win Pennsylvania. We win the whole thing. Wow. It's like it really is their Super Bowl, you guys. This really is like this is their thing. And, um, you know, for some of these networks, this is actually what puts them into the black. 
This is uh, this is like what gets them the revenue for the rest of the year. But we do have polls closing in the next hour. Let's check it out. CNN projections. Uh, CNN projections right now. Let's start in Massachusetts. CNN projects Joe Biden will win the state of Massachusetts, will win its 11 electoral votes. CNN projects Joe Biden will win the state of Maryland and win its 10 electoral votes. Another win for Biden in Maryland. Joe Biden will win his home state of Delaware with three electoral votes, a win in Delaware for Biden. And Joe Biden will win the District of Columbia, which has three electoral votes as well. Uh, Trump, uh, we have a projection for Trump right now as well. Uh, Oklahoma, CNN projects that uh, Donald Trump will win the state of Oklahoma with seven electoral votes. Uh, that, That goes to Trump. Uh, Right now, we cannot make projections in these states. Take a look. Alabama, Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, and New Hampshire. Uh, Also, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Tennessee. Uh, We cannot make projections in those states. Let's take a look at the, uh, uh, the electoral college count as it stands right now. Biden has 30 electoral, 30 electoral college uh, votes. Trump has 18. Remember, 270 needed to win the presidency. Let's get a key race alert right now. Biden is leading in these states right now. In Ohio, that's a key battleground. 28% of the estimated vote is in. Biden is ahead by almost 370,000 votes. 59.7% to 39.1%, 18 electoral votes. Biden is also ahead in Georgia right now. 10% of the estimated vote is in. Biden is up. It's very close by about 5,300 votes, 50% to 49% in Georgia. A tight battle underway. In New Hampshire right now, only 5% of the vote is in. Biden is ahead there by about 6,700 votes, 57.3% to 41.9% for electoral votes in New Hampshire. Trump is ahead in these two states. Let's take a look right now. Right now, Trump is ahead in Florida, 82% of the estimated vote in Florida is in. But he's ahead by uh, about 11,000 votes. Look at how close it is in Florida right now, 49.6% to 49.4%. A tight battle in Florida underway right now. Uh, Trump is ahead in Virginia right now. 18% of the estimated vote is in. Trump has a 151,000 vote lead over Biden, 58% to 40.1%. Let's go back to John King at the Magic Wall. We're looking at these states right now, but let's take a look at the big picture. Yeah, I really can't stand the music and the shouting, so I may start using a different network. I kind of wanted to be consistent on the call-out so we knew the format, but Wolf just sort of yells, and they crank the music like it's like radio or something does use the winner-take-all method for allocating electoral votes. Uh, they do not, actually. They split out one. Our decision desk can now project that Joe Biden will win three of Maine's four electoral votes. But again, there's another one that's split out. We don't have enough data yet to determine the winner of Maine's second congressional district, which represents the state's fourth electoral vote. That importance of that one vote really could loom large if the natural, national electoral contest comes down to the wire. The other one that splits it out, Nebraska. So Maine is also a state that has a very closely watched Senate race at this hour. Republican Senator Susan Collins is trying to fend off a challenge from Democrat Sarah Gideon in a race that could help determine overall control of the Senate. It is too early to make a projection on that race at the moment. The other big Senate race of the hour is in Alabama, where incumbent Democrat Doug Jones faces a strong challenge from Republican Tommy Tuberville. Too early to call that contest, which if Tuberville prevails, could be the first Senate flip 
of the night, and that would leave them with only three uh, pickups in the future if they were to do that. And there you see the balance of power. Fox News can project that Republicans will keep their Senate seats in Tennessee and Oklahoma, while Democrats will keep their Senate seats in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, and Delaware. All of the other Senate races in the states where... Wow, this is so less obnoxious. It's a totally different take. It's a totally different take on this. And I'm curious to see. Let's do another round of check-ins. So uh, ABC has their uh, big thing going. So let's check in with ABC, what they're talking about right now. Georgia, that's what this is going to come down to tonight. Okay, thanks very much. Let's go to Adrian Bankard in Columbus. Adrian, as David Muir said, COVID has been raging through the state of Ohio for the last several weeks. Yes, that's right, George. In fact, new numbers posted today saying that there were over 4,200 new cases of the virus here in Ohio, 33 more deaths. That takes the number of total cases up to more than 225,000 uh, in this uh, state. Now, that is one concern for voters here in Ohio, but their major concern is the economy, joblessness, workers uh, needing employment. And they uh, overall, according to our early data, show that they believe that Trump can handle this more than Biden. But again, every poll is very, very tight. And this is a toss-up state. This is showing that the results are tied between Trump and Biden. Uh, but again, this could be a very historic signpost for the election. There have only been two exceptions where Ohio didn't call the presidential winner. In fact, if you just look back at history, whoever wins Ohio lends itself to winning the presidency, winning the nomination. So we're awaiting those numbers. The polls closed. So at right now, CNN is making a projection that uh, Donald Trump has officially won Kentucky. So I might check in over it there on, and see what they have to say about it. Let's, ch let's bring back CNN after I banish them for a bit. He needed to win the presidency. Let's get a key race alert right now. I hear a five battleground states right now where Biden is. Oh, ahead. man, it's so obnoxious. Let's, uh, let's start. And with they're done talking about Kentucky. Right now. Only less than one percent of the vote is in. But Biden is ahead by nearly 40,000 votes. Seventy nine point nine percent to eighteen point eight percent for Trump in Texas right now. Ten percent of the vote is in. Biden is ahead by about two hundred twenty six thousand votes. Fifty eight point seven percent to forty percent for Trump. Let's go to Georgia right hmm. now. Ten percent of the vote is in. Look at how close it is. Only 440. All right. <clears throat> Boy, Texas. Texas is uh, looking awful blue right now, you guys. I wonder how that bet's going to play out in the Discord. <laughs> He's uh, looking a little blue. <laughs> looking a little blue. All right. Back to uh, Hunter. We'll stay on this just for a little bit. Uh, it, there it does seem to be more traction with the Hunter laptop story than you would expect, I guess. All right. Uh, Jake Sherman, you have some polling on the Republican attacks on Hunter Biden. Um, how are they shaping up? Are they sticking? They are. We're actually seeing an unusual, uh, somewhat unusual level of uh, breakthrough on this story. Our poll shows, the Political Morning Console poll shows this morning that 50% of people have heard a lot or some mm. uh, of, the, uh, of this story. And that is, and it does say that 51% heard not much or nothing at all. But to put this in context, this is a story that's by and large lived in the right-wing media scape. It is not broken <laughs> to a large degree to the front page of the New York Times or Washington Post or Wall Street Journal. Crazy right-wing media. Um, but has kind of remained in that universe. So I, I would say that it does seem a bit high, not that the polling's wrong, I believe the polling, it seems unusually high for a story that's kind of existed in one ideological sphere. Streisand effect. Streisand effect is what I keep saying. And the fact that you're obviously trying not to talk about it. 
That also is a big deal. This is 2019. I just want to deal in fact because there is so much speculation out there and there is zero evidence that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note, again, and you, you and I have said this on the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. Now this is current day. Just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence Biden, Biden did, did anything, anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused uh, that it, 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 I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Now, there's new Biden secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Russia! Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Oh. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that <laughs> so i i it's hard to know i don't know if we'll ever actually get a clear answer because i don't know if they ever made it clear if hillary's damn emails made an impact on the last election but it's got um it's got people talking and i in the attempt to not talk about it i think they've drawn more and more attention to it so it has sort of had the opposite effect that they wanted um, but it, of course the timing is intentional. I mean, there's just no question about it, but I, again, the timing being so close to the election doesn't mean that the contents are invalid. It just means that the Trump team, the people around Trump who are handling this for him, who is Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. So talk about when you need somebody to do the dirty work and everybody else who's done your dirty work is already gone to jail or been investigated. These are his last dirty henchmen right here, right? And Bannon was even fired. But everybody else, that, like Cohen and everybody else, they're, they're done. They're cooked. So he's, these, are the last, these are the last dirty henchmen he's got. And Giuliani knows how to play hardball politics. So there's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely the timing is it's an October surprise. By its very definition, this is the October surprise. Giuliani... I mean, all of this goes back to the Ukraine stuff. Giuliani's been sniffing around for information for two years because they know they know something went down. They just need to get documents. People inside D.C. are aware of what went, what went, what went on in Crimea, and they're aware of what happened in the Ukraine. They know what the game plan is. So they know the corruption's there because that's how D.C. works. Giving your family jobs and having them go out and use your name as a brand to get on boards is what keeps the families of D.C. people employed. That's how they get their money. It's how it works. So they know, right? Rudy knows. He knows going into this there's going to be corruption somewhere. 
So they just had to go find it. And he found it, and then he packaged it all up and delivered it. We'll have to see how Trump repays him. Maybe one day we'll see that. I don't know. Uh, if he wins, we'll see. Maybe Rudy gets some position. If he loses, maybe Rudy joins his media empire. I mean, Trump does keep making mentions to losing. That has he happened. He's the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. If I lose to him, I don't know what I'm going to do. I will never speak to you again. Well, we've done for Minnesota. I lose Minnesota, I'm never coming back. I don't care. <laughs> he has no idea what he's saying. How the hell do you lose to a guy like this? Is this possible? Oh, I'll never come to Pennsylvania again. I love this place. Can you imagine if I lose and I've done all these things, they kick in on January 1st, you're going to say, boy, that Biden's done a great job on price transparency. I'm going to say I lost to the worst candidate in the history of politics. I'm not going to feel so good. Maybe I'll have to leave the country. I don't know. You know, if we don't win it, I'm blaming the governor. I'll fire him somehow. I'm going to fire him. I will find a way. If Crazy Joe becomes... President, it's not even conceivable. No, no, running against him, it puts such pressure because I'm running against the worst in the history of presidential. And now, if I lose, can you imagine? I'd rather run against somebody who's extraordinarily talented. At least this way, I can go and lead my life. But we're not going to lose. We're going to win. We're going to win at numbers. We're going to win in numbers. I will say his message closer to. Uh, Election Day has picked up a little bit, and he doesn't talk about that as much. Um, the other thing that uh, Trump uh, was asked about, or he spoke about, I should say, at one of his rallies, is that incident where Trump supporters surrounded a Biden bus in Texas. Did you see this? Actually, pretty dangerous, I got to say. As somebody who drives a 40-foot Class A bus RV, um, unless you have driven a vehicle of that size, you have no idea what it's like to drive that thing, to keep it in the lane and to stop that thing. And so, um, it's totally different than playing chicken or brake checking a passenger vehicle or a passenger truck, you know, a 25,000 pound bus, which is probably, is probably that bus is probably more than 25,000 pounds. It's probably heavier than my RV. Cause it's one of these tour buses, one of these big old diesel tour buses. I don't, I don't think people uh, have a, an appreciation for how, how dangerous that was. So I don't know if you saw that video, but Trump did address the fact that the FBI is investigating those involved and sort of, uh, has, as he has done his entire presidency, he handles it in a way that you've never seen a president handle it before. And you go, man, he could have just uh, put that fire out instead. No, nope, nope. But uh, it is something. Do you see the way our people, they, you know, they were protecting his bus yesterday because they're nice. So his bus, they had hundreds of cars, Trump, Trump, Trump and the American flag. That's a, you see Trump and American flag. Do you ever notice when you see the other side? I don't even see much of the other side. You don't see any, they have no spirit, they have no enthusiasm, they have no nothing. But you know what, I don't see them. But whenever you see like a small group, because there's got to be small, because there's nobody around, nobody cares. But you see these groups, you never see an American flag. I always say, if you look at a group and you don't see the American flag, you know that's the opposition, you know? And I say that Congress, and I'm going to do very hard for this because we have to go through a big deal. He's going to do very hard, you guys. He's going to do very hard. But I say when somebody burns the American flag, they should go to jail for one year. Mr. Biden, Harris agenda was projected and is projected to, if, if you go by that crazy plan, Wall Street Journal, you're going to lose $6,000. They're going to take it out and they're going to waste it. But it's not six. It's much more than that. 
And we're going up to a substantial number. That's not including energy. And if you think about energy, when you're $2 and your electric bills are nice and low, when they get rid of all our petroleum products. I'm going to pause Trump here um, because MSNBC. Sorry, I keep muting myself by mistake. Uh, That's what I get for taking shots while I'm broadcasting. MSNBC has a projection for the Senate, so I'm pulling that up right now because uh, I think this one's going to be kind of substantial because it's Mitch McConnell. Some of those trends may continue. Uh, So Texas looks like it could be quite close. But again, it's a fascinating night because we get all this vote dumped early in some states uh, that is going to be Democratic-leaning. In other states, it'll be Republican-leaning. So I think patience has to be the key word tonight. Michael Still, I'm going to ask you to be patient just for a second because I think I've got to go to Brian for an important call in a Senate race. Brian? We indeed can project that uh, when the U.S. Senate goes back in session, Mitch McConnell will either be majority or minority leader. In any event, the voters in the state of Kentucky uh, have awarded him a seventh term in office at age 78 mitch mcconnell has pushed back the challenge from amy mcgrath uh right now a pretty healthy lead he is our projected winner in the state of kentucky already awarded to donald trump rachel forgive me back to your conversation no very good it's good to know the uh all right so uh that's uh interesting and noteworthy we have to it is hard for me tonight to remember that there is also a senate race because I've had no anxiety around that. I've only had anxiety <laughs> around the presidential race. Even my even my local races, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. Uh, it is now the uh, Cucker Tuckerson time slot, and he has joined the Fox News panel to nod his head and look incredulous, which is uh, happening now over on the Fox News Network. People wanted, I think, at the beginning of the night. Yeah, again, it's not what we expected. I mean, certainly if you, if you live in the world that I live in, um, you know, the media world, the political world, I mean, not many people believe the president had any chance whatsoever. I mean, none. I mean, you know, this was going to be a blue wave. This was going to be an early night. And again, we don't know. It's 818. We don't know the outcome. And, and I think it's always been a pretty tough race for the incumbent president. But it's not what people thought it was last night. And again, you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is the demonstrated reality so different from what purportedly smart people said it was going to be? And again, I don't know the answer to that, but we're going to have mountains of data. This is the second election in a row that people paid to get it right, apparently got it wrong. And I just think it's important to learn from your mistakes, and I hope that we do. I really do. A bit of a victory lap early here, Tucker. We, in effect, lied to people. How did that happen? (laughs) <laughs> you know, with the Hispanic vote, Tucker, when I look across the tabs on a number of states, it looks like the president, and this is obviously very early looking at this data, right. it looks like doing better with Hispanics than with African-American voters, at least in the, in the states that we have seen coming yeah. in so far. And that I wonder if um, I wonder if Mitch McConnell winning is a bellwether tonight. I wonder if that is an early indication of where this is going to go. Checking in now on your buddies over at CNN, Wolf. We have another projection right now. CNN projects President Trump will win the state of Tennessee, will win Tennessee's 11 electoral votes, a win for Trump in Tennessee. Here's where the race to 270 electoral votes stands right now. Trump is now on top. He has 37 electoral votes. Biden has 30 electoral votes. Remember, once again, 270 needed to win the White House. Let's get a key race alert, see where things stand in some several of the critically important battleground states in Ohio right now. 42% of the estimated vote is in. 
Biden is ahead of Trump by some 312,000 votes, 55.3% to 43.5% for Trump in Ohio. In Pennsylvania, only 3% of the estimated vote is in, but Biden has a 143,000 vote lead over Trump, 82.2%. Ohio and Pennsylvania are looking pretty good for Biden so far. Michigan right now, very, very early, less than 1% of the vote is in. Biden is ahead uh, by some 10,000 votes, 58.9% to 39.7% in uh, Michigan right now. Let's go back to John King at the Magic Wall. He's a busy guy tonight. Got a lot going on. You got a stupid magic wall, (laughs) dumb magic wall that they do. Oh, remember when touchscreens were brand new and uh, then they went all in and spent way too much money on touchscreen props? Uh, CNN remembers that. I want to go back to this Trump rally that uh, he was at. This it's the optics of this are fascinating, right? You got Donald Trump. He's you can tell he's a little tired. It's been a hard. I mean, it's remarkable. The man is 74 years old and he's doing five rallies a day. And I would imagine at some point in between there, he's also doing, you know, some daily day job stuff, <laughs> I would hope. So just think about it. I, I, do a, I do a day of live streaming and I'm exhausted. Tomorrow, I'm going to be like stuck in second gear all day because I've been live since about noon and uh, doing Linux Unplugged and prepping for that and then doing this. And I'll, that wears me out. And I, I am in my late 30s. This is a 74-year-old man, and he is staying the night at different hotels. He is flying nonstop. And so he's a little low energy, and I'm not ridiculing him for it because, my God, I would be too. I wonder – I still wonder if something props this man up. Discord, I'll I'll put it to you. Do you think Donald Trump – yay or nay, let's just keep it simple so it's clear. And if you're in the Discord live chat right now, unfiltered.show slash Discord, yay or nay, is Trump on Adderall? Because, you know, it's, he's hitting it hard. Wind. Let's build windmills all over the place. Let's litter the landscape. Let's have littered the landscape. You know, when you build a windmill, I'm not against wind. It should be in industrial areas, maybe. But it's very expensive. Very- wow, it's a lot of yays. <laughs> a lot of yays. One abstain and all yays. <laughs> I don't think it's Coke. I believe him when he says he doesn't do drugs. I don't know why. But, you know, when he went in for COVID, he's like, give me all the drugs. Give me all the things. Give me those steroids. Give me that cocktail. Give me them stem cells. Uh, If you're 74 years old and you have a very strong, lifelong anti-drug policy, you don't wind up in the hospital and say, give it all to me, doctor. You have lived your life as a drug-free man. It's a policy of yours at this point. So I'm betting... He's all in on the legal drugs, is what I'm thinking. And he's always managed to find the right doctors to give him the edge. You know, I mean, his heyday was the 80s, too. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Very expensive. And if you want to see a lot of dead birds, all you have to do is go to the bottom of a windmill. If you'd like to see a lot of dead birds, go to the bottom of, they pile up. They don't know what to do with them. I'll tell you, it's crazy. And they're environmentalists. They want wind. And when the wind doesn't blow, let's watch President Trump's speech tonight, State of the Union. He's done very nice State of the Union with Nancy ripping it up in the back, crazy. Man. Let's watch, let's watch President Trump, let's watch his, and, and the man, the husband will say, darling, I'm sorry, we can't. The wind is not blowing tonight. It's intermittent. They call it intermittent television. You have a network, intermittent television. No, we have to power our great factories. We have to power our factories. I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm going to call Biden out for slurring, I've got to call Trump out for it, too. 
Uh, it sounds like uh, we're getting some projections from Fox according to the chat room. So I'm going to uh, check in on uh, that. Uh, of course, the chat room appears to be all in on the Adderall, so I can't really speak for them, uh, but we'll see what they have to say. Yes. Why would he lose? He would lose partly, I believe, well, probably many reasons. And, you know, if, if he loses, I mean, I'm, I always tell my children this, when, when, you know, when you lose, blame yourself first. You know, don't blame other people. Blame yourself first. Um, I think that's morally important for all of us, not just for politicians. But I would say there are a lot of reasons, and they're obvious. I do think the coronavirus, um, the, the administration's response to it, also the political uses of it, it was used as a partisan cudgel, had an effect. I think the general feeling that things are out of control, whether and I actually don't think that's primarily the president's fault, but we could debate it. It doesn't matter. The incumbent will always suffer if people feel like, wow, you know, what's going on? Why doesn't someone restore order? This is scary. I, I don't know. The, the future makes me anxious. That feeling will always hurt the guy who's up for re-election because every election, and any strategist will tell you, is a very simple question. Do you want more of the same or do you want something different? And in a time of anxiety, people instinctively say, I want to change the channel. I want something different. So it's probably a bunch of different things, but I think... I want to change the channel. I think uh, he's projecting there a little bit. So on the side there, they have uh, Trump winning uh, Florida with 87% of the votes in. That is a key win for Trump, but uh, not really a surprising win. The, le the legislative branch and the executive for two years in 2016. And they didn't make that many changes, but they made no structural changes. They didn't change the system at all. We're looking, if there, there's a Democratic sweep, at Democrats in the first year changing the Electoral College, changing the voting age, changing the number of states we have, changing the Supreme Court, How does he I mean, know changing this? the fundamentals, changing our system itself. And I think most people, even Democrats, are conservative, small c conservative, and they fear radical change. This is like a pretty good country, actually, despite its faults. Do you really want to tamper with the formula to overthrow the system that served us for 250 years? I think. Most people, if you if you calm down, maybe took Trump out of it, would say, no, I, I don't really want that. But that's what we could get. And I think it has scared people. But, Tucker, ironically, Joe Biden, I think, prevailed in the primary because yes. he represented a return to normal. Uh, yes. People saying, I would like the establishment back, please. Thank you very much. I, yes. I, I was OK yes. with it. I think that's um, right. And, and in the reality, as you point out, that that may or may not be what they end up getting and they may or may not decide that they, they actually wanted to go back there. Who knows? I think that's really smart. And a lot of that's a weak toss for him. That really gave him nothing to work with. Uh, he does. Oh, that's really smart. He, it's like, really, Tucker? Really? Was it really smart? Let's check in on MSNBC. Let's get a little a bit of the other side since we just went hard on Fox. Going over to MSNBC and seeing what they're. Oh, good. They're using the touch screen. Good. I love it when they use the touch screen. Lower question is how much lower if he's fighting trump to a draw then he's going to win his county by about two hundred thousand votes he'll get about a two hundred thousand vote plurality if he actually wins you know by a substantial margin on election day he can add to that statewide so let's see let's see what the trend is as it develops in carolina okay joy and nicole before all of this start before all the numbers started washing over us oh look this is mecklenburg county what we were just talking about in north carolina yeah. this is ballots being delivered these are live shots of what is happening here in terms of the mechanics of this election as we are starting to see that vote come in in north carolina before we started to see these numbers coming in, we were 
talking about the Biden campaign and the Trump campaign and their expectations, both of them seeing Florida as a toss-up. Yeah, I agree. This needs more hype music. So let's... uh, In North Carolina and in Georgia, we are now seeing strong numbers for Biden in North Carolina. Well, and let's not forget, you know, North Carolina has acted like a swing state (laughs) before. Barack Obama won North Carolina by about 14,000 votes in 2008. He only lost it by about 90,000 votes. It currently has a Democratic governor who won by a hair in 2016 when Trump was winning that state as a presidential candidate. So it has swing state properties. It's where Moral Mondays began. There's been a lot of activism. Bishop William Barber and others have really pushed that state. And the big issue there... Health care, health care, health care has been for years. I will also say that the, in terms of partisan politics in North Carolina, they have been on the Republican side at the vanguard of procedural radicalism yes. in North Carolina. That is where we saw the, the state legislature there, for example, yep. really pioneer these very radical anti-democratic, both anti-capital D-democratic yes. and anti-small D-democratic meetings, yeah. like disempowering the governor mm-hmm. once he was elected as a Democrat, yeah. taking things away from him that had previously been the powers of the governor. Uh, the North Carolina Republican Party has been profoundly radicalized, uh, sort of in the same way that Wisconsin Republicans Absolutely. have within the last decade. Yeah. And I think that has really sharpened politics as it's become a it's bit of a, swing, a, a swing yeah. state at the presidential level. Yeah. So, well, there you go. So uh, I like the live shots there of the ballots, actually. For some reason, that kind of does work for me. Uh, it looks like uh, we haven't gotten much from the CBS News, so I thought maybe we'd do a little bit of check-in. There's a couple of items of interest that uh, CBS is broadcasting, and I've been monitoring that. So I think maybe I'll pull some of that up for you. I like to just kind of check in with all the various networks. We never got to Trump's line about the Trump drivers, but uh, that's okay. He kind of was going on and on. Uh, The first bit to report is that uh, Biden himself has uh, been on camera just recently, and he, I would say, seems, I guess you could say, optimistic. It's hard to really tell. You, You tell me. This is him. We're keeping a close eye on the campaign trail today, and right now, former Vice President Joe Biden is speaking from his hometown of Wilmington, Delaware. Let's listen in. But there's still a great need. But what's happening is that the people who are, uh, people who are in a position that they're getting engaged now, and it's, uh, and, and it's mainly, like I said, That's a pretty standard response, I suppose, to that. I'm not 
not too shocked by any of that. Um, let's see here. Checking in now on uh, uh, MSNBC, they say they have breaking, breaking news. Uh, in another direction, messaging-wise. And so, so far tonight, particularly when you look at that Miami, those Miami-Dade numbers, and you look at other counties that are more of those white suburban counties. Yeah, they're not really getting there, that are, are they? Rural or I think their definition of breaking news is not my definition. 30, 35 points and Joe Biden's right. Let's go to Fox. 2% in Florida back in 2016. If the current trend continues, Donald Trump will have a bigger victory if he'll have a bigger victory than that tonight over Joe Biden. And I know the Trump camp feels, well, if he does well in Florida, then maybe he'll have a bigger margin in Georgia and North Carolina and that march up the, the Atlantic coast. You know, it, it, it's fascinating. Let, let me also say, though, about Florida, it was almost a must win state for Donald Trump. I, I, almost any projection uh, of, of Trump winning tonight, he had that. to win the 29 electoral votes from uh, in Florida. Biden doesn't need that and wasn't really counting on it, but hoped to win it. And certainly he campaigned hard and he sent Barack Obama down there on Monday. So it'll be a disappointment to him, but it isn't a killer the way it would have been had, had That's my the president lost Florida. You know, I'm looking at our Fox News opinion analysis and, and, and you know, there's some numbers in here that would seem to bode very ill for Donald Trump. When you ask people, are conditions in this country right direction or wrong direction? 62 percent wrong direction, 38 percent right direction. Uh, when you ask me what's the single most important issue, if it's the economy, overwhelmingly 79, 19 for for Trump. Mm -hmm. If you if you think it's the coronavirus, 74, 25 for Biden yeah. and more people, a lot more people think the coronavirus is a, a bigger issue. So, that yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And that could ultimately be it could end up being essentially a one issue vote. You know me, guys, I like to watch the stock market on this kind of stuff to see what they're saying. And I did notice a big rally today on Election Day. So I got a clip on that. This is your your good buddy, Jim Cramer here. The market was closed on Election Day. That changed in 1984. So today, with it open, what's the market telling us? Who better than Jim Cramer to find out from that? Jim, I heard you say yesterday and again today, this was a Biden rally. Why do you say that and what does that mean? Well, I mean, I think that people just want to get this thing over with. I think people, there are a lot of people on Wall Street that want Biden. They just don't want any more what they would regard as being, uh, let's say, excitement. They like <laughs> boring. And I think that there were a lot of people at the last minute who kind of felt, you know what? This thing is going to end up being uh, something that goes Biden's way, and it'll be clearly Biden's way. Now, that is not necessarily the way I feel, because after 2016, Shep, I, I got to tell yeah. you, I know better than to say this way is going to go this or that. But I think having it over is causing a very nice move today. Well, we're, we're hopeful that it's over, at least. Right. <laughs> Does the market care which of them? And if so, why? Well, look, the market loves uh, the breaks that Biden would give to the international companies, particularly what they would do with China, because even though he's a hawk on China, he's a soft hawk versus the current president. Uh, but the people love low taxes and they want to put money in the market and the corporations love taxes. And that's that's Trump's bailiwick. So they, they take the uh, too much excitement, but they like to have low taxes. So the stock market's rallying because they think it's going to be a Biden win. Isn't that interesting? So they're betting on Biden and Biden is outperforming Clinton's 26 campaign in some key areas. 
Lana Zak is at the board. Lana, what's the latest? Hey there, Elaine. I've been looking pretty deeply into some of these demographic numbers. We've been talking a lot about women and male voters and how they're doing. Overall, nationally, there's some good news for the Biden campaign on that. He's up uh, three, per, three points over Hillary Clinton comparatively. Uh, and I want to take you deeper into Ohio, which is one of those battleground states that just closed. So you see women voters in Ohio going to Biden, 52 compared to Trump at 47. And when it comes to white women, which you and the panel have been talking about a lot, white women still favoring Trump over Biden. But again, his numbers are, are trending better with white women than uh, Hillary Clinton in the last presidential campaign. One of the things that's really interesting is how men are voting, though, Elaine. This is starting to emerge. These are our nationwide uh, polls. Men in, uh, in the U.S., 49% going for Biden, 48% for Trump. Neck and neck, obviously, but that's still up over what we saw in the last election. In fact, when it comes to men, this is eight points higher than Hillary Clinton did. And when it comes to white men, Biden's still trailing the president. But again, those numbers are up 10 points over Hillary Clinton. There you go. Elaine. All right, Lana Zach, thank you. We'll be checking in with you throughout the night. Lana Zach, checking in on the demographics. Thanks, Lana Zach. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to really say at this point. So Biden seems to be optimistic that uh, there's been large turnouts. They think that's going to be good. But the Trump campaign at this hour right now has also said they're very, quote, encouraged. Jeff, I can tell you that I've just been texting with a senior administration official uh, at the White House who tells me uh, that they're very encouraged by what they see in Miami-Dade County so far. They don't think uh, that Joe Biden is running up the margin there uh, that Hillary Clinton ran up last time. So that's something to watch. They're very encouraged at the White House right now, what they're seeing in the early going there. But meanwhile, President Trump remains at the White House tonight, having scrapped plans to go to a campaign party at the Trump Hotel just a few blocks away. Now, the campaign says he'll host a party for several hundred supporters in the East Room of the White House, and then the president will monitor returns from the residence and from the Oval Office. Earlier today, aides briefed reporters saying they believe Democrats are coming up short in early votes and that former Vice President Biden lacks a ground game in key states like Florida. The, uh, Team Trump says tonight they're more confident than they were at this same point back in 2016. And well, yeah, I mean, everybody assumed you were going to lose in 2016. I mean, let's be honest. That was that was rough. The thing that's fascinating to me about this time around is uh, th even now, we don't really know what's happening in Texas, Texas of all places. And of course, the role that Pennsylvania is playing. Swing states, both new and old, will weigh heavily on the outcome of the 2020 presidential race. Both candidates have kept a sharp eye on Pennsylvania. Joe Biden has spent much of the last 24 hours in the state where he grew up. President Trump swung through earlier this week for a rally as well. The state's 20 electoral votes are at the forefront of the battle over mail-in ballots. The president and his team have already threatened legal action. And a new battleground is emerging in the South. Texas, a state that has not voted for a Democrat since 1976, is seeing record turnout. The Lone Star State has already surpassed its 2016 vote total before Election Day. Democrats have invested heavily in the hopes this is the year Texas will flip blue. 
For more on these crucial battleground states, I want to bring in John Delano and Renuka Reyesam. John is the money and politics editor for our Pittsburgh station, KDKA. That's where he joins us from tonight. Mm. And Renuka covers Texas politics, policy, and health care for Politico. I don't think I'm interested. Thanks, though, anyways. I like that the mum or the mumble room, the Discord room's talking about how it's a Russia collusion, and that's why. <laughs> Oh, it's good. Okay, so we've, uh, of course, got to keep an eye on where things are at right now. Um, but I do want to keep playing a couple of clips for you, too. So I'm monitoring the networks. Don't worry. I'm keeping an eye on case anything particularly, um, uh, I guess, important happens. I'm debating, I'm debating like, uh, where I want to go next with the clips as I chat with you. Okay, how about this piece? This is We haven't played much from NBC, so let's play this from NBC. A presidential pep talk at campaign headquarters in the final hours of the 2020 race. I think we're going to have a great night, uh, but it's politics and it's elections and you never know. President Trump now rallying his own troops after rallying supporters with five stops in the last 24 hours. And tonight, three key things to watch. The map, the message, and the mood. We're going to win this state so easily. Mapping out a win means holding on to key battlegrounds the president took in 2016, where polls now show close races. Campaign sources say they feel good about states like North Carolina, Georgia and Florida, where the first lady cast her ballot this morning. Advisors acknowledge to NBC News Michigan is an uphill climb, but it's crucial Pennsylvania that could be a tipping point, a state the president campaigned in more than any other. One source describing it as on a knife's edge. We spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania. It's always been a very good place for me. The president's message, turn out. With this race, a referendum not just on him. This isn't about, yeah, it is about me, I guess, when you think of it. <laughs> but on his pandemic response, as he again incorrectly suggests the country has a handle on COVID cases. We're rounding the turn, by the way. We're round, they hate it when I say it, but we're rounding the turn. That's not even the same. That's contradicted by one of his own top advisors, Dr. Deborah Burks. In an internal report obtained by the Washington Post, she pushes for much more aggressive action, an approach that is not being implemented, she says. The White House, in response, insists they're working around the clock to defeat the virus. The mood inside the Trump orbit, anxiety mixed with cautious optimism, memories lingering of their 2016 come-from-behind win, but eyes on suburban women and seniors who have moved away from President Trump. And for the president himself, a rare, reflective moment. Winning is easy. Losing is never easy. Not for me, it's not. Tonight, the president set to once again mix official business with campaign activities. As sources tell me, several hundred people are expected in the East Room for election night. COVID testing required. Oh, COVID testing required. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're saying it's something like 400 people. Like they've built a big old wall and it's like something like 400 people are going to be in there. It is, it is a year, isn't it? I mean, you think about it, there's been massive forest fires during this campaign. There has been all of the COVID stuff. There has been all of the protest. But, I mean, I think maybe I shouldn't just say the COVID stuff, right? Like the, the COVID stuff. <laughs> That's sort of selling it short. It's defined our year. Tupperware. Tupperware, the company's third quarter, saw its highest North American sales since 2002. 
I've had this, and this is what I was thinking about. I've had this conversation with a few people that uh, are like in my peer group, friends, you know, friends and family that are around my age. A lot more home cooking, a lot more meal planning is going on. And I wonder, uh, are you guys seeing that uh, Discord? Have you guys seen that a little bit? I, I, I'm curious to know. Uh, I feel like I've had a lot of people commenting on that. Uh, so let me know about that. And also just remind you, if you want to, if you want to jump in, you can jump in the, uh, the chatter channel, which is uh, for voice. And then just tag me in the discord text chat, the live channel. Let me know if you want to say something. So ABC has got uh, an update going on MSNBC and NBC. They're all doing their thing right now. None of them are at commercial right now, but I want to check in on ABC since it has been uh, a minute since we were there last. So let's see what their reporter who is at the chase center. Yes. The bank. Uh, several months ago at the beginning of this pandemic, Biden on Charlemagne, the God, his radio show saying to, to black voters that if they don't vote for him, quote, you ain't black. Mm. That, of course, did not sit well uh, with many in the black community, despite the fact that, of course, it was black voters, especially female black voters that helped in many ways rescue uh, Joe Biden's candidacy, helped deliver him this nomination, especially in the South. Uh, and, and Joe Biden has continued to face this criticism. You know, I think, of course, about the moment in our town hall in Pennsylvania just a couple weeks ago, uh, a young black voter, Cedric Humphrey, stood up and asked Joe Biden, you know, what else besides saying, you know, you ain't black if you don't vote for me, uh, are you going to do for the black community? Uh, Joe Biden gave him a very lengthy answer about his economic policies and how he plans to try and uh, bridge some of the gaps that we see in this country. But I talked with Cedric after that, and he said that, that while, yes, he would be voting for Joe Biden, that it was going to be begrudgingly uh, because he simply felt that Joe Biden was just the lesser of two evils. That's not exactly the kind of enthusiasm that may necessarily drive a lot of black voters. In other words, I have to say this because the media will destroy me if I don't. I can tell you, I also spent a fair amount of time uh, this summer out in the protests in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. It was, again, a sentiment you heard a lot from young black voters saying that Joe Biden, they felt, just didn't get them. Mary Bruce, thanks to see you, Vega. Well, it has been a, a real juxtaposition uh, from this White House uh, over the last four years, George, uh, when it comes to race, race relations, and speaking to communities of color. Um, this has been a president who has been among the more inflammatory presidents when it comes to race and speaking to the African-American and Latino communities than, than we've ever seen in, in our lifetimes. Um, he retweeted a, a video of a, of a, of that showed a racist baby. Uh, there was that supporter who, who yelled a, 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 an epithet. Uh, at at a, a, a rally uh, at, a, at an event down in Florida, um, you know the, the list goes on and on. We mentioned Charlottesville, so I, I think we have to wait to see before we can declare whether President Trump has expanded uh, ethnic communities in in the Republican Party. Well, she's I think having a hard time getting it out. That. Uh, and you have said he has. As, when I mentioned the juxtaposition, you've got the things that the president has done, and then you've got the things that the president has said, which is that he has done more for African Americans in this country than any president since. Abraham Lincoln, I think we will find out later tonight, tomorrow, down the road, whether communities of color in this country actually believe that and feel like this is a White House Oof. that has embraced them with open arms. That was rough for her to get that out. Uh, sometimes it's just hard, you know, when you're really passionate about something, it's hard to get it out. Let's talk about the protests, though. She mentioned she mentioned the protests there a little bit. Uh, and there are crowds already gathering in D.C., BLM crowds. So we'll, let's tune in on that. We're now less than two hours away from the first polls closing on Election Day 2020. ABC's Devin Dwyer is going to join us now from the noisy Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, D.C. <laughs> what a scene, what a contrast right across the park with the White House. Take it away. 
Hey, Terry, it is a festive scene out here, building by the thousands just in the past hour or so. You can hear the music. A lot of anticipation tonight, Terry. A little bit of anxiety, too, for the violence uh, and the, uh, obviously the preparations. <laughs> for the violence? What? Terry, a little bit of anxiety, too, for the violence uh, and the, uh, obviously the preparations in place here for the potential of, of some of that violence tonight. But just take a look behind me. This is a sea of Americana, uh, a melting pot, really, of America, diversity of age, race, faith. We've been talking to folks coming out here tonight, Terry. They want to be here for a potentially... Are you allowed to say that, the melting pot, anymore? I thought we weren't allowed to say that anymore, but I, I wasn't really sure. I, I'm really unsure what's going to happen with the protest. That's one of my number one worries. You know, to see the local businesses here in Seattle prepare, it, it, dove, it definitely makes me concerned. Businesses across the country and here in western Washington are preparing for the worst. They're not sure what to expect, how people might react when election results start rolling in tonight. One thing's for sure, they want to avoid a repeat of what happened in the spring and summer on Seattle's Capitol Hill. King 5's Kara Alfallen is there this morning where uh, some of the businesses have already started boarding up their uh, businesses just to protect themselves. I think she's been hitting the wine. Some of the businesses are boarding up their businesses and election results. I think she's hitting the sauce. Because we don't really know how people are going to respond. A lot of high emotions out there, Kara. Says the guy hitting the Russian vodka. Mimi, good morning. Exactly. Businesses like this one, the Chase Bank here on Capitol Hill, have already boarded up their windows just because they're not sure what's going to happen. Still fresh on their minds, everything that happened with CHOP. The uh, protests and violence are so common in the Pacific Northwest now that they have really nice boarding that they use. Some of it's even painted. It has their logos on. It says, we're open. It's like they've they've had they've had to deal with this so much that they've actually put thought and design now into some of the not everybody. Some people can just do plain plywood, but like the you know the richer businesses, they actually put some customization now into their protest preparation protests. And now they're uncertain thinking about going into tonight, but the city of Seattle and also the FBI are saying that there are no threats that are supposed to happen today tonight or during election week, but still they are trying to make sure that they are being prepared. So the FBI says during past elections, the focus has been on international security disruptions, but this year domestic security is more of a concern. The city of Seattle says law enforcement agencies have a contingency plan in case it's needed. I think the city is preparing for all of these potential worst case outcomes diminish the chance that they happen. Interesting. I guess I could see that. If you know that you're not going to be able to do much damage, what's the point in going and having some fun? Seattle's FBI office says every FBI office across the country right now has a command center, and the one here in Seattle is fully staffed, and they are prepared. How about that, huh? FBI has command centers all around the nation. Right now has a command center, and the one here in Seattle is fully staffed, and they are prepared to make sure that election week goes smoothly. Here on Capitol Hill right now, some of these businesses are actually boarding up right now. So some of them are already done it. Some of them are getting that done this morning in preparation for tonight because again, they just don't know what's gonna happen. So that's, I don't know. I don't feel so great about that. Uh, your buddy, uh, Buddha Gig is, uh, Butt Gig has, I think, I haven't actually seen this clip yet because uh, we're doing it live here, doing it live. But I think he had uh, comments on potential protests. Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg, of course, the former presidential candidate on uh, the worries about that. Mayor, very good 
to have you. Um, you know, I was thinking about you because I finished recently your book, Trust, America's Best Chance. And while we didn't get into the violence issues per se, one of the things that stands out is the fact that there comes a time when people just have to kind of calm down, look back at our past, look, look to getting over our differences. I don't know if tonight's going to be the night for that or even this week. Are, are you worried when you see what you're seeing now with stores uh, boarding things up, worried that it could get nasty? Well, I think there is that concern, and uh, I appreciate your taking an interest in, uh, in what I was writing about, the, the importance of uh, the role of those who lose uh, accepting the results. That's actually one of the most important functions <laughs> in democracy. Look, nice pivot there. Look, I, I've been in elections where I win and elections where I've lost, and obviously uh, winning is a lot more fun. But we need to accept the results of what our democratic system has presented us with. I don't care which side you're on or, or who got the upper hand. That's just fundamental to who we are. Uh, I do believe that we're capable of doing this. Look, this country's held elections during pandemics, during wars, and we've come through it. Uh, but there are going to be a lot of people either way who will be upset. And I'm also concerned that if we don't get results right away, uh, you know, some folks might get more and more agitated. we got to remember that if it's taking a little while to get a final result, that's because people are doing their job, uh, counting the ballots with integrity, making sure uh, every ballot gets counted. You know, you do address in the book about uh, social media, which was interesting, the timing, because I, I assume you wrote this before all the latest uh, dust ups and concerns and, you know, whether uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, some of these others are deliberately biased against conservatives. I don't want to get into that as much as I want to get into how a, a Biden administration, if it came to that, I know that's your wish way too early to tell what it's going to happen. Should they be policed beyond just the bias issue that or to the fact that they've gotten too big for their britches and that they feed this uproar on, on, on either side? Yeah, so there's a whole set of issues around tech that are going to have to uh, they're going to require a lot of policy work. One of oh them boy. is the monopoly issue, right? The fact that they've gotten so big that they're using that to crush competition. There's a case against Google, uh, Google on this basis, but uh, they're not the only tech company that's going to face these issues. And we do need, I think, to get more serious about monopoly law. That's kind of separate from the other issue you raised, which is what's going on with the content. I'm yeah, it's like I've been saying in the show, the Democrats want to go after monopoly. The Republicans want to go after deplatforming. Obviously, some really complicated First Amendment issues here because free speech is so important. And at the same time, you know, I think the, these companies really have to bear some responsibility for what they. All right. He's not going to answer beyond that. So let's move on, because there's other things I want to address before we have our next results, which are coming up pretty quick. So uh, the security of the election, of course, that's always a big topic, the security of the election. And uh, I think that's been. Uh, addressed a little bit. See, I have a clip here checking from uh, NBC. This is Pete Williams on election security, and he says the lessons of 2016, well, they've been learned. NBC Justice correspondent Pete Williams joins us from our Washington bureau. Pete, the last report I saw from you, it seems like the vote count or the voting is going fairly well today. There haven't been a whole lot of widespread problems, although it hasn't been perfect. No, and it never is. It's the usual it's the usual parade of problems. Polls that were late opening, the poll books didn't work or connect up to the central database. The machines weren't working right, uh, all that sort of stuff. But it seems to be on the onesies and twosies kind of level. We've seen no widespread reports, just isolated reports of any attempts at voter intimidation. And it's not because people aren't looking for it. Uh, the cybersecurity folks say they've seen no sign of 
any hostile intrusion into voting systems or voter registration databases. So I think in that sense, uh, the lesson of 2016 has been learned. A lot of these counties now have paper backups if there are machine problems. Voting systems have been undoubtedly much more secure going into this election than they have been in the past from cybersecurity. In terms of legal challenges, there were probably, I don't know, probably the time we finish the count, it'll probably be near 400 lawsuits that were filed across the country in all but, I think, three or four states. And they were all basically on access to the voting system. Who should get a mail-in ballot? Do you have to ask for it? Is it okay if it's sent to you? Do you have to have witness signatures on it? Do you have to have an ID? Do you have to have an envelope inside the envelope that carries the ballot back? Can you drop it off? Can someone pick it up for you? All those sorts of questions. Those lawsuits now have largely been resolved. So from here on, as you say, it's going to be about fighting if it is necessary, if, the, if, if it's within the, what the lawyers call the margin of litigation, fighting every ballot where it might make a difference in the battleground states. Now, we've already seen one lawsuit filed today in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, which is Pennsylvania's third largest county. It's northeast of of Philadelphia, King of Prussia, that area. It's a Republican candidate for Congress who says the county violated state law by doing what's called pre-canvassing mail ballots before the time set by state law. Under, Under state law in Pennsylvania, the counties can't start that until 7 in the morning, she says, this candidate says, the county started doing that too early. Uh-oh. And that it also notified voters if there was a problem with their ballot and gave them a chance to come in and fix it, or as they say in the law, cure it. She says, any ballot that was cured and fixed like that should be tossed out. Huh. Okay. So a little bit of controversy. Controversy? Boy, I think the Russian vodka. And I was thinking about having another shot. You know, I mean, two shots, that's not enough. No. Speaking of Russia, there's also the U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Russia Chad angle. Wolf says there Chad is Wolf. no evidence a foreign actor has compromised votes in this year's presidential election. But that was not the case four years ago. In 2016, it was really, really clear Russia was interfering in the election to help President Trump beat Hillary Clinton. It was clear because they bought Facebook ads for both candidates. This time around, its strategy and goals are looking different and broader. Holly Williams explains. How about how about a segment on Israel's election interference? BB was on a speakerphone call with President Trump uh, when pr- Trump had a mid Middle East uh, little peace thing to announce. Totally, totally influencing the election. How about China? Let's just entertain the idea that somehow China is connect. China is China is connect. China is connected. China is connected to the Hunter Biden laptop somehow. Uh, what about their interference? But nope, it's Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, behind the walls of the Kremlin here in Moscow, Russia's leaders will be watching this election very closely because Russia's relationship with the United States is its most important foreign relationship. But it's fraught with difficulty and at times extremely antagonistic. Now, you remember that in the 2016 election, U.S. intelligence concluded that Russian President Vladimir Putin had ordered interference. Twice in one in one clip. Really kind of uh, CBS is really driving the uh, 2016 stuff home for you. Legends concluded that Russian President Vladimir Putin had ordered interference in the election and that there was a clear preference for President Trump. This time around, U.S. officials have again warned that Russia is attempting to interfere in the election. And there is little doubt that Russian agents of disinformation uh, continue to do their work uh, on social media and elsewhere. But when you talk to experts in the field of disinformation, 
disinformation and especially Russian disinformation. And we should know. They make a key point that Russia's uh, strategic goals are much bigger than one election or one candidate. And they say that Russia's overarching goal is to fuel distrust and therefore destabilize the US. That is distrust amongst members of the public who have different political opinions, distrust in the political process. It Man, this is such this is really some 1984 crap, you guys. Uh, you know, uh, they're they're sowing distrust and misinformation. And if you fall for it, then you're you're buying into Russian propaganda is what they're messaging you right there. Isn't that something? It's so gross. I, I wanted to play the whole clip. For, all right, I'll try to play a little bit more. I'll try to just play. We have to, go, science, we have to move on. Uh, and in the media. And so it's interesting that this time around, Russia's preferences in the U.S. election seem to be somewhat less clear cut. For in- all right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> let's, let's tune into the networks because in just a few seconds, uh, we're going to have uh, some new poll closings. Some should be some pretty major ones. So let's uh, check in for that now. This is NBC. We're about to pick up a little momentum on the evening. Uh, at the top of the hour, about a minute away, 14 states with a combined total of 156 electoral votes about to close, uh, including five battleground states, Arizona, Michigan, Minnesota, Texas, and Wisconsin. These are all very important states we've been watching. And- potential path to victory for both candidates. And let's look at some of the results we do have in. Florida is counting votes fast. It's too close to call there. Pennsylvania, too early to call. In uh, Georgia, it's too early to call. Also, uh, North Carolina, too early. And Ohio, too early. Trump and seems to be leading And Ohio, it is too early to call there, too. And for folks wondering, yes, we had early voting either in person or by mail like we've never seen before. A hundred million people voted before Election Day. And if you are wondering, yes, we've taken that into account when we give you that expected vote number. It includes the estimated early vote as well as the day of vote. And we're awaiting those nine o'clock poll closings. Texas and Arizona, big Latino Populations, but a, a different kind than what, what we've been talking about in Florida. Andrea, hold that thought because we do want to mention, here we go, Texas, too early to call at this hour. In Arizona, it is also too early to call, as you might expect. Michigan, too early to call. Got some uh, results in from they Minnesota. suck at this so uh, bad. Not many, actually. This is Too funny. Early to call there. Wisconsin, it's going to be a long I mean, CNN and uh, Fox are kicking their ass uh, with this. We'll pull that one out and not shock anyone. Colorado, too early, but Biden has a lead there. <laughs> Kansas, uh, too early. And Louisiana, too early. Biden, though, with a lead. All right, and let's look at Nebraska. Too early to call there. We're keeping an eye on that one particular congressional district that can be quite competitive. In New Mexico, it is too early to call. In North Dakota, too early to call, but the president is leading. uh, Same story in South Dakota. The president leading too early to call. And Wyoming, it's too early to call Trump with a lead there. So let's put up our map of 270 and let's see how it shakes out at 9 o'clock Eastern time, 6 o'clock Pacific. And there you have it. Biden has 80 electoral electoral votes and Trump has 48. Interesting. All right. So NBC, really the stinker of the night in terms of coverage. I think you guys probably agree out of all of the ones I've watched. I mean, I think that was even worse than CNN because at least CNN, they would cover the, the stuff they do have instead of just sit there and run through a list that are too early to call. I mean, it's nice to know in one respect, but let's see. Let's see what CNN is doing uh, just as a comparison here. The vote is it in Georgia. Trump has a. Oh, yeah, of course, the music's going. <laughs> over Biden, 57.2 percent. 
to 41.8%. In Virginia, more than a third of the vote is in. Trump has a nearly 300,000 vote lead. In Virginia over Biden, 57.7% to 40.2%. Let's go back to John King. He's looking at the magic wall for us. It's a, a, a lot of stuff going on. You see a lot of red, but you see a lot of blue as well. It's an interesting map right now. So no, I'm go through. no, it's not. We don't need to do. We don't need to do the wall. Uh, so I was monitoring uh, Cucker Tuckerson after we uh, went after we broke and uh, went to the clips, and he's making the claim. And I guess I should maybe I should just let maybe I should just let this play. But Tucker is claiming that Florida is the future of the country. So take a listen and then respond back in the live uh, text chat if you agree or don't. So as the results continue to come in tonight, let's bring in Tucker Carlson, host of Tucker Carlson Tonight. Tucker, great to have you with us. Uh, It's 8.15 on the East Coast. What are your thoughts as you look at what we've heard so far? Kind of not what we were told to expect. I'm especially interested in Florida. It does look like the president's got a very good shot of winning. But I'm interested in this because elections tell you what the parties actually look like. Not what you imagine they look like, but you find out who voted for them. So the coalitions become really clear. And in Florida, the population center, of course, Miami-Dade County, biggest county in the state, Hillary Clinton four years ago got 334,000 votes there. An hour ago, with 84% reporting, Donald Trump had already um, outstripped that by more than 100,000 votes. Now, Miami-Dade is 70% Hispanic. That's not what you would have expected if you've been watching for the past six months this attempt to racialize everything, to make you know, Trump the greatest racist in world history. You would expect, whether you buy that or not, you would expect that that would depress the votes for Trump in Miami-Dade County, but the opposite happened. He's- huh. Now that is interesting, actually. What does that tell us? What does that, what can we, what can we derive from that? I'm curious. So there's a couple of Senate races to watch. Obviously, Mitch McConnell, uh, who has just recently won, and he just did his uh, address to the uh, press. So I got a little bit of that for you. And won a lot of votes. I applaud her willingness to step forward. And I want to thank the team that worked so hard to connect with Kentuckians and to make our case. Especially Josh Holmes, my indispensable advisor on all things political. Kevin Golden, who grew from a young field rep six years ago into running this campaign. And Terry Carmack has been with me since 1984. Since being my advance man mostly meant answering the question, Mitch, who? So most of all, I need to thank my best friend and partner. Elaine is an incredible person in every respect. She's stunningly accomplished as a leader and a public servant, a walking manifestation of the American dream. She's a blessing that I do not deserve, but for which I'm thankful Every single day. Oh, that's real sweet, Mitch. That's real sweet. Okay, so let's check in. on. It's time to do a network check because there's a lot going on, and I'm watching them all. They're all doing the wall thing, but MSNBC seems to have the unique coverage right now. So I'm going over there. Let's see. They show uh, Biden with 80 college, electoral college uh, no, votes is, is and Trump with 51. 
anywhere. Um, Steve, in terms of what you're looking at right now, we've been talking about Ohio. We've been talking over here a lot about Pennsylvania. We haven't learned, heard a lot from you in terms of what's in in Pennsylvania thus far. Is there anything in Pennsylvania that is worth talking about yet? Yeah, not much, but I just want to give you a sense of how confusing Pennsylvania is going to be. I mean, you see red in Pittsburgh right now. What you're seeing here this is same-day vote, basically, uh, in Pittsburgh. And that's why Donald Trump, you know, remember, he was going to win the same-day vote big. There's a little bit of mail vote that's mixed in there. But this is basically one of those places where the mail is expected to come in. You know, this is Pittsburgh. I mean, this is, this is what a, a, a normal sort of <laughs> Democratic margin would look like in Pittsburgh. So, you know, it, you see Trump at 69. you got to remember there is a ton of mail in a place like Pittsburgh. You know, take a look at Philadelphia, where, again, it looks like what they've actually released here early in Philadelphia. There are some places in Pennsylvania that are going to do this. You know, there are some places they're going to release some mail vote tonight in Pennsylvania. And I believe they've released a little bit of it early here in Pennsylvania. Again, they're expecting north of 800,000 votes here. You got a quick dump of this shortly after the polls close in Philadelphia here. Joe Biden over 90 percent. Again, this is just obviously core Democratic territory here. Um, but I think we are going to see some mail-in voting here. Um, this... This, uh, I am going to encourage people to, to disregard this, and I'm going to look into what? this. Because that doesn't make sense. With what 95% I'm seeing there, what I'm yeah, seeing there in Lehigh County, I think there might be an error. Sometimes there are numbers moving around in the system, and the wrong thing pops up at the wrong time. Numbers but in the system. Basically, in, in Pennsylvania tonight, there are going to be some counties, you know, in Philadelphia is an example, Allegheny is an example, where they are going to end up reporting out some of their mail-in vote, I think, by the time we get I to I have to say, you guys, and I'm curious to know if you feel the same way tonight. I mean, part of this is also the meta-analysis of the media themselves. And uh, I, I feel like the NBC properties are doing a real piss-poor job. I want to check in on MSNBC as they've been calling uh, Colorado for Biden, and I haven't really given that uh, much airtime. So I'm going to jump over there. I guess, despite my better judgment and the recent <laughs> and the recent experiences with them, but uh, we'll go in here because yeah, I think that's that's noteworthy. Thousand now, let's watch that number. Hundred twelve thousand, let's watch that number uh -huh. and let's see what happens. Steve, I got one you may be interested in. Here is a flip for the Democrats: Colorado, Joe Biden. Not a flip. Forgive me. This is presidential Colorado. Uh, yeah, okay. Nine electoral votes. Take back what I said about a flip. What is going on? <laughs> Steve, back to you at the board as we look at the... A uh, little bit of wine there. ...west of the Mississippi uh, for the Democrats on the road to 270. And again, electoral votes awarded by our projections thus far, 89-51. Yeah. Yeah. Steve. Yes. And uh, Steve was <laughs> Steve stepped away. Did you catch that there? Uh, and then, of course, over back on Fox now, uh, they're calling the uh, the Democrats retaining House control. Let's pull that up so you guys can see a little bit of that. We get that hot take from uh, Fox News hot take. Uh, some thoughts on that from our panel. Dana, there have been projections that uh, Democrats could pick up as many as 15 seats um, in the most recent Cook political analysis. Your thoughts on that call? Well, again, um the suburbs, right? So Carl just mentioned it. We brought it up a few times. If you think back to 2018, when we were here doing midterm election analysis, um, the there were 18 seats that the Democrats were able to flip from red to blue. That was a lot. That was enough to get Nancy Pelosi back into the speaker's role. Um, now, remember, 
Those 18 were against impeachment of the president. They wanted her to be much more um, conciliatory towards the president when it came to a second stimulus bill that never came. And yet they all held on. They were able to raise much more money than the Democrats. They have this as Carl uh, than the Republicans. Carl is mentioning Act Blue. They were just flooded with money. So they were able to hold on to those seats. And not, not only that, but then they gained another five, as if this is analysis is accurate, maybe even more. And I think that when you look at the suburban districts, that will be interesting. And one other point on that is this is 2020. So it's the beginning of a new decade. That means that we have a census and you will have redistricting opportunities. State legislatures all across this country as well could be you know, changing again. And will Democrats decide to kind of try to yeah. solidify those gains? It's very hard to flip those back. You know, on your thoughts to about a- this, about the House, Speaker Pelosi will yeah. retain control. She's obviously been doing this in- negotiation that was going nowhere with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin uh, and the coronavirus stimulus never came to be uh, before the election. She holds on to control. It depends on what what the rest of uh, Washington looks like, uh, how the House deals with it. Well, I think the key point that strikes me is that picking up on something Dana was just saying, you see that these suburban districts really respond well to moderate Democrats. And yet, and, you know, in Trump world, oftentimes uh, when they talk about the House, they talk about the squad AOC, and that becomes kind of the leading figure, the, the, the face of Democrats in the House. But in reality, going back to 2018, the people who boosted those Demo- the Democratic prospects in the House were these moderate and oftentimes female Democratic candidates recruited by Pelosi and a lot of the fundraisers. And I think that that's what you're seeing now grow. I don't think that, uh, the fact, the way that we talk about the House is in accord with the reality of the House. And- that actually might be a fair point and worth discussing with you guys for a second, is that it, would a win for Biden sort of suggest a win for moderate, a win for uh, a former f- fashion of politics, a return to normalcy? Is that what a win is that what a Biden win would mean? And is that is that what is that would that be the U.S. people saying we like it just dialed down a little bit, maybe turn it down to a seven? We don't have to have it at eleven. Um, I, there's a lot of different trends that are at play with this election. The way President Trump got to the White House in 2016 will look very different this time around. I think we all realize that the electorate has changed in 2020. And here to talk more in depth about that is 538 elections analyst Jeffrey Skelly. Jeffrey, in 2016, one of the biggest themes was the educational divide with non-college educated white voters swinging toward Trump and those with degrees moving toward Clinton. So any are any of the 2016 trends uh, sticking and and what are some of the new themes that are emerging uh, this time around yes so that education gap just cutting in for a moment abc news is now projecting also that joe biden has won uh colorado so uh, i think it's we have two networks now calling it, and uh, it seems pretty like pretty much like a foregone, which not too surprising. Continuing on with this, for the f- speaking of five thirty eight dot com, they're doing live updates as this goes along as well. Well, we've also got some breaking news right now, so we want to check in with CBS's Mark Strassman. He is in Georgia, where they're having a big problem counting some of the votes. Mark. 
Nora, this is a, uh, an election return watch party uh, here on the edge of Atlanta. These are mostly excited Democrats because when's the last time Georgia thought of itself as a battleground state? After a record early returns and, a, and essentially a day of problem-free voting, there is now a hitch in the tabulation of votes. I'm standing in Fulton County. Fulton County includes a chunk of Atlanta. Downtown Atlanta is State Farm Arena where the Atlanta Hawks play. They are tabulating the absentee ballots of Fulton County, Georgia's most populous county. Bit ironic. This is on CBS, but behind him on the loudspeaker is ABC News. <laughs> Burn! <laughs> a water pipe has broken inside the arena. Yep, a water pipe. Sorry to bury the lead there. A water pipe. A freaking water pipe. They had counted 86,000 absentee ballots. We don't know how many more they have yet to tabulate, but all the tabulation of those ballots has now stopped. We're told by election officials they may not finish tabulating those votes for a day or two. Ugh. So depending how close the rest of the state is, we may not know the result of this critical battleground state for another day or two. That is because, again, a water pipe has broken in State Farm Arena. State Farm Arena is where they were counting the absentee ballots of Georgia's most populous county. And now the tabulation has stopped. Yeah, turn the water off and go back in. This is obviously Russia collusion. Whoa. Big development here. But Mark, wow. do you know how many bu- how many ballots we're talking about? What that means? We don't know. We, we've we've asked that question, Gail, and we haven't got an answer for that yet. We, uh, we know that there were eighty six thousand, but apparently it's a very labor intensive process. And what they are telling us is that it's going to take a day or two, which suggests oh, to me that they have a lot to go. <laughs> oh my God! Like how stupid is that? Now, okay, so Georgia, 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 and then, of course, we're hearing so much about Pennsylvania right now, and uh, I think maybe we'll play a clip on why Pennsylvania is a battleground state, and then I'll, while this is playing, I'll check in on the networks. Now a look at the state of Pennsylvania. It has a long history of being consequential in presidential elections, choosing 20 of the last 25 presidents. And with 20 electoral votes up for grabs, it's one of the most important states in this presidential race. Joining us now to help decipher the great state of Pennsylvania, 538 elections analyst Nathaniel Rakick. Thanks, Nathaniel, for being here. Um, why is Pennsylvania so important this election and really every election? Yeah, you know, important is a bit of an understatement. You know, we at 538 think that Pennsylvania has a 37% chance of deciding the election, i.e. being the decisive vote in the Electoral College, and that's far and away beyond what any other state is. And I think the reason for that is pretty simple. First of all, Pennsylvania is a very politically divided state. It has about the same number of Democrats and Republicans, and it's a very big state. As you mentioned, it's worth 20 electoral votes. Now, when it comes to voting, Pennsylvania's made a few headlines this season. One big one was over naked ballots. Can you explain what happened there? Yeah, so naked ballots are basically when an absentee ballot is returned without being in the uh, secrecy envelope. So Pennsylvania voters have to put their ballot into a secrecy envelope and then put that into the actual mailed envelope that, you know, the post office stamps and everything like that. Um, And if ballots aren't returned in the secrecy envelope as well as the mailed envelope, um, they can be rejected. And uh, that's what the controversy is about. Basically, with so many people voting by mail for the first time this year, year. Um, they might not be familiar with those rules, and people are worried that a higher proportion of ballots than usual would be rejected in that way. Uh, most of the attention on the 2020 election is understandably focused on the White House, but the election could also help decide who controls the House for the next decade. They will have the power to redraw their state's congressional maps. Why are these down-ballot races so important? 
Yeah, exactly. So next year, uh, we'll be going through what's known as redistricting, which is when uh, after the census, the district lines for not only the U.S. House of Representatives, but also for state legislatures and some other bodies are completely redrawn. And uh, for example, in 2011, Republicans had control of a lot of these redistricting processes and were able to gerrymander the maps so that basically uh, it predetermined that they would get um, more seats than Democrats, uh, even if they didn't necessarily get more votes. Um, and so with control of the redistricting process up for grabs again this year with races like state legislatures, et cetera, and states like Texas, um, it's very important because, you know, if one party does grab total power in one of these key states, they could draw the House map in that state to benefit that party and, and make it more difficult for the other party to ever take control at any point in the next decade. Yeah, there is a bit of that at stake. Now, um, it's 6.30 p.m. here in Seattle. It is 9.30 p.m. in New York. Now, I bring that up because in 2016, it was around the 10 o'clock hour that we really kind of saw that things were way off from the projections, way off from the polls. And I got to give it to the folks at 538. They actually identify that, too. And that was a point I think it's worth bringing up. Um, We'll see. We'll see what that means, because one of the issues that hasn't been talked about at all on this stream yet, but has been in the show, but on any of the pundits that we've tuned into here is the unemployment situation. And uh, it's troubling. And you you got to figure that's playing a factor here, too. Sarah Bloom Raskin is a former Fed governor. Richard Fisher, former president and CEO of the Dallas Fed. Both are CNBC contributors. It is great having you tonight. Welcome Sarah, I wonder how you're thinking about employment right now. Uh, We call it economic scarring, women leaving the labor force, and whether uh, a result in the next couple of days on the election provides some clarity for what we have come to call uh, stimulus. Right. So the unemployment situation is really... Sarah. Sarah, go ahead. Richard, go. (laughs) No, Sarah, please. Go ahead. We this serve reminds me of sitting next to Richard during the... <laughs> oh, awkward, awkward. Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead, Sarah. Okay, sure. So, uh, yeah, the, the unemployment situation is really quite troubling. And you're right that the rate has fallen um, a bit. Uh, that is because some people have been able to actually get back into jobs. Uh, they were furloughed or they were laid off temporarily. The real problem, though, is that is the people who aren't able to get back into their jobs. And these people are actually going to move into uh, longer term unemployment. And that's really where we start seeing uh, real, real slowdowns in economic growth, because, of course, we've got millions of people who um, have not yet gotten back to work. And these are the same people who haven't been able to uh, get a second round of stimulus. So uh, this is really going to be quite a uh, quite a challenge here to figure out how the economy is going to turn around. Or actually put more succinctly, whoever wins the election is going to have to deal with stimulus. And that's something we haven't really thought a lot about. How does Trump, how does a Trump presidency deal with stimulus versus how does a Biden presidency deal with stimulus? And is there going to be a major difference right there? The markets, they're, you know, the, the stock markets seem to be betting on Biden, but also the betting markets, the political betting markets seem to be predicting Biden, but it's not, it's not as clear as the polls have shown. 
are polls and then there are predictions. The polls are giving President Trump about a 10% chance of re-election. The political betting market known as Predicted has his odds upwards of 40%, although it is declining today. We asked Predicted CEO why there's such a big gap. We're not asking people, what do you want to have happen? We don't care about that. What we care about is what do you think is going to happen? And What do you think is going to happen sufficiently that you're willing to put a little bit of money on the line to back up that conviction? Predicted says their markets are accurate about 80 percent of the time. A notable miss was the 2016 election, which gave Trump a 20 to 35 percent chance of winning. And of course, most polls also indicated Hillary Clinton the clear winner in 2016 as well. Still, much of Wall Street is turning to the political stock market, Predicted, to help inform the trades that they make on other financial markets. Guys, I think it's kind of an interesting one to look at is what the betting markets think is going to happen. So there's so many freaking factors in this one. And the fact that it isn't just a shoe in for Joe Biden, uh, I think, is telling about the strength of Joe Biden. I mean, Donald Trump had the claims of Russia collusion, which many people still believe for three and a half years. He was impeached. Every news story that runs in the U.S. frames it around Trump, good or bad. And he spray tans. He's a clear misogynist. He's not particularly articulate. He seems to be greedy and a rampant narcissist. In fact, he may be one of the most flawed public figures you can think of. And yet he still has a chance here. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? What is it? And is it is it Biden? Is it because he's not particularly compelling? Is that what the issue is? Or is it that perhaps the American people sort of like the flawed candidate? They like somebody who doesn't make them feel like they're not good enough. They like somebody who doesn't preach to them. No sanctimonious attitude. Maybe that's maybe that's something that is in favor of Trump and something I've said before on the show. And I think it's worth thinking about is one of the things that I suspect people really like about Donald Trump is certain people hate him that people like to have hate. Let me let me rephrase that without the Russia vodka influence. The right people hate Trump. Some of the people that the American public hate, hate Trump. It's like just the right people hate him. And I think that's fascinating, too. And that could be playing a factor here. But you have to assume when you look at all of the major social issues, when you look at things like climate change, when you look at the narrative for the last four years and all of the controversies around Trump, when the fact that the president has dominated the American daily life in a way never really in my lifetime has ever happened before. There has to be a fatigue there, and that has to be a factor tonight as well. All right, going back to the networks, checking in with CNN. Democratic counties, John was just talking about, it is mostly early vote. So look, of this 80% of the vote that's in, um, we, 90% of it right now in North Carolina statewide is early vote. We think that's going to come down. We think that at the end of the night, 75% of the total North Carolina vote will be early vote. So right now, the early vote is helping Joe Biden. But as more Election Day vote comes in in North Carolina, Donald Trump may be able to benefit from that. So we just got to keep watching uh, as those votes come in. All right, I'm switching over to ABC because they have a Pennsylvania update. Really important right now. Look, 80% of the vote is in. Going over to Uh, ABC now. Let's check in with them. And Tom, why don't you... 
would then have to pick up five seats back up a bit. if they do lose that race in Alabama. Mary Bruce, thanks very much. Let's take a deeper dive now at the state of Pennsylvania. We've been calling that the most critical battleground of the night tonight. 19% of the expected vote is in right now. Joe Biden has a large lead. And, and Tom, why don't you try to run through some of the key counties in Pennsylvania yeah. that we're going to be watching today? You know, George, <laughs> we were just looking at, at Pennsylvania a little closely, and, and the numbers are really all over the place. There's not really a narrative uh, we can really talk about at this point. Look, for instance, I'll give you Scranton right here, Lackawanna, Donald Trump. Trump is on top in Joe Biden's hometown, and he's overperforming there for Republicans. Uh, we go just south, Lucerne County. This is Wilkes-Barre. This is a swing county that, that Donald Trump won four years ago. Tonight, Joe Biden's on top, but again, only 29% of the vote in. On the big cities where Democrats really have to win, Allegheny, Pittsburgh, you can see how high Joe Biden's there. That's the type of number Democrats want to make sure they can hold in Pennsylvania, not only in Pittsburgh, but also in Philadelphia. Let me open this up a little more as we get to Philadelphia in the suburbs. George, look, I don't want people to have a freak out here. 93%, that, that's obviously incredible, but there's only 9% of the vote in at this moment. Uh, let me let me squeeze this down a little bit. We'll look at one of the suburb counties, the exurb counties uh, around Philadelphia where Democrats have to run up the score. Look, Joe Biden's doing good, but again, George, it's so early, there's nothing really to pull from. Do we have anything yet. from Erie County, and then I want to bring John in. Uh, yeah, Erie County, we have uh, Donald Trump, you know, barely won this uh, just by a percentage point four years ago, but it was one of those swing counties that Obama won. And you can see right now, I mean, John, it's neck and neck, but 4% in, 4% in. But, but, but I've got to say, if you go back to the Philly suburbs, Montgomery County, Delaware County, you see Biden with, with 80, nearly 80 point lead. Uh, it's 16% of the vote in. What's really important here, though, George, is, as I understand it, almost all of the vote that has been counted are people that voted today on Election Day. You know, Pennsylvania didn't start counting. In those uh, collar uh, counties of Philadelphia? Yes, yes. This is, this is day of voting. So they still have to count all of the, uh, the, the mail-in vote. They didn't start opening the envelopes until today. Uh, that's going to take a long time. It's actually going to take several days. That mail-in vote is expected to really uh, to, uh, to lean uh, heavily towards Joe Biden. So I think it's interesting. It's still a small amount, no doubt, but I think that it's interesting already in the suburbs. I like of, that the people in the of, background of have to wear a mask. It used to be swing areas. Now they're trending deep blue. I mean, early indication, again, 16, 17% of the expected vote in, but it's day of vote. We have and some exit polls for Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, Pennsylvania, when you compare it to Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania actually in the exit polls uh, show Donald Trump's worst performance so far tonight when it comes to his approval rating. Uh, let's dive in here and see what the exit polls show us. Again, these are preliminary, but the exit polls, as we mentioned earlier in the night, do reflect both, as John Carl was mentioning, people who voted today and those who were voting uh, early in person. As you can see, let's try to refresh that and see if the job performance comes up. 52% uh, disapproving of Donald Trump uh, and his performance. Whether or not to contain the pandemic first or rebuild the economy, you can see overwhelmingly, they say we've got to take care of this coronavirus in the U.S. Uh, and they say that Joe Biden is the best to handle that. When you look at the economy, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden neck and neck in Pennsylvania, the most important issue in Pennsylvania, uh, the economy pandemic there uh, behind. It's interesting. Let's look at independence in Pennsylvania. Uh, Joe Biden uh, owning independence so far, as far as the exit polls are concerned uh, in Pennsylvania. Chris Christie, neighboring state of yours 
in New Jersey. Always going to be an uphill battle for the president, but essential. Listen, vital. Has to have it. And I do think, though, that the things that we're seeing um, still, I think this is very early, but there's underperformance in Philadelphia, even though those numbers don't indicate it. Um, that's what I continue to hear. And so I think they're still feeling like they can turn out their day of vote in a way that's going to make it very close. No one's predicting a win there yet um, that I've heard, um, but no one's, no one's bemoaning a loss yet either. Rahm Emanuel, the, the Biden campaign probably spent more time, energy, money, focus on Pennsylvania <laughs> than any other state. There's no doubt about it. And they- I got to say, I think ABC really has their game going here, guys. You see how they're, you know, uh, George is playing MC. He's got different people doing different roles. They got the crazy 3D effects in the middle. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I got to say, I, I'm going to check back in on them more often. They seem to really have the production up there. There's definitely one country that uh, seems to consider Joe, ba- ba- Joe Obama. <laughs> That's funny. Joe Biden, the more promising candidate. There's one country out there that thinks he's the more promising candidate. And uh, that's your friends over at Iran. Yeah. Iran's foreign minister has indicated which candidate his country will prefer to win the White House in the 2020 election. CBS News senior foreign correspondent Elizabeth Palmer sat down with Javad Zarif for a wide-ranging interview in Tehran. Take a listen. Iran's COVID infection rate is surging, but there's no lockdown here. The economy battered by U.S. sanctions couldn't take it. But masks are mandatory and worry widespread. Still, the U.S. election is making headlines. So we sat down with Iran's foreign minister, Jawad Zarif, to hear his take. So who's your preferred candidate? I don't have a preferred candidate. Who's the government's preferred candidate? The government doesn't have a preferred candidate. It is up to the American people to make their preference. Come on, Dr. Zarif. We don't interfere. You've got to have gamed this. Which one looks better to you? Well, uh, the statements by the Biden camp have been more promising, but we will have to wait and see what counts as the behavior. Promising because at least the Biden campaign has signaled it might re-engage with Iran on the nuclear deal. Frankly, that deal is an embarrassment to the United States. In contrast to the Trump administration, which pulled out and then piled sanction upon sanction in what it called a policy of maximum pressure. The outcome of the maximum pressure policy has not been very promising for the United States. It has hurt Iran, but it hasn't brought the type of uh, political change that the United States desired, be it regime change or what President Trump wanted and that was to bring Iran to its knees so that he could dictate his terms of negotiations. Iran may not be on its knees, but it's definitely on the ropes, struggling with a raging COVID outbreak and a devastated economy. So, is it ready to renegotiate a new, more comprehensive nuclear deal that would cover missiles too, in return for sanctions relief? You mentioned the negotiating table. Uh, would Iran enter into negotiations with a Biden administration to craft a new nuclear deal? No. If we wanted to do that, we would have done it with President Trump four years ago. Under no circumstances? Under no circumstances. So it's hard to see U.S.-Iranian relations warming anytime soon, whoever the next president is, especially as Iran has been accused of meddling in the election. 
The FBI says an Iranian cyber operation obtained voter registration information from the U.S. election. What did they want it for? That's, or can I say, what did you want it for? That's, that's exactly my question. The FBI has made an allegation. That allegation should have some merit. It doesn't. Why How do you know? Why would it, why would it want to do that? To weaken its opponent. To As do what? Of weakening I think, its opponent. I think, I think if anybody, the person, the, the, the single person who is making the most important and effective uh, uh, front against U.S. electoral system is President Trump himself. So has Iran not <laughs> interfered or tried to influence the U.S. election in any way? You see... Oh, no, no, of course not. Unfortunately, the United States for many decades has been in the business of interfering with others' elections. Well, that's what true. does that have to do with my question? Because, because the American government believes that, it, that other people's elections are fair game. We don't, because we've been victims of that. We don't. So you're, that's a categorical no. That's a categorical no. Hmm. But Dr. Zarif did confirm the U.S. sent a diplomatic warning through Swiss they, diplomats for Iran uh, to back off. They sent us a, a note, which is ridiculous. Roughly, what was the gist of the message? I guess that the United States will not tolerate interference in its elections and beat. We responded to them exactly what I told you. That's your practice of interfering in other people's election, not ours. No wonder why we didn't hear about it. <laughs> yeah, no wonder. Um, so I don't know if we've uh, implicitly talked about this, but uh, New York and Connecticut have been projected to win by Biden. That Joe Biden will win the state of North of New York, Donald Trump's former home state. Twenty-nine electoral votes there. Not a surprise there in the state of New York. We can project that Joe Biden is going to win the state of Con Con Connecticut. Uh, no surprise there. Of course, Joe Biden will win the state of Connecticut. You see, him I think we're all drinking tonight. Filling in the blue up there in the Northeast. Oh. Yeah, they hit that one hard, didn't they? They hit that hard. Oh, George. George has been drinking a little bit too much. Uh, and then the uh, Trump campaign, which has tried to clean up some of the election fight interference talk from the president. We're going to have a great night, uh, but it's politics and it's elections, and you never know. I can say that uh, Texas, Arizona... Few of them are looking really very, very strong. Florida looking very, very strong. President Trump, as we showed it to you live just moments ago here on Outnumbered Overtime, he was at his campaign headquarters ahead of the polls closing tonight. He has denied a report this week that he would prematurely declare victory on uh, the evening if he was running ahead. And Biden's campaign manager says there is no scenario where the president could claim a win tonight. Under no scenario will Donald Trump uh, be declared a victory, a victor on election night. We won't have all the ballots that will be counted when the polls close. That is Biden's campaign manager. And we won't even have them all on election night. And it is no different than any other time. And that is not something that uh, Donald Trump should make you think is, is bad or wrong. It is the way it works. I want to bring in now Trump campaign director of press communications, Aaron Perini. Aaron, good to see you today. First of all, your reaction to what was just said. 
Well, I think that she is being completely disingenuous, and actually she is spreading disinformation there uh, by saying that this is how it's always been done. Democrats across the country have been trying to undermine the election integrity in the United States. In Nevada, they just changed their election laws. So for her to try and say that this is how it's always been is a flat-out lie. But we shouldn't expect anything different from the Biden campaign there. You see them saying that President Trump cannot win tonight. That's a lie. Saying that this is how election always work. That's a lie. There's nothing about that that's being honest with the American people. Listen, President Trump has been unequivocally clear. We want to make sure the rules are clear and concise so the American people know how to vote. There is a deadline. It is Election Day, and that is today. You know, when you talk about the Biden campaign, the, the candidate himself even responded to this. Let's watch that. President's allies today have been talking quite a bit about maybe declaring victory on Tuesday night, uh, even if the votes aren't final, if he seems to be up ahead. What's your response? My response is the president's not going to steal this election. Boom! Shots fired! Shots fired! Pow! 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 I want to check in on the BBC. We haven't done that that yet tonight. Let's get a let's get a peek into their coverage. Guarantee that Mr. Trump won anywhere in the nation uh, in 2016. It's now in contention. Sophie Long is there. She joins us now. Sophie. Thank you very much. Yes, you join me at a Republican watch party in Chandler, Arizona, where people are getting ready to celebrate. Now, whether they get to do that and champagne calls will be popping or whether they'll be drowning their sorrows really remains to be seen. This could be a very tight race. Now, the polls have officially closed here. They did almost an hour ago. But we're told that there are still hundreds of people in line. And if they were in line before 7 p.m. local when the polls close, their votes will still count. Nonetheless, Maricopa County say we should start getting some results at 8 p.m., so only a few minutes away. I'm joined here at this watch party by Ken and Janet. Thank you very much. No mask. I'm going to try and talk to you no despite mask. my mask and despite the noise. Um, do you think you're going to be celebrating here tonight? Well, I sure hope so. It feels like we're going to, but you just never know. Boy, this feels almost like more genuine, old-school American coverage. Back when there was just a reporter on the scene talking to the people at the different events. This is what the U.S. coverage used to be like. You know, and I think it was, um, you know, the demographics here have changed over the years. And where it was... Uh, right, a lot of California out-of-state folks have moved into Arizona because they like what the state has to offer. So with that, obviously the demographics have changed. So I think that's why it's become a battleground state um, where before it's just so it's red. And now... Um, we don't know. So is it yeah. purple? Um, yeah. So we're hoping that... Uh, well, we'll find out. That's interesting uh, to see their coverage of it. Isn't that something? <laughs> it's kind of quaint in a way. I kind of like it. Um, but we will uh, continue our, our shopping uh, in a moment. I think they've probably said all they have to say for a bit. We'll have more updates soon. And I want to resume some of the clips I have for you guys. So we just talked about Iran. And uh, we talked about the Trump campaign trying to do some of the cleanup there. But there's another big issue. Uh, This is just wild when you think about it. The Supreme Court. And if you're coming at it from the left angle, you might say something more like reproductive rights are on the ballot in 2020. 
All right, this election carries a lot of weight for Americans, and for some, reproductive rights are among their top issues. With new conservative judge Amy Coney Barrett seated at the Supreme Court, some were concerned that Roe v.ersus Wade could be in jeopardy. CBS News reporter Kate Smith joins me now. She's reported extensively on the issue of abortion rights. Uh, Kate, thanks very much for being with us. The candidates have vastly different positions when it comes to this issue. Remind us where they each stand. Elaine, these candidates could not have more divergent views when it comes to reproductive health issues. We're talking abortion. We'll pause there. We'll pause there because I think we have more polls closing here in a moment. So I want to do I do want to keep a, a, a prize. And, uh, Senator Graham hangs on to his seat. We're watching the Tillis race in North Carolina closely as well as we count down to the next race calls. Doon, 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 doon. Boop. <laughs> There it goes. It is 10 o'clock here in New York City. Polls have just closed in another four states. Let's start with Iowa, where President Trump is locked in a close race with former Vice President Joe Biden. According to our decision desk, it's too early to project a winner in Iowa. The other state we're watching very closely at this hour is Nevada, where our vote analysis shows Biden ahead of Trump at the moment, although we'll need to analyze a lot more data from Nevada uh, before making a call there. Meanwhile, President Trump is ahead of the former vice president in a pair of western states. The first is Utah, home to Republican Senator Mitt Romney and a frequent is a frequent Trump critic, as we well know. And the other is Montana, a traditional Republican stronghold. Our decision desk still not quite ready to declare winners in either of those states yet tonight. So if we look at our electoral map, where it stands right now and our lovely standing candidates, uh, it is 129 to 109. Remember that 270 is the magic number to win the presidency. And you see those yellow states. Obviously, those have closed, uh, but we have not called them yet. And that is where this race is really being battled. Uh, we have North Carolina. We have Florida that we haven't call called yet, although uh, Donald Trump has a big lead now in Florida. Yeah, and as these results continue to come in tonight, let's bring in Tucker Carlson once again, host of Tucker Carlson Tonight. Tucker, great to talk to you tonight. Obviously, Thanks this is uh, a historic evening always when and the nation comes together to elect a president. This has been a very hard-fought race, and we still have so much that's undecided. Your thoughts at 10.01 Eastern. I think Mitt Romney had lost by this point when he ran for president. So there's a lot to learn, of course, and I sincerely don't know what the outcome will be, but I just cannot get over my total surprise at the disconnect between what we're watching on the screen and what has been confidently predicted across the media landscape for months that there was a very good chance of a blue wave of a total Biden blowout of an early night and and, and I could get much more specific about this and I think we'll probably spend the next couple of months doing that because it's worth doing but suffice it to say and anyone watching and who's consumed any media this year knows that the media even on the basis of the data we have now got it really wrong and they'll claim they didn't because they always do but they did and we know that. And why is this a problem? It's a problem because in the end, we know who the president is because the media tell us who the president is. The campaign manager for the Joe Biden effort today sent out a tweet saying, in effect, you know, we will, if, if announced uh, that Joe Biden won by the media, then, you know, we will consider that a victory. And then they said on background to a bunch of other news organizations, the second the media declared Joe Biden the president, he will begin, in, in effect, acting like the president. So you can't really overstate the role of the media in adding legitimacy and conveying legitimacy to the winner. 
We're not just observers, we're participants, as much as we hate to admit it. That's a pretty bold claim. If he's if he's saying that that's the Biden campaign's plan, that they heard that on background, which is, uh, you know, reporter for Off the Record. We, the media, I participated in it for 30 years, have not been credible. We have lost trust. And that's just, I think that's really bad. And it's something that we need to fix. And, and the obvious problem is something we said we were going to correct in 2016, which is we don't know anybody who votes for Trump. And so you really got the sense watching everybody that like you know it's kind of embarrassing to support trump or whatever and that's why the rallies were such a huge shock to a lot of people in the last week all these people unapologetically saying i love donald trump and it's like i've never met anybody who says something who are these people we have a huge problem in our business with being cut off from the country we cover and i would say a lot of power centers in this country have that problem but we have it in the media and i really sincerely hope we fix it because we're moving toward like zero credibility and that's bad yeah, I mean, I talked to Molly Hemingway earlier in the show about uh, the president and his supporters feeling like he was not running only against Joe Biden, but was running against a lot of the media as well. Uh, he couldn't get on on some of those rallies. We aired rallies from Democrats and the president right. throughout this this process. Uh, but they always felt like it was an uphill battle. He is still has a path to 270 tonight. And as Britt mentions every few minutes, the betting odds are increasing uh, for President Trump. Well, they are. And I, and I have to say, because I think it's, I'm bitter about it, and it's worth being bitter about it. We <laughs> oh found out in the final days of this campaign that members of the president's family were under an active FBI investigation into business deals that we, I think, pretty conclusively proved he knew about, parts of which he approved of. Tony Boblinski was a direct participant in those conversations with the former vice president. I'm not accusing him of a crime. I'm merely saying he was involved. And that story was utterly squelched. Boblinski's name wasn't mentioned on any other channel apart from Fox News. It was completely ignored on purpose, not because it wasn't newsworthy. It most certainly was newsworthy, but because they were taking a partisan position on behalf of a presidential candidate. Now, that's, it's not just a matter of being annoyed that the media are liberal or whatever. They've always been liberal. That's fine. I'm not mad about that. I accept it as reality. Why it's scary is that on a night like tonight, the whole country, 350 million of us, will only know who the president is when the media tell us. And so it's very important for the media to behave in ways that allow us to trust them. It's I mean, tonight, I think the the word has been caution. And it seems like like right now, for example, I think I, I might it might have just I thought I saw it fly by. But I think it was something like 91 percent of uh of the voting so far in certain regions has been counted that have been, well, I guess I don't really remember what the detail was, but I guess as we, as we go into this, I guess I'm kind of shocked that we still don't really have a super clear signal on Texas. Doesn't that seem weird to you guys? I've watched these before and it seems by this point, that's odd. It's incredibly close. You're absolutely right. This is amazing to see because as everyone keeps mentioning, we haven't seen it since 1976 when Jimmy Carter won it. Uh, the fact that it's very close is fascinating, but under our electoral college system, the only thing that matters is which candidate gets one more vote than the other. And then they inherit all 38 of those critical electoral votes. If somehow Biden won Texas, that probably would be the clue we're waiting for uh, to indicate that Biden would be elected president. But if Donald Trump gets it, Biden is under pressure to win some big states. That is Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Ohio. You know, we're waiting. There hasn't been one yet. 
So going back now to the live TV, um, uh, Admiral Murphy is updating me on Fox, and they're making a call right now, so I'm going to back up a bit and uh, capture that for you guys. Oh, they got Daughter Brazil on there, Lana. too. Uh, things are trending in Donald Trump's direction in Florida. Uh, Ohio is still up. Pennsylvania has not come in. Arizona, Michigan, Minnesota, Texas, Wisconsin. So the night is still young. So I'm not uh, I'm not ready to light a cigar or uh, pop open a good bottle of champagne because there's a lot of votes that are still outstanding. I am. Yeah, we've got uh, states all across the bottom of your screen right now that are too early to call, all of which are very important states in this. Um, Carl, I, I want to ask you about this from Philadelphia. There's a report from Politico that says that Philadelphia officials say that they will not be reporting any more mail ballots tonight. About 76,000 have been tallied so far out of 350,000 that have been received. Um, does that surprise you? And, you know, everybody obviously is watching Pennsylvania really closely. We'll probably be watching it for many days to come, it looks like. Well, first, first of all, secure the ballots. Let's make certain that's done. Mm -hmm. I am a little surprised because, uh, you know, you'd think they'd want to get this done. And we know that Pennsylvania is going to be it's going to be Friday before they're able to sort of cut it off. Um, this is a state that was supposed to have all the mail in ballots received by tonight. Uh, by close of business, but instead they use some administrative measures and a court decision to move it till till Friday. Uh, so I'd, I'd keep the people at it. They may just say, We're, our progress is such, give them the benefit of the doubt. Our progress is such that we don't need to work 24 hours a day. We can get this thing done in the next day or two, uh, and certainly before the deadline of, of Friday. But it's better that we have these contests settled sooner rather than later, even if it is an unofficial count and has to be subsequently certified by the Secretary of State. Carl, while we have you, where are you on Texas? Are you bullish on a Trump Texas? Texas, our Texas, all hail the mighty state. Of course it's going to be, it's going to be red. John Cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. The one in the musical good. interlude here. Uh, can I say something about North Carolina? Wait, wait, wait. So you're, you're done with Texas. You think it's GOP? <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Just a little ditty. Uh, the Republicans will carry it on the presidential level. Uh, I'm looking at the number. Senator Cornyn is running like six points ahead of his Democratic challenger, despite the fact that something like $50 million has spent in the last six weeks, including $28 million by a Silicon Valley Kayakon in the last week. Uh, you know, and not only that, but the Republicans are going to keep the State House of Representatives, which, as I said earlier, was just a gigantic mound of money thrown on Texas. But we're going to hold on to hold on. Huh. To that. All right. OK, well, there's uh, others that are currently discussing Texas. So I was just playing coverage for you. A moment ago, uh, and also uh, coverage. I think this is CBS that's also talking about Texas. Let me play it. No, nah. yes, yeah, CBS. If Biden were to flip Texas, and he took the 2016 states that Clinton won back then, I mean, that's it. That's a game, right? I had spoken with some Biden advisors early in the night who didn't want to characterize this state. They still believe this is a dream. They, yes. they really don't yes. think that yes. at the end of the night that they would be able to to flip Texas. It's just such a Republican state. But the turnout is quite remarkable, given that in fact the Republican governor Abbott made it difficult, very difficult yes. for people to to vote in mm -hmm. that state. Let's bring in CBS's Omar Villafranca. He joins us now from Richardson, Texas. That is a suburb of Dallas. And Omar, I know you were out with the voters today. Long lines as well today. 
They were, but they were moving along. And keep in mind, you had more than 9 million people vote early. Just under 17 million registered voters here in Texas. 9 million of them voted early. 5.6 Latino voters, 5.6 million Latino voters. An interesting note, since 2016, 1.8 million new voters in the state of Texas. Now, I heard you guys talking about Harris County. Harris, Dallas, Travis, Bear. Those traditionally go blue. But keep in mind, 254 counties here in Texas, El Paso over there, is in the mountain time zone. So they're just closing the polls right now. But people are watching the suburbs. I hear you guys talking about suburban women. Suburbs, what are they doing out there? Well, I'm here in Collin County. Now, keep in mind, Mitt Romney won Collin County by 32 points. When the president ran in 2016, he won by 16 points. But in the midterm election, heated race between Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, Cruz only won by six points. That raised a few eyebrows. So now people are watching to see what's going to happen and if Texas will become a battleground state. Uh, they're really playing that up, aren't they? Um, boy, the chat room is really convinced it's a total non-issue. They don't think it's going to be a problem. They don't seem to think it's a problem at all. Uh, swinging back over to the live coverage on no, Fox. Um, yeah, Carl's going to give me the oh, phone in, number to incidentally, call. <laughs> incidentally, I got some criticism for the ding on my phone. I'm sorry. It actually we was took care computer, of the angel landing for an, you, Brett. I got, an, I got an email from a friend who said that ding on, on air made the whole country just check their phones. Nice work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the singing we could do without, too. All right, Katie, give us your thoughts. Oh, my thought. gosh. I think President Trump's still in really good shape. Uh, you know, Joe Biden is the, the side of the, the ticket here that has been trying to explain away losing states like Florida. Georgia obviously still in play. We may not have the results now from Fulton County as a result of the water main break for a couple of days, according to election officials there. So we got Georgia with a water main pipe breaking, and we got Pennsylvania, at least part of it, with some uh, procedural shenanigans. The first explainer for that could be that, well, because they, because they had this court ruling that allows uh, absentee ballots to be uh, mail, stamped in the mail past Election Day, they have some breathing room there uh, in terms of getting them all counted in, and tallied up in, in the vote. However, there's been this massive controversy with the attorney general there uh, who said earlier in the week, just yesterday, that as long as all of the votes are counted, uh, President Trump will lose when he didn't doesn't know the actual outcome of that that race yet, and so it begs the question about um, you know what the actual reason is behind them not finishing out the electoral uh, votes tonight in Ooh. terms of getting the absentee ballots. She's getting some bacon right going there, the guys. Couple of days. Yeah, great point. We have a call from the Southwest, and that is that Joe Biden has been awarded New Mexico and its five electoral votes. Uh, since, uh, thanks to Vaughn and his good reporting, we've been talking about the Southwest. Uh, since this puts another blue square on the map west of the Mississippi. Nicole Wallace, where do you put states like Arizona right about now? So Arizona is one of the states that the Trump campaign was most concerned about. From their coalition, it was a state that when Bill Stepien took over from the troubled fellow, I can't remember his name right now, um, of Lincoln ad fame, Brad something. Brad Parscale. <laughs> when Bill Stepien took over and he temporarily halted all the advertising and did sort of a deep dive into the polling and looked at where Trump was in states that he'd won four years ago, Arizona was the state that Bill Stepien was most concerned about. The diagnosis from the new regime at the Trump campaign was that four years of attacking John McCain, both while he was alive and after he was dead, had 
had really hurt Trump there. So this is a state that has felt very soft to a normally hubristic Trump team since the beginning. Um, I'd say this is also a state that the very sort of humble and low-key and expectation-managing Biden campaign, this is the one outside of those three Midwestern states that they've had their sights on, probably for similar reasons as well as the reasons that Rachel keeps talking about, that very competitive Democratic race. Uh, Martha McSally's polls have her down today three or four points, and I think Trump felt that he had sort of pulled to a dead heat there. Um, but this is this is one that people are keeping an eye on, especially as states like Florida slip out of reach. Most Democrats um, view that as gone. I I I, I know I start starting to sound like a broken record, but um, the focus. <laughs> of the Biden team, the electoral map, the resources, the travel, the campaigning, the deployment of surrogates really was in those three Midwestern states. So we should keep an eye. We're going to stick with them. They're about to make an Arizona call. So we'll stick with MSNBC for a moment. Very competitive looking for Joe Biden. But in terms of must win, it it is still I'm, I'm still in the last 20 minutes hearing that the focus is on those three Midwestern states. Let's go back to Brian. I believe we've got a characterization change. Yeah, these are important. Uh, When we feel this way, we say so. So more than just too early to call in Arizona, we are saying too early to call, but Biden leads. On the Senate race there, uh, we are saying ditto, too early to call, but Kelly leads. And this is North Carolina, too close to call. 15 electoral votes. That is our determination at 1018 hmm. Eastern Time. Uh, and Steve Kornacki, I am betting you can bear this out. Too close to call in North Carolina. <laughs> is this for me? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't wow. Yes. Wow, they're so the bad. Factors here in North Carolina, you can see Donald Trump is leading this by 26,000 votes right now. There is a lot of vote that is still left to come in Wake County. This is where uh, Raleigh is, a huge county here. I can show you. You're still looking at 110,000 votes to come. Now, I've been talking about there are big disparities between the early vote and the same-day vote, and that's true. Overall, statewide, the same-day vote is very lopsidedly going to Trump right now. However, in Wake County, of the same-day vote that's been tabulated so far, 60% of it's going to Biden, 37% of it's going to Trump. So there is a giant pool of votes there in Wake County that just came down a little bit. So you see that added to Biden's total. there is a giant pool of votes in Wake County, for instance, where Joe Biden does figure to actually make gains here, at which he needs. But you could just see, I'll put the bubbles up again. You can see how big Wake County looms right now, how large that looms. By far, this is your biggest source of outstanding votes in the state. And the other places where you have really substantial outstanding vote, for instance, Greensboro, where again, on the same day vote here, this is Guilford County, but on the same day vote here again, it's better for Biden than the statewide trend has been. You know, also next door where Winston-Salem is, same thing. And Mecklenburg County, where Charlotte... All right, enough with the touchscreen. I do like every now and then to get an idea of how things are breaking down, but you don't need to spend 45 minutes on the (laughs) touchscreen. But they sure love the touchscreen, so they'll spend as much time as possible on it. Uh, But I like to... I've been watching ABC a little bit. I'm liking ABC's production. Uh, I think CNN, they're overdoing it. I think Fox kind of has a decent tone, but I think ABC kind of has the best... 
kind of arrangement. Of course, the BBC probably is the one if I was watching by myself right now, I might watch. So I thought, let's check in on Sky News. We haven't done that yet. That's out of Australia. Let's see how they're covering the U.S. election. Uh, because I, last time I checked in on them, they were having themselves a bit of a laugh at our expense. That way they kind of had a uh, ha-ha, look at the Americans <laughs> kind of take on it. So let's check in on them. Where they don't have uh, high hopes right now is Florida. As you heard from James Matthews there, the White House think they've got it in the bag. And the numbers certainly do look that way at the moment, still waiting uh, to know for sure in Florida. But that's looking like that's going towards Donald Trump at least. But North Carolina, as you were saying, looking more promising uh, for the Democrats, at least in terms of the numbers of votes that have been counted so far. Let's have a look at what we have in North Carolina. Crucial state here, 15 Electoral College uh, votes uh, here. And it had been leaning, according to the polls at least, it had been leaning towards Joe Biden. But I want to draw your attention to something here. Not that long ago, the gap was far bigger. Joe Biden was much further ahead in North Carolina now it's tightening and it looks like Donald Trump is catching up in North Carolina. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, kind of, I don't know why I keep hitting that. Kind of a generic version of our coverage, I would say. Not overly not overly impressed with it. I, I, let's, let's pop over to ABC because ABC is back up on the Senate race and I think that's something that's worth keeping an eye on. Oh, and uh, let's see. Fox is doing Florida. All right, we'll do one and two. So stand by. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. Buckle up. I hope you have a drink. Welcome back. On your screen, a look at where this race stands at this hour in Florida. Take a look there. 91% of the precincts in Donald Trump, 51.3% to 47.8%. In Georgia, there you go, 56% of the precincts in, and you see Donald Trump. Again, some of that other vote, as we talked about. And then North Carolina, a very close race there in North Carolina, but 91% of the precincts in. Again, all of those too early to call at this hour. Man, that is very, very close. Okay, so there is your uh, immediate update, but uh, let's shift gears and uh, let's go to ABC, who is covering the Senate race, and get an update from them. Uh, and I'm DVRing essentially, digitally DVRing these different, so we can I can kind of pop around a little bit, and I can go back in time. So if they had something interesting a few minutes ago, I can often go back and get it. So we'll check in on them and see if I have much. Um, yeah, no, I'm not super impressed. Of course, are very optimistic that they can still tonight gain the majority. Coming up on 10:30, a long way to go on this election night, 2020. We'll be right back. Oh, well, there you go. <clears throat> yeah, they're doing a whole bunch right there. They kind of know when to take their commercial breaks. They look at when the data is coming in and they figure out when to bail for a bit. So you'll notice they time they time that stuff just right. And sometimes I think they they work together. They work together to time it. Uh, we'll keep bouncing in. But uh, I'll keep an eye on them. In the meantime, we'll see what CNN has up. Uh, and just to get them to the polls and, and ignore, ignore all of the public polling that we've all been talking about and looking at. And, you know, I do think that when you look at the Sun Belt, where we knew that there was elevated turnout, the president is still very competitive in those states, mm-hmm. the places that he had to hold on to. Georgia. North Carolina, Florida. He had to keep those states, and he's competitive there. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because his people showed up today. It, it, that's exactly right. He needed it, it, this was a turnout election. It wasn't a persuasion election, meaning there weren't a lot of people out there going, hmm, do I vote for Joe Biden or do I vote for Donald Trump? Pretty much everybody made up their mind. The question is whether or not they were going to get out and vote. And the Trump campaign has a, an, 
in, in cooperation with the RNC, which has been working on its, you know, vote, what they call their voter vault since 2004. They have a really stellar operation and they actually built it in recent years, uh, modeled after Barack Obama's operation mm -hmm. because his was was so good. That campaign's was so good when it came to data and they've updated it more and more. Um, the Democrats even will admit, and we were talking about this before, that they're a little bit slower on that, but they were relying on some of that, but, but a lot of enthusiasm. And I would add that... Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with the one analysis that we've heard a couple of these networks make over and over again, and that is that I think a lot of people had their minds made up quite a while ago. You know who Biden is, and you know who Trump is. I think that's very true for a lot of people. Uh, and I think that plays an interesting role in the 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 mix of who was going to come out. It really was then a matter of getting your base out there. So going back to ABC and they have some more on the Senate now, like I thought was they're back from they're back from commercial break. So let's go there. Ridiculous. I can't help but mock it with the soundboard clips. This is their Senate update? Like, th they, they announced they'd be doing a Senate update and this is what it is? It's this? This is stupid. Like, well, this is dumb. I mean, it's really low effort, I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah! I do whine because I want to win. Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. Calm down. It's okay. Mommy needs a joy. <laughs> this is weird. All right. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. And I'm surprised that passes. Really, uh, that shouldn't pass for network television, but I guess they, you know what that probably is? I would bet you guys that's, oh crap, we need five minutes off air. We got to take care of something. So let's just roll this for a little bit. <laughs> uh, CNN has a Arizona update. So let's go to that. Wolf. All right, Jake, thank you. Uh, we uh, love the commentary. Let's get a key race alert right now. Take a look at this. Uh, Arizona right now, 75% of the estimated vote is in. And uh, Joe Biden has an impressive lead right now, uh, a lead of more than 208,000 votes, 53.7% to 45%, 11 electoral votes in Arizona. Uh, more than a third of the vote is in in New Hampshire right now. Biden has a 27,000 vote lead over uh, Trump, 53.8% to 44.8%. In Minnesota, more than a third of the vote is in there. Biden has an impressive 285,000 vote lead over Trump, 61.4% to 36.6%. In Iowa right now, 19% of the vote is in. Biden's lead is uh, 85,000, 61% uh, to 36 0.9%. Uh, we've got some more states yeah! right now. Let's Listen take a look at these music. other states that are coming in. Michigan, a third of the vote is now in. Trump is ahead uh, by some 210,000 votes, 54.7% to 43.4%. In Pennsylvania, almost a third of the vote is in. 
Trump is ahead by 179,000 votes, 53.4% to 45.2%. In Wisconsin, a third of the vote is in. It's very, very close. Uh, Trump is ahead by some 20,000 votes, 50% to 48.3%. In Georgia right now, more than half of the vote is in. Trump has a pretty comfortable lead in Georgia uh, of 348,000 votes uh, right now, 55.4%. We have a projection right now. Yeah. Take a look at this. CNN projects that uh, Joe Biden will win in New Mexico right now. Uh, take a look at that. Uh, Joe Biden wins in New Mexico. Uh, there he is, uh, the winner in New Mexico. Uh, that's five electoral votes in New Mexico. So that's so the let's second. See where the electoral college map stands. That's the right second now. network right now, to call. Win in New Mexico. Biden has 94 electoral votes. Trump has 72 electoral votes. The all-important race to 270 needed to win. 90- Man, I feel like I should be pumping metal or something when I'm hearing that. Uh, it's such a they've turned. They've tried to turn politics into sports. Is what's what's going on there? Uh, checking in on Ohio with uh, your friends over at MSNBC. We'll see what they have to say. They have coverage on right now. Decisive number. So I think that looking at this right now, looking at the demographics that we're seeing in Ohio, um, you're seeing some very very good news in the upper Midwest. I mean, I know that we're disappointed about Florida, but this feels a lot like 2018. Look at what the margins are, uh, how they're shifting how they're shifting among independents, what's happening in the suburbs. You're seeing that in Ohio. My guess is you're going to see that in Pennsylvania. And you're already seeing that in Wisconsin right now. Charlie, let me ask you about one other um, Wisconsin dynamic, which has loomed so large over the past four years. I feel like it has overshadowed our ability to think rationally about Wisconsin. And that is that when Trump won in 2016, and as you said, he won by less than a point, He had never led in a single poll in Wisconsin, not a single public poll, not one. Uh, And then he went ahead and and won the state. Is Wisconsin polling, which shows Biden broadly ahead, um, heading into tonight's results, is Wisconsin polling any better in 2020 than it was in 2016? Well, I think so. Um, the the, the uh, Marquette University Law Poll, which is considered the gold standard, has uh, Trump up by, I mean, Biden up by, I think, <laughs> five, four or five points. It's going to be close. It's going to be single digits. But I think that they have adjusted to the mistakes they made for you. I would like to see somebody really actually look into that and really give us a good a good sense of the, uh, what, what the polls got right and what the polls got wrong, because they it just dominates the discussion leading up to the election in such an obnoxious way, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I, I just really can't stand it. And so and you don't even know if you can trust it. So I'd like them to hold them accountable. Uh, I thought I thought we could do a couple of things here. Um, I want to do an update on North Carolina. Different networks are calling different things. So let's do an update on that really quick. And Shep, you touched on this. Things are moving fast here and things are tightening up. We are in downtown Raleigh. And first of all, we can tell you a little bit of a cat and mouse game with a a handful of protesters, a couple hundred or so, Uh that did a little bit of minor damage up by the state capitol, which is about a little less than a mile Uh from me. A heavy police presence as well here. And they're chanting variations of no matter who wins, you lose. Well, take your pick in North Carolina because it is tightening up considerably. Uh, Take a look at the state now with uh, uh, still too early to call. 
uh, but it is a it is dead even here with 86% reporting. Remember what we've been talking about all day with, with the turnout. There was a huge early vote turnout, about 4.6 million uh, by mail or early voters. They were thought to lean towards the Democrats. And in the big cities, in here in, in Raleigh and in Charlotte, Wake County, Mecklenburg County, they have delivered. But if you take a look at the heavy Republican counties where they were counting on uh, the Trump forces, were counting on big turnout today, that seems to be coming through and that seems to be what is uh, shaping things up. Look at Johnston County. We were there earlier today. And look at that big vote for Trump. That's a I just think the other number is the more impressive one right now. Statewide, 49.4% to 49.4%. How about that one? Uh, I also want to monitor your more fringe media. Are you familiar with Blaze TV? I don't play clips very often from Blaze TV or maybe ever. So uh, I wouldn't blame you for never hearing them, for hearing about them if you don't search for this stuff outside the show. But it's Glenn Beck's shit show. <laughs> I just have a grudge against Glenn Beck. Uh, but he, uh, so one of the clowns on, on his network, uh, was making some predictions if Biden wins. If Joe Biden wins tonight, and, and I got to tell you, I don't see what his path is, given where we're at right now. Uh, he needs a Do major game changer. I love this guy. I yeah. love this guy. This I don't, is I don't great. See he, I wouldn't okay. want to spend election night with anyone else. <laughs> Anybody else. I don't care if I wake this up tomorrow the, and I find out that you were lying the whole time. This is I'm just, feeling good. I don't know what to do. I'm, I am the purveyor of optimism for people. I'm not used to being in this position. I know, I know. I kind of like it for yeah, a change. Right you know, it'll probably never happen again. But, um, but if Biden finds a way to pull this out here tonight, um, you're going to have to defend your right to worship and freedom of religion oh, of course. at a pace that you never have before. Um, your, your, church's, every, your church's right to exist is going to be threatened. I don't oh, think there's, you're going to see things that are unprecedented in America if Joe Biden wins I, from, the, from the church's perspective. I, I, don't, I don't even think that's really much of a debatable point. I don't think it's radical or fear-mongering. I, I don't even know what he means. I, I don't even know what, it, what are they going to, they're going to do a constitutional amendment? Like, what is he... Oh man, that is that is one of those that is one of those out there statements that you just say on a fired up night when you're just a little out of it and you've been doing this for too long and you're just looking at something now to one up what you've been saying. That's the kind of crap you say. That's the kind of crap you say. Let's check in on old ABC. Right now, we want to take another look at the state of Minnesota uh, as well. Again, that was a state that President Trump had hoped he might be able to flip, like the state of New Hampshire. Right now, 36% of the expected vote is in, and it appears that Joe Biden has a big lead. Let's go back to Alex Perez in Minnesota. Yeah, George, and what we're seeing is that Joe Biden has a huge lead in Hennepin County, the most populous county here in Minnesota. We're seeing uh, 93% of the vote coming in from Hennepin County, about 70% of that vote right now going to Joe Biden. Those are the kinds of numbers that Democrats want to see here in Minnesota. You know, uh, Obama, there were 19 counties that Obama won that Hillary lost to Trump back in 2016. And the Democrats are hoping they're going to be able to win back those so-called pivot counties. Now, the important vote, the uh, rural areas, the Iron Range, the other part of the state, we still don't know uh, the exact numbers from that area. That part of the state typically looks better for Republicans, typically went for Trump. 75% expected vote in in Arizona. That's interesting to see um, and also a bit telling. Let's check in on NBC. They're uh, 
currently chatting with their White House correspondent, who is out in the White House lawn uh, doing her thing. <laughs> that change as we start to get in more vote from Arizona. That is definitely one that we're drilling down on with sources tonight. That was one of the states that the, the folks that I've been talking to in the Trump orbit hadn't been feeling very, very confident about. They were feeling what I would say hopeful, optimistic, but not extremely confident. And there now seems to be perhaps some reason for that that we're seeing in the numbers that have come in at least so far tonight. All right, Hallie, thanks. Let's go over to Kristen Walker at Biden headquarters. Uh, How are they interpreting all this? Well, the focus right now is on the Midwest, Lester, and I can tell you that they are watching what's happening in Ohio very closely. They say, look, if Biden can't pull out a surprise win there, it could have implications for the other Midwestern blue wall states that Vice President Biden has fought so hard to try to win and to try to win back from the Republicans in 2016. So they are particularly encouraged by the fact that there's been a strong turnout in key parts of Ohio, suburban areas. One of those key areas that they're looking at, Cuyahoga County, of course, that's the area uh, around Columbus. They're also uh, looking at another area that Mitt Romney and Donald Trump won back in Uh, 2016. That's Delaware County. Biden has got that to within about five points. So they say, look, all right, we'll come back to this. We'll see where that leads. We don't need to speculate too much. Uh, I want to uh, I want to just make mention of the fact because I don't think we've mentioned it on air yet, but it's probably not too surprising. The Dakotas uh, and Alabama are going Trump's way. Some new calls. Let's look at uh, North Dakota. And President Trump is the projected winner in North Dakota. In Alabama, President Trump is the winner there. There's also a Senate race going on there. We'll check in with that in a few moments. Not too surprising, is it? Oh, a little update on Florida, too. And looking at Florida once again, checking in there. It is too close to call, uh, but Trump leads in Florida. And in Texas right now, too early to call. Mm. <laughs> that Texas. It's teasing me, man. I, I don't know why, but I, I'm, I guess maybe they're making me develop a fascination for it. They've, they've done a good job. We have uh, also, I, I think, I don't know if we've mentioned it on air, but Kansas is going to Trump as well. I, not surprising. That's not really, <laughs> not going to shock you. Byron Pitts, thanks very much. We have another call to make another projection to go. make in the state of Kansas. Uh, Donald Trump is going to win the state of Kansas. Again, that's a strong red state. Has always been six electoral votes. He won by 21 points back in 2016. Donald Trump will win again. I want to bring in Senator Chris Coons now, Senator of Delaware, close friend and advisor to Joe Biden. Uh, it looks like we're in for a very long night, Senator Coons, maybe even several days of this to go on. Is this really going as you expected tonight? Uh, Well, George, we had a record early turnout. A hundred million Americans voted early, whether in person or by mail. Uh, And as we're hearing from all over the country, we had record turnout in many states. Um, So I'm optimistic uh, when there's record turnout. Often that means Democrats win. Irony that there's the Chase Center uh, behind him. Just just mentioning it's a bit ironic. That's all. Not saying that he's a corporatist Democrat who's bought out by corporations. I'm just saying it's ironic that there's a Chase Bank banner behind him. That's all I'm pointing out. Let's uh, let's do a check-in on uh, Fox. They have an update on poll closures, including one here in my home state, coming up soon. So uh, let's see what they're yakking about. Right now, as the uh, Electoral College votes go, Biden is at 129. Trump is at 115. The Nasdaq, for example, that's the home of all those popular uh, big-name technology companies. That is up 3.5%. 
That is a whopping great big gain for that particular index. Stock prices across the board on the upside as we speak. Look at it on your screen right now. Ev hmm. President Trump Hold on a second. This is interesting. Uh, MSNBC now shows that Trump is ahead in the Electoral College votes. So let's go over to MSNBC and see what's going on over there. Back. Oh, oh, they are. Oh. Here we go. For the Republicans, Missouri has been deep red uh, and in the Republican column for some time now. But uh, that Missouri call is now official in terms of NBC News's projection. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back again, we'll be looking at North Carolina. There it is. There it is. So Biden at 98 and Trump at 102, according to MSNBC right now. Oh, man. I bet Rachel's starting to feel a little nervous. What do you guys think in the chat room? Anybody ready to start making some calls? Anybody ready to start placing some bets on the way this thing's going to go? Uh, I, I mean, they're obviously trying to set our expectations that we're not going to know tonight, and that may very well be. Uh, that could absolutely be a possibility, but I think we may get an indication of the direction things are going, and it seems like it's going that way. I'm going to pop over to CNN, who's doing an update on a few things. So they just were at commercial break for a bit, and they just got back. Let's check in on them. Uh, we have some more projections right now. Let's check in New Hampshire. CNN projects that Joe Biden will win the state of New Hampshire, will win its four electoral votes. Biden wins in New Hampshire. There are several states now where CNN projects that Trump is winning four states specifically. CNN projects that Trump will win in Louisiana. He beats Biden in Louisiana, wins eight electoral votes in Louisiana. CNN projects uh, Donald Trump will win in Kansas, beats Biden in Kansas, six electoral votes there. Another six electoral votes in Utah. Trump wins in Utah. That's the CNN projection. Uh, and another five electoral votes in Nebraska. Uh, three out of the five, excuse me, three out of the five electoral votes in Nebraska. Two of them uh, are still based on a congressional district. Three out of five in Nebraska. So there, here's where the, the, the electoral college map stands right now. Very, very close. Look at this. Biden has 98 electoral college uh, votes. Uh, Trump has 95. You need 270 to win the presidency. 98 to 95. Look at how close it is right now. Actually, we have a key race alert right now. Let's check in some of the numbers. Coming in from Michigan, 37% of the vote is in. Trump still maintains a 235,000 vote lead in Michigan. 54.8% to 43.4%. 37 of the vote is in. 33% of the vote is in Pennsylvania. Trump has a 236,000 vote lead in Pennsylvania. 54.3% uh, to 44.3%. 37% of the vote is in in Wisconsin. It's close. 25,000 vote lead for uh, Trump over Biden. 50.1% to 48.2%. In Georgia, 58% of the vote is in. Trump has uh, looks like a pretty comfortable lead of 387,000 votes. 55.7% to 43.1% uh, in uh, those states. Let's take a look at some more states right now. In Arizona, right now, 75% of the vote is in. Biden looks like he has a relatively comfortable 208,000 vote lead over Trump, 53.7% to 45%. In Minnesota, 37% of the vote is in. Uh, Biden there has a, looks like a pretty comfortable nearly 300,000 vote lead over Trump, 60.7% to 37.2%. In Iowa right now, a quarter of the vote is in. Biden has a 76,000 vote lead over Trump, 57.4% to 41%. Let's go back to John King at the magic wall. So uh, let's take a look at the electoral let's college not, map right now. Let's not go back to John King. There's a there's a YouTube channel that I follow on and off during uh, this election season. And I think some of you have seen them too. It's The Hill with uh, 
uh, Crystal Ball and uh, Sager. And I want to check in on their live coverage and see what they're doing because I haven't tuned in on them at all yet. So let's check over on the hill. Crazy to me is to see that. Is to see. Oh, I think I have too many audio sources. Uh, let me uh, resolve that, and then we'll get back there. John, <laughs> CNN over at the uh, election wall. <laughs> tell you, I'm going to be so dramatically more skeptical oh, yeah. of what we read, and I'm going to trust a little bit more of our instincts because I thought, and I kept reverifying some of the things that we were thinking in public polling. But ah, Corona, ah, you know this, yeah, and Trump is not saying that. But I still am starting to believe that even just the rhetoric, just the rhetoric alone, is enough in the absence of nothing. And when the absence of nothing from Biden is there and the absence and the globalism and the just the rooted picture of him, that that is just not enough for so many voters across America. And I got to say, I'm actually a little bit heartened by it. I mean, it's it's ironic because I feel the same way. Like Mm -hmm. you can't run on nothing. You can't stay Mm -hmm. home. You can't not even try. I mean, the Biden. And again, we don't want to dance on a grave yet. Like. Biden may well win. He's still very much in position to be able to pull this thing off. But Democrats have spent four years trying to avoid exactly Mm -hmm. this situation right now that they are facing. And their whole approach has been an utter disaster from impeachment, from deciding to go after the moderate Republican, the John Kasich vote again, to putting Kamala Harris on the ticket thinking that that was going to be enough to drive out minority and young voters. Mm -hmm. Those three pieces have all failed. Um, I think we have have Kyle Kondik ready to join us. Do we have Kyle Kondik in there? Oh, okay. Oh, we got it. Okay. Coming up. Let me read the tease that's in here. Managing editor. Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Live is tricky. I understand and appreciate it. And I actually find their analysis to be pretty on point. Uh, So if you like to get into the nitty gritty of the politics, it is kind of worth checking out the Hills channel. Um, So going back to the blaze, I think they have Ben Shapiro on. Ben Shapiro is like another guy who I wonder if there's an Adderall connection there. So I'm going to try to find footage of that because uh, one of the things that almost feels like maybe a little too early that they're doing over there is a preemptive celebration of Trump's victory. And they're doing that via total poll bashing. They're making they're already making hay on how inaccurate the polls are. You, you saw you saw Cucker Tuckerson doing it as well. So, uh, oh, good. I got the footage of it. Here is Shapiro on the blaze. Good friend Glenn Beck, again, as with Louder with Crowder, this is a cross stream. I can't say he's coming on our show, and I can't say that we're going on his show. It is somehow miraculously. They say you never cross the stream. It's, it's fluid. It's broadcast instance, fluid. That's what it is. Um, you know, I, I uh, thank you very much, Jeremy. If I can just uh, stop you here for just a second. And let me tell Ben, I was listening to you, Ben, uh, on our local affiliate KLIF that carries you in the afternoon. I was listening to you today. And you brought to mind, because I'm listening to all these young people that were calling in, and uh, they were just confused by the polls, it seemed, because it wasn't reflecting reality in their life. There are so many things that in popular culture and things that we've always seen in the past that just didn't match up with the narrative for the media or the narrative uh, from the polls. Um, Are we starting to see that come apart tonight? I mean, I think so. It's so hard in in this business or any other to make the connection between 
the anecdotal evidence and, and the data, right? Because you get this data and you assume that people are trying to put their best inputs into the data and it's still early, so we'll have to see. Florida's obviously a systemic polling error, I mean, off as much as five points. We still don't know how, how much it's gonna be off in other places, but it looks like it's all off and it looks like it's all off in one direction. And what that says to me is that less than people, you know, experiencing things, because I remember that in 2012, right? In 2012, there were a lot of us saying, well, the, the enthusiasm for Romney is so high, he's for sure going to win. All right, good enough. I can't. I can only take so much of it. And uh, I want to switch back over to CNN because uh, it looks like they're making uh, a projection here in a moment. So I want to try to pull that in for you guys so that way we have it. We come over here now. Again, he's leading. It's a higher turnout election. We're only at 143,000 votes. So we just need to slow down and let them count <laughs> Caution the votes everybody. in Michigan. Slow down. And again, there's a possibility we don't get them all tonight. Uh, so you walk out through and you walk, just look at the map here. You come back to 2016 and you see over here, for example, Hillary Clinton won along the border here. It's a smaller county, but you just come back and look Stand at 2020. By. Uh, the president's leading there right now. But again, 43% of the vote in. Just want to move around a little bit. And oh, the my president gosh. Won the suburbs narrow. Speed up. But we have a long way to go. And it's the same story. Jumping Certainly ahead. We will. Uh, we've got there some we more go. projections right now. All right, let's take a look at this. CNN projects that uh, Joe Biden will win the state of Illinois, will win 20 electoral votes in the state of Illinois, beats uh, Trump in Illinois. Trump beats Biden in Missouri, 10 electoral votes in Missouri. Uh, Trump wins in Missouri. Let's take a look at the electoral college map right now. Uh, and here's where it stands on the road to 270 needed to win. Biden now has 118. Trump has 105. 118 to 105, 270, the magic number. The presidential race is moving to the west right now. We're counting down to 11 p.m. Eastern and the biggest electoral prize of the night. We're talking about California. The polls are about to close there, as well as in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington State. Those states have 78. I wonder where they'll go. Electoral I wonder. Votes of the 270 needed to win. Joe Biden is counting on Blue California to push him closer to 270. Of Let's course. Let's get a key race alert right now. Right now. Let's start off in Michigan right now. 38% of the estimated vote is in in Michigan. Uh, Trump still maintains his 240,000 vote lead over Biden. 54.7% to 43.4%. Lots of votes outstanding, though, in Michigan. In Pennsylvania, 37% of the estimated vote is in. Trump has 344,000 vote lead over Biden, 55.9% to 42.7%. In Wisconsin, 40% of the estimated vote is in. Trump has a narrow lead. Boy, that is narrow. vote lead. Okay, all right, okay, all right, enough with that. I got to take a break from that relentless, relentless... Uh, whatever you want to call that music bed i think is the term i think fox news is about to do a senate update so check it over democrats there hold on to their majority in the house ah, house here we go republicans are looking to hold their majority in the senate we're going to there take a look at where some of those hotly contested races very interesting night for these senate races that is next okay yeah so they're going to be doing that in a little bit huh you know okay let's just take stock for a moment guys this is um is not too far from where I thought we would be at this point, but it is turning out to be a little more interesting than I think we expected. Uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 You can tell the people on the right are feeling pretty good about this. They're feeling pretty good. I don't think anything is a slam dunk there for the Democrats nabbing one electoral vote. And, hey, 
We know every electoral vote counts. And if you've ever seen those 269, 269 scenarios, this is why Nebraska 2 and Maine 2, and by the way, we have a long way to go in Maine getting their vote. Some of this vote is, is um, same-day vote. We don't have some of the mail-in votes. I see you turned in extra credit. Andrea, what are you watching in these Senate races we just talked about? Well, well I'm looking at Georgia, where you've got two Senate races, and now you've got Reverend Raphael Warnock, who just had an explosion of support. And he's in the runoff now against Kelly Loeffler, who is the incumbent, the appointed incumbent. Uh, That really is a much better looking race for him in the runoff. That'll be January 6th against because Doug Collins, the strong Trump supporting House member from you remember House Judiciary, who was so strong during the impeachment hearings, really, really strong Republican. He's had a controversial record, very outspoken. You know, uh, that's a great point that Grim Fate just made in the Discord. Uh, The Democrats spent over a quarter billion dollars trying to out McConnell, Corrin, and Graham, and they failed. What does that tell you? That is, oh, I wonder, are these bellwethers? I wonder. Maybe not. I don't think anybody's too surprised by those results. I have to be honest with you. Uh, we are uh, ABC has a correspondent live in South Carolina, so uh, I can check over. We can pop in over there and uh, see what they have, and then and then after that, I want to go back to the hill. So let's check in with ABC since they have someone in North Carolina, and that's kind of an interesting state right now, uh, worth following a little close more closely. And then we will move back over to the hill. So stand by. We're making the transition now. Brace yourselves. South Carolina. Yeah, George, Jamie Harrison spoke not long ago, conceding the race to Lindsey Graham, a hard-fought race that Lindsey Graham hadn't originally anticipated. As you just mentioned, Harrison raised record-setting amounts of money, and he pushed this idea about the New South, hoping a surge of black voters and growing diversity in this historically red state could help propel him to victory. But Republicans remained remained optimistic that conservatives would choose Lindsey Graham. That's one thing the state's GOP chair talked with me about earlier today. He said demographics are not ideology. Demographics are not philosophy. He told me it is conservative ideals that have given Republicans a majority here in South Carolina. And that has helped Lindsey Graham in recent weeks, even though he has changed his stance on Supreme Court nominations in an election year by supporting the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. He has been able to tout those conservative values, uh, and that has helped him a lot. He struggled. All right, she's just kind of talking in circles now. If I were Trump and the election came in tonight for Biden, I, instead of trying to fight it like hell, would do a, a, a sort of graceful but still Trump-style exit. I would accept the results, I would concede, and then I would say, but it's really because of the mail vote and fraud, but we'll never get it because of the Democrats. So and to save the country all the scandal, I'm going to just concede now. And then he could just hard pivot into a media empire. He could be the new Rush Limbaugh. I mean, look at his campaigns and his rallies. Look at the uh, excitement he has there and the base that he has. And regardless of what happens with the election, those people will still follow him. And he could leverage that into some sort of media empire. So if I were him, I'd just take the graceful exit and start job 2.0. And then as legal issues came up, he'll have a nice media platform to combat them. All right. uh, As we hit the four-hour mark in this stream... 
I want to take a moment and just say if uh, you're enjoying this and you think uh, it's worth supporting uh, productions like this for not only live events but the show itself, I'd, I'd love you to consider the patron, patreon.com slash unfilter. Become one of them patrons over there. Uh, this is independent media. I couldn't do this and say these things, obviously, with sponsors. Not only not only would it just be awkward for them, but I think it would, you know, it would leave question and doubt in the audience's mind. So it's a way for you to invest in citizen journalism that you can trust in. And that's why I call it a people's history. It's unfilter.show. Or I'm sorry. Actually, you can find it there. You can find it linked there. But uh, patreon.com slash unfilter. Chris Christie's talking over on ABC. We'll tune in there. I think that's always been an interesting pairing. And he's generally fairly frank. Votes. And in Iowa, um, uh, spoke to a couple of Republican leaders there who think that Joni Ernst is going to be in good shape tonight. We are going to keep an eye on it. We're going to be back in just a minute. I'm going to back that up so we can hear more of that. Boop, 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 boop. Iowa and Maine. Yeah, and, and the Republicans have to win two of the three there. And, and I think they're in good shape to do it. Um, I continue to hear from North Carolina Republican leadership. They're getting more and more confident as the night goes on that Tom Tillis is going to win a narrow race there and that the president will win the electoral votes. And in Iowa, um, uh, spoke to a couple of Republican leaders there who think that Joni Ernst is going to be in good shape tonight. We are going to keep an eye on it. We're going to be right. back in just a minute. Some of our stations are going to go to the late local news right now. So what's interesting is Chris Christie keeps texting with like local Republican operatives in those area as and he's getting their take on it uh, so that's kind of why i like kind of just checking in on him i mean he's you know he's a blowhard no doubt about it but i find it fascinating because he gets a little bit of insight uh you're really good buddy <laughs> uh <laughs> i'm sorry senator graham is uh now holding a uh a, a live press event to uh, celebrate his win so let's go check in on that thank you darling thank you very much sweetheart oh he's getting teared up you see that Oh. Uh, your ad made a little me drunk. cry. That's about the only ad that I, that I would watch, but I couldn't get through that one. But Larry and Emily and Nicole, uh, you have my heart to my end. Uh, Verna May and Nail can't be with us thinking about y'all. Uh, to the Ball family, you're very much my family. Uh, this journey started in uh, House District 2. <laughs> In 1992, oh, where Denise ran my first campaign, and we put the kids in a wagon with Greg, and we knocked on doors, and damn if we didn't win. <laughs> and everything has just been an incredible ride since without what you did for me then in my first congressional race and my first Senate race. There would be no Lindsey Graham, so thank you all very much. Yeah, thanks a bunch. She passed the baton to Scott Farmer, who is the best campaign manager in the United States. Okay. He's a terrific campaign manager. He's a better father. He's a better husband. He's a better friend. I have the best campaign in the history of South Carolina. A very relieved Hoorah. Senator Lindsey Graham go. speaking about his victory, uh, reaching out a hand to his opponent, Jamie Harrison, who spent $103 million that went into that race on his behalf. It is now 11 o'clock on the East Coast. The polls have just closed in four more states. The Fox News decision desk can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will decisively beat President Trump in California, which uh, is a 
55 uh, electoral vote hall. Huge number there. Joe Biden will also win the adjacent state of Oregon, according to our Fox News voter analysis. Rounding out the Pacific Northwest, Biden will defeat uh, Trump in the state of Washington. Shocker. But in next door, Idaho... President Trump will easily defeat the former vice president. Now, not every network is calling that. Get a look around at uh, how things are standing. Dana Perino, uh, what are you watching? What's standing out to you at this point? Okay, so um, in the re-elections for Bush and Obama, at the very tail end of those campaigns, they were able to get to like a 2.1% little So that puts Biden... Uh, and you the, won that puts Biden at uh, 207 electoral college votes and Trump at 119. Again, uh, that is Fox's numbers right now. Uh, MSNBC has a different set of numbers, as does uh, CNN, of course. CNN is going through their key race updates, uh, one of which is Pennsylvania and others. So we'll check in there. CNN currently shows Biden at 192 and Trump at 108, by the way. 192 to 108. Let's get a key race alert in some right. of the battleground states where things stand. Let's start in Pennsylvania. 41% uh, percent of the estimated vote is now in. Trump has seemingly a pretty comfortable 444,000 vote lead over Biden. 56.8% to 41.5%. That's Pennsylvania, guys. In Michigan guys. right now, 39% of the estimated vote is in. Trump has a significant lead there right now as well, 239,000 vote. But it's relatively early. 39% of the estimated vote is in. And the early vote, which skews 25,000 vote lead over Biden, 50% oh, come on, Cena, to 48.3%, 10 electoral votes in Wisconsin. In Arizona, 75% of the vote is in, and Biden has a significant lead. Ah, in Arizona, 208,000 vote lead over Trump, 53.7% to 45%, 11 electoral votes at stake over there. Let's uh, go back to John King. All right, so right now, Biden has a significant 192 to 108 lead in the all-important electoral college battle. And the West Coast, which again, when I started... Isn't that interesting that they have different, every network has different numbers, and uh, the print publications right now have different numbers? It's kind of all over the place. Um, I don't... I mean, but you could see, obviously, California and Washington and Oregon, they're going to go. They're going to go, Joe. There's just... Zero, zero doubt. That's just the way it goes. That's the way it's always gone. So, of course, that's going to be a big temporary boost for uh, Biden. Have tough races. And just looking at it right now, she's a little bit behind. Thanks. Uh, that's interesting. Let's uh, do some Senate races real quick. Uh, put up, if we could, the balance of power in the Senate. Again, we started the night 53-47 with Republicans controlling um, over Democrats. Democrats have to pick up a net four seats or three plus the White House. And here we have, it's kind of populating as we go along. I haven't asked specifically for these races, so uh, bear with us. John James in Michigan, let's take a dip in there against the incumbent uh, Gary Peters. And he is uh, closing, Chris. He's a really strong candidate that the NRSC, the Republican Senate Committee, uh, believed he had a chance to, to pull that off. We haven't called the race yet, uh, but he was leading early on. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, first of all, a lot of people think John James is a rising star in the party. Uh, he ran for governor and lost. Now he's running for the Senate against Gary Peters. So one, if he wins, it would be a, a, a big new presence in Washington, uh, John, Sen Senator John James, if he wins. In addition to which, it would make the Democrats' chances of taking over control of the Senate that much harder. We've had an even split. Uh, Colorado, 
went from Republican to Democrat. Alabama went from Democrat to Republican. So the 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 fifty three forty seven. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Sure. We're going to make a, a big call oh. right here. Oh. Uh, the Fox News decision desks can now project that President Donald Trump will win big the state one. of Florida. Twenty nine electoral votes, uh, and he will win win it convincingly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, 51.3 and 47.8 for President Trump and Joe Biden, respectively. Joe Biden spent a fair amount of time in Florida. The president put a huge press in Florida, uh, spent a lot of time there. That's 97 percent of the votes in. Uh, Also, an update here in my home state of Washington. uh, Governor Inslee has been reelected to I'm sure the chagrin of most of my friends on the east side of the mountains. ...said about his effort to reach them with uh, stories about socialism and the prospect for a more socialistic government in this country, something that resonated quite a bit with uh, Venezuelan and Cuban uh, residents in the state of Florida. So, you know, it's obviously a very interesting dichotomy, the state of Florida, Brett, as you take ah, a look at Ah, the old it. threat of socialism. <laughs> so Fox shows Biden with 207 of the old college votes and uh, electoral college. I'm just, I got to come up with a quick name for him. And Trump with 148. Uh, that's how their numbers stack up right now. Let's check in over at MSNBC, though, because they're doing a Pennsylvania update, um, and that's obviously a really big one, and I I think they don't have much on there, but I just want to check on it, see if we can get some information. Look for the intersections. What what do both campaigns see? Both campaigns saw these three states as being an endgame, and both campaigns saw Joe Biden as having an edge in the polls, a small edge in these three states. So what does that mean? That means Donald Trump saw his path as likely involving a legal challenge to ballots in PA, and that's where he's been focusing his efforts. But it's also possible, and I think that, you know, the people who are feeling incredible anxiety, you know, one, I think one source of anxiety is that with all that's happened, COVID, nearly a quarter of a million people dead, the, the racism, the cuddling Nazis, I think for a lot of people, the catharsis of a repudiation by the voters broadly mm. was something that they needed, that they needed to know that America fundamentally rejects this man. That is not what we're getting tonight. What we're getting is that people are going to stick to their party lines for the most part. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm switching over to the NBC network stream because they seem to be covering some of the protests that are going on. Uh, Pelosi's on ABC and NBC might be talking protests, so I'm going to go with protests, and then we'll check on in on Pelosi. We'll see. Here and what are you seeing? Yeah, Savannah, just a little while ago, we saw a pretty remarkable scene, some ground game, strong ground game uh, during the middle of a pandemic. Right now, we are uh, at a a grassroots kind of watch party. You can see this Zoom screen behind me. But just a little while ago, we saw uh, hundreds of cars of these organizers uh, and these uh, these Latino based uh, community uh, groups coming together, dropping off uh, their canvassing gear, then going home and joining this virtual party to I'm not so sure they're protests. It seems like a lot of the protest action is uh, happening um, in D.C. so far, from what I can tell. But uh, I'm not seeing a lot in um, in uh, 
in there. In okay, I want to I want switching over the hill. Sorry, I'm a little distracted because the hill has their uh, their reporter on from the Intercept. So I want to go into him. He's Ryan Grimm, and I think he generally has a pretty decent analysis. And uh, oh gosh, man, their stream quality is really bad. They're having a rough time. But I'm going to pop in on them anyways because I, I usually like his take. Beginning of tonight, um, joining us now to talk about how progressives are doing in particular across the country, but also just to react what has already been a wild night. Great friend of the show and DC bureau chief of the Intercept, Ryan Grimm. Great to see you, Ryan. Good to see you, Ryan. How you guys doing? Hey, Ryan. Good. Hanging in there. So, uh, what's your reaction so far? What are you looking at? And um, you know, what lessons have we learned based on the results that have come in? Well, so w- what I'm hearing from from Democrats who are remaining optimistic is that what we're seeing tonight is actually largely tracking what we saw in 2018, hmm. uh, and and it's even tracking it in the way that we experienced it. Uh, if you if you put yourself back um, in, into that mindset, uh, everybody was hopeful about Florida, um, both the Senate race and Andrew Gillum. And early it looked possible, and then it looked, and then it, and then it slipped away, and then it was a you know, uh, and and then a, a lot of the other races that uh, were reaches started to look out of reach uh, for Democrats, and it wasn't really until. Uh, the next day that that the extent of the blue wave in 2018 really kind of uh, sunk in for, Who's for people. Typing? Give me a break. And so the the, the so th- that's like experientially the way that it that it maps uh, with 2018. But the the people the Dem- Democratic operatives who are looking very closely at the numbers are saying that um, you know precinct by precinct they're seeing similar patterns that the Democrats really are running up the numbers. In, in suburban district and suburban areas in 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 ways that uh, they they expected ahead of time and still expect are going to be enough um, to to push biden over, over the top despite um, you know some of some of the dour feelings among people now it's not it it, it, it looks like it's not it's certainly not going to be the blowout that some people yes. were hoping for this yeah, like 350 400 yes type of Reagan landslide. Um, but, 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 but the Democrats are not as kind of miserable as, uh, as, as some kind of viewers might be. Um, uh, I just got this over on 538 uh, from Nate Silver. He's uh, pointing out something from Charles Betha or Beth. I don't know. Uh, Georgia won't be decided tonight, even with partial reporting from Atlanta coming in in the next few hours, which should narrow the margins a bit. Large counties, Fulton and others, have said they won't count tens of thousands of votes until tomorrow morning. Oh, so that's a big one we won't know much about. Uh, so that's something we have to consider at some point. We're obviously not going to know. I think, you know, Ohio has 85% expected votes in, so we're getting some information there. Uh, we know which way Oregon and Washington are going to go. That's that's sort of a no-brainer. So we will get some ideas, I think. But I, I think the final vote won't be called tonight. I think that's... That scenario, which is one that was highly anticipated and expected, more and more people are talking about that. Uh, And I could see it. Um, We'll see. We'll see. The Florida wins big for Trump, though. That is a big deal and uh, something that's going to help. No doubt about it. Uh, And they just called that over on Fox. That's 29. That's 29 Electoral College votes. Including women who didn't want to tell anybody they were going to vote for Trump. 
because in, you know, among women, he was thought to be unpopular and he was thought to have offended more women than he ever did men and men liking him better. So Which, that, that Dana, may be more of an issue this time than even in 2016. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, I think for everybody, right? I mean, a lot of people just didn't want to say anything at all. Though I think that, you know, President Trump solidified his support. Um, and I also think, look, Laura Trump and the folks on the campaign, um, Kimberly Guilfoyle, you think Mercedes Schlapp, they had that whole um, women for Trump. And they made a concentrated effort. They knew they weren't going to win all women. They knew they were going to lose a significant amount. Um, but we'll, you know, it'll be interesting to pick through all the bones and, and see how that really turned out. But I, I keep going back to this thing. I think, I think parents, moms, worried about children and not being able to go back to school, seeing them lose an entire year of interaction with their mm. friends, not being able to do their sports. Another dynamic that hasn't come up yet is schools, level. kids not uh, being able to go back to school or how you feel about that. World, um, and they're worried about that. I think maybe that might have something to do with it. And it's possible that those things, and we're only looking at one of these battleground states so far in Florida, um, but it's possible that, you know, when you look at that, the incumbency also plays a yes. role. It's hard um, to beat an incumbent. It is very hard to beat an incumbent. The only time it's happened in you know recent history, Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, enormous personalities, yeah. able to totally change the dynamic of the presidential race and get voters to say, I'm going to leave this person behind and switch gears yeah. and go with this person. So as difficult as President Trump is for some voters, uh, it looks like at least in Florida, that dynamic of people uh, decided just to stick with the horse or, you know, yep. to stick with the one who brought him to the dance or whatever. You know, I just think, okay, I don't know. Ride him, ride him, ride him. But I just, I, I think we are in a different kind of presidential race. I mean, you make the point that it's hard to beat incumbents, that you don't see it very often. But I think that President Trump is his own you know, kind of a sui generis when it comes to presidential incumbents. Right. He has so much going against him in terms of the virus. Uh, and in, in my mind, so much in terms of his behavior, chaotic, divisive and all the rest. But I think there are people, and if you look at these numbers, even as Chris would question them, you see white men really stick with President Trump no matter what. The question then becomes the level at which white women vote for Trump. If you look at, you know, as I was talking to you earlier about the Florida race, the Latinos have clearly, they still go for Biden, but by a, a lesser margin than even uh, Hillary Clinton, that they favored Hillary Clinton. So to me, we come back to the idea that Trump is almost like a brand. It's in some ways he's impermeable. I mean, it's Teflon, you know, oh, but I don't I don't quite comprehend it. <laughs> but I do think it's different than when we say large personality. He's a large personality. But it, in these times, there's so much pressure on the country, so much anxiety. And it looks like some people just say, that's my guy. Uh, we started this talking about Senate races and um, <laughs> before we had the Florida call, which is a big call. But again, doesn't change the dynamic where we thought it was going to go. Uh, nobody's taken one that's a surprising true. Uh, stop. That's I, true. The National Republican Senatorial Committee is saying, uh, Britt, that they right now are outperforming their modeling going in. Hmm. And so they are looking at races like North Carolina optimistically. They are looking at races like Susan Collins in Maine optimistically, even though it's early. And even, and here we go. We can. Uh-oh. 
We can make a projection. Here we the go. Fox News decision desk <laughs> can project that Republican Tommy Tuberville will unseat Democrat ah. Senator Doug Jones of Alabama, the first and possibly only Republican pickup of a Senate seat tonight. Alabama, remember, this is the Jeff Sessions seat that he was trying to get back, lost to Tuberville in the primary. And huh. that evens out uh, the Cory Gardner loss in Colorado and leaves us uh, at square one in terms of moving Game. that balance yeah. of power in the Senate. We can also <laughs> now project Louisiana Republican Senator Bill Cassidy has won his reelection as well. And Not a surprise there. Race. So you're looking at the net gain and it was plus one for Democrats. Now it is back to zero. And again, they need to pick up three plus the White House or a net gain of four seats to take over control of the Senate. Now, that's interesting, right. isn't it? So let's take a look at who do we have? Do we have Bill Hammer up there? <laughs> this is. <laughs> I know, it's just wow. a voice from above. It's miss, a balcony. We have a very good social yes. distance with you, my friend. Yeah. What I love listening to you guys. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, they're trying. I, what can I say? Um, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be after all this fretting, all this anxiety, all the speculation, all of the campaigning, the stolen laptops, all of that, wouldn't it be something if uh, if out of all of this, nothing really changes? No significant change in the balance of power. Uh, president Trump remains president, and it essentially just continues on like it was yesterday. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be, uh, I don't know, kind of disappointing in a way i mean don't you just want something to change don't you want at least something to give checking in now on cbs because it's been a minute since we've looked over at cbs uh they're all doing the wall thing which i just can't stand when they start doing the wall thing i like to move on to georgia but because it was telling a larger story of changing metropolitan areas in the south phoenix is another one well when we look at the cab okay very man their audio is bad vote is actually in, only 24%. So the vote models right now are incorporating that as possibly a Democratic county, but we don't see the votes there yet. Might be a while. Let's look at another yeah, one. Let's not. I'm really impressed by their production quality there, and by impressed I mean disappointed. <laughs> like, really, how hard is that? <laughs> you know? And they have, like, some open speaker in the background, too, so it was really making it even worse. Not only was the guy not properly mic'd, and you could hear the cooling system going, but uh, he was uh, not properly mic'd, and they had an open speaker. I mean, just all kinds of bad. CNN's doing their uh, election update in Owaya. Oh, 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 boy. The Russian vodka. I, I, it's starting to hit me. Watch out, guys. 4,000 vote lead over Trump, 57.3% to 40%. Yeah. In Minnesota, 10 electoral votes there. In Iowa right now, 59% of the estimated vote is in. Very close. Uh, Biden's lead is almost 40,000 over Trump, 50.9% to 47.3%. Six electoral votes in Iowa right now. Let's go back to John King uh, as we're watching this. So the, the count continues, 192 uh, uh, we're watching this race between Trump and Biden, uh, 192 to 114. Right, 192 to 114. And again, right now, there's nothing on this map that tells it's a flip, nothing on the map that would be a wow. And yet we do know, let's go back. I just want to go back to the Trump map. It's just to take us where we are in the sense that we have nothing yet that we flip. But we do believe, we do believe at least Joe Biden is leading there. That's a potential, right? So you keep looking at this map that will get Donald Trump from his 2016 map down to 295. So then you go from there. 
I think we're, we're in a world right now, Wolf, where I'm just going to take these away, right? Because we're in such an early state in all of them, we just take these away. And so if nothing else changed, right, if the president holds Florida, we haven't called that yet, it's close, but he's ahead. If the president holds North Carolina, same deal. We haven't called it yet, the president's ahead. If the president holds Ohio. Uh, Iowa, let me pull out here and look at the map. I just want to take a peek. Iowa is still blue. I think I, I just, just figured it out. Take a look at it uh, here. Um, this is why they're doing so much of the map stuff is because they're trying to be super, super cautious by, quote unquote, calling it. So instead, they can just kind of tell you, well, it's looking like it's trending this way. It's probably it's probably going to go this way. And they can kind of just wink, wink, nudge, nudge it without claiming they're calling it. It's I think it's their new way. To, I think they're compensating for uh, the slower pace of being cautious by overplaying the going to the board. I'm not kidding. I'm looking at all of them right now. They're all doing it, except for the BBC. So let's check in on the BBC, and then I got some clips I want to play for you. We still don't understand why Florida is too early to project. Nomia Iqbal is down there for us. But look, there we have 97% of the vote counted. Uh, there's more than two points between them. What's happening down in Florida? Why are they not actually declaring this one, Nomia? Yes, uh, Florida hasn't really come through for, for Joe Biden. I'm not really sure if the Democratic Party expects it to, but here in uh, Miami-Dade County, uh, which is a Democratic stronghold, he's not really had the turnout uh, that they probably expected. Hillary Clinton did better in 2016. Now, this is a, uh, there's a large Cuban-American population, and that may give us a clue uh, on what's gone wrong for Joe Biden. And I'm joined by David Alvarez. Who yes, is that's fine. We don't, we don't, we don't need that. I got clips I'd rather play for you. It's, it's such a different contrast that it, it compared to the others. It almost kind of puts me to sleep. Uh, Fox News currently saying Biden has 218 electoral college votes. Trump has 148. I'll keep an eye on that as we go in. Uh, can the Canada news? Have we covered? Have, hey, have we covered Canada news at all in this? I, I have not played you any Canadian clips. Um, they do have some coverage on the Trump campaign and his final days leading up to today. So let's play that. By the size of the crowd tonight in Michigan, you'd never know it. But, say the polls, Donald Trump is losing. Oh, wow. This is a big crowd. And if those polls are correct, he will lose tomorrow, even after today's string of last-minute jam-packed rallies. We have five of these today, five. Five rallies in four crucial battleground states for Trump today. This one's North Carolina. At each, a key message for voters. Tomorrow you have the power to do so much for our country. You have the power to vote. So go out and vote. He even went to Joe Biden's hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, a vital state for both candidates, a state Trump won in 2016, but where he now trails Biden. Thank you very much. Even if Thank he doesn't you. like to acknowledge it. This does not look like a second place finish. Fact is, to win re-election, Trump needs the kind of political upset not seen since the last election, when he surprised the planet with a last-minute win over Hillary Clinton. With an eye on that today, Trump took brutal aim at Biden. But this guy is a stone-cold phony, and, and honestly, he's not equipped mentally to be your president. He really is. 
More significantly, Trump also continued to suggest he may challenge the results of tomorrow's vote in court, especially in places where counting ballots may take days, for example, Pennsylvania. You know what can happen? Number one, cheating can happen like you've never seen. This is their dream. Trump's dream tonight is said to be to absolutely avoid losing. But with no one really knowing how far he'll go on that if the numbers don't fall his way. We have a Colorado update as well. Well, good evening. Tonight, your message is loud and clear. By the way, uh, this is the Senate race, and he was a former governor. It's time to put the poisonous politics of this era behind us. Oh. And come together to move forward. Okay, well, now that you said that, we'll come together, no problem. Yeah, it just works like that, so that's no problem. That's exactly how it works. I don't see there should be an issue with that. No, no, of course not. Let's check in on CNN. Now, speaking of Dana Bash, figure we'll go over there and see what she's talking about. In the state of Georgia, a candidate needs 50% in order to win outright. That has not happened. So Democrat Raphael Warnock and uh, Kelly Loeffler, who is the incumbent appointed Republican, will go on to that runoff in January. Now let's look at some of the tight races we are watching in the battlegrounds for the balance of power. Arizona. The Democratic challenger Mark Kelly is ahead by more than 200,000 votes at 55.1%. The incumbent Republican Martha McSally is at 44.9%. 75% of the estimated vote is in in Arizona. Now let's go on to Iowa. The Democratic challenger is ahead there as well. Uh, Teresa Greenfield, it's very, very tight. 599 votes only. She's at 48.6%. The incumbent Republican Joni Ernst at 48.5%. And in Montana, the Democratic challenger is ahead there very early. Steve Bullock, the former, uh, or the, the governor, I should say, uh, is ahead by about 12,000 votes. So let's look at what this all means right now. Three Democrats are leading in Republican Senate seats. Democrats are back to needing four seats to uh, pick up in order to flip the Senate. And Democrats have 42 seats. Republicans have 42 seats. And will 16 seats remain to be called tonight. Well, so important what's happening in the Senate. All right, thanks very much, Dana. Let's get a key race alert right now. Let's see where things stand. Let's start off in the battleground state of Pennsylvania. 46% of the vote is in. Trump mm. has a 436,000 vote lead over Biden, 56% to 42%. In Wisconsin, more than half of the vote is in, 53%. Another reason why uh, the Democrats would need to take over more of the seats in government, like in the Senate and in the House, is for the courts. There's work that they want to do on the courts, and uh, they can't get that work done if they don't have the power to move votes. So that's a pretty big deal for them. Um, and it doesn't seem like the needle's going to get moved on that particular item for them. So um, I don't know, even if Biden wins, if they're going to have a lot of leverage there. It's, it's, it's simply hard to say at this point. Swapping over now to check in on another network, let's pick Fox News. Pennsylvania, it's, it has till Friday. So, I mean, the, the chances with the, this explosion of early voting, that we're going to know much before Friday the result of Pennsylvania, which could be make or break as to who the next president is, that, that's a real possibility. Especially since they stop counting at, at 1030 at night. I'm not sure why. I mean, just because I guess everyone has to go home and they have to come back in the morning. <laughs> yes, they're normal people, Martha, they're, as opposed to us. <laughs> what, what would have to happen that is within reason for us to be able to decide tonight who's the next president? I don't think it, it looks like it might not be possible. 
without Ohio, but, North Carolina, uh, or Pennsylvania. 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 It, would, it doesn't look like it's like possible. Any, Those three maybe, states. Does that Pennsylvania, we know, we, we have no reason to believe Pennsylvania is callable tonight, do we, or do we? No. 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 I mean, no. North Carolina, Carolina is potentially callable tonight. Potentially. So that, that, but that and doesn't I think decide it. I think Senator Tillis um, will hold on to that seat it in North like Carolina. It. And yeah. that, you know, if, if you're looking at, if you care about the Senate, um, and of course Mitch McConnell is, I'm sure he's counting every nose, that, you know, that North Carolina race will be really important. And he's ahead. Tillis is he's ahead. He's ahead, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and Trump is ahead in North Carolina, obviously. So, but if he holds North Carolina, that's just a hold. Right. Right, so, it's not a shift. So, All right, so let's need, need to know, I mean, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan now become crucial. Which we always knew they would, but maybe not this much. Um, we have some explainers about Arizona. Uh, Shannon Bream, is that right? At the uh, with the voter analysis, uh, yes. looking into Arizona and why we maybe called it mm -hmm. for Joe Biden. Yeah, we got a little information for you guys. New data from our Fox News voter analysis on why Biden won Arizona. As you've pointed out, this is the first state that flipped from Trump to Biden or from Republicans back in 2016 now to the Democrat. So in 2016, President Trump won by just over three points. He has not taken Arizona for granted this year. He was there seven times at least. A lot of people retired to Arizona, helping seniors make up 30 percent of the voters of there. And that group split. Hispanics, of course, an important and growing group in Arizona, key to the vote there. President Trump had hoped his conservative views would ring true with them, but six in 10 Hispanic voters in Arizona decided to back Biden. Arizona was hit hard by the coronavirus there, and few voters feel that the spread there is under control. Indeed, a majority said the virus is still out of control across the United States. An Arizona resident drew national attention during the Democratic convention when she told of how her father had died of COVID-19 after putting too much trust in Trump. That was her story. Now, slightly more think that Biden would be able to handle the pandemic, while four in 10 voters believe Trump would be able better to deal with COVID. But you can see those are some of the key issues, the key voting groups there that apparently gave Arizona to the Biden win column tonight, guys. Okay, Shannon, thank you. Uh, we have another call to make, and that is in the presidential race, the state of New Mexico will, we can now project, will go to former Vice President Joe Biden. So that's five electoral votes uh, for Biden. If we look at the So race there's another network calling it. I think we can get it up here, and that is 223 to 148. New Mexico, not a surprise. Arizona, again, was possibly in the red column. We have a couple other uh, calls to make in the Senate races. Yeah, with John Cornyn in Texas. Let's take a look at that. Uh, this is the race. Um, uh, MJ Hagar ran against him 44% to 53%. At one point, that looked like a close race. I think one of the storylines tonight is about Texas, which we've been told up and down was a possible flip. Uh, Kamala Harris was there just a couple of days ago. A lot of sort of uh, excitement around the fact that perhaps Texas was in play. And at least in John Cornyn's race, it does not turn out uh, to be the situation we're mm, waiting, of course, for early the rest indicator. Of Texas, uh, to come in tonight. But John Cornyn has secured his seat. Which bodes well for President Trump in Texas. Then yep. you look at Mississippi, to your point, Britt. Uh, the Republican there, Cindy Hyde-Smith, winning there a, a stiff challenge. Uh, from the Democrat, Espy, who there was a lot of money spent on this race in Mississippi, and there was a hope on the Democrats that they could pull this off. They haven't, but that does not change the net gain. If you look again, uh, right now, D plus one, and that largely is uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona, which we just called. Democrats need four to take control of the Senate, and we'll see the races in Maine, again, Michigan, 
and we've got a lot to look look at as you see the pop- I'm going to pop over to CBS because they're covering my local state stuff right now which is uh Governor Hensley and his recent victory. So uh, let's see what he has to say. I'm sure it'll be very good and insightful because it's that's his style. It's a great evening. I haven't been uh, this excited since I first operated a bulldozer uh, decades ago. <laughs> Give me a break. This is not only a huge honor, but it is a big decision that the people of the state of Washington made tonight in so many ways. They made a decision to continue on the path of progress to continue to follow and honor science, to continue to defeat the COVID pandemic, and continue to be committed to building a more resilient economy. This was a big decision, and I believe it will bear great fruit for the state of Washington. Many people went into this. The most important people are the citizens who voted in the last several weeks. Look, no matter who wins tonight, this was a victory for democracy. Because we had unprecedented numbers of Washingtonians who participated by voting. Congratulations to all of the voters. There you go. That's our governor who's done a real bang-up job. He'll be sticking around, although I don't think there was very much a contestant contesting that. I, I didn't really know much about uh, his uh, competitor, to be honest with you. I was pretty focused on the national. Um, so I'm I'm just not a big fan of... Really, any of the politicians at this day. Now, uh, it's being talked about in the Discord, and I agree. Just no, no coverage of third-party candidates. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, tonight's loser is Kanye West. <laughs> um, but there's really just no coverage at all. Absolutely just silence over there. Um, I think, all right, one more check over here. Thank you very much. It's good to have a panel. Um, and obviously, they're not going to get to 50%. So that'll be a runoff in the first uh, week of January. You were going to say, Chris? Well, I mean, that's interesting because conceivably, and I agree with you, it looks more and more like the Republicans are going to hold on to the Senate. The Democrats aren't going to be able to pick up a net of three plus the White House or a net of four without uh, Biden winning. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting to see that that's that it, it appears that the Republicans are going to hold on to that. And uh, but if the, if if it came down to that one race, we'd have to sit and wait for control of the Senate until January to see in the special election whether Loeffler or Warnock won. Yeah. Yeah. So the president, we do expect he's going to come out. He said he was going to make a statement, Brett. Um what do you expect? You know, I mean, I think we know the broad outlines of what he's going to say. Uh, he's made it pretty clear. I mean, he always gives us a preview in his tweets. But, I, you know, I guess so much has been said about his tone, right, and the way he handles things and approaches things. Well, it's always all about him, of course. Yeah. Um, so he will see you know, the result so far as a vindication of himself and his race. And, of course, you got to say, the guy really did work. I mean, he Absolutely. got out and campaigned Left his it all in the field. hindquarters off while his opponent was, for whatever reasons, deciding to keep a much lower profile, which is, you know, I guess our, their, their argument was made, of course, that that was because of the, of the, co- of the COVID-19 and the risks associated with it. Uh, I have a different suspicion about that. I think that the campaign wanted the, the, the Biden campaign wanted Trump to be the issue. And Trump didn't at all mind being the issue. So they were both actually uh, uh, doing the same thing or working on the same strategy. Um, I think, you know, the, some of the Biden people tonight might be thinking, you know, maybe we should have gotten out there a little bit more and uh, worked a little harder and not been so retiring. Uh, 
uh, throughout the course of the campaign. The president, will, I think, will be kind of exuberant. And, of course, he'll be he'll be uh, combative about what he thinks is a potential for fraud. Now, look, you're looking at uh, uh, votes being counted in some of these big cities where there's not exactly a lack of history of votes being discovered and recounted and so on and changing the, the outcome of elections going back many years in this country. We haven't had a, we haven't believed to have a, a presidential race decided by fraud uh, in a very long time indeed, if ever, at least certainly not in this past century or so. So I don't know how well-founded his suspicions are, but I think, you know, they're not completely unreasonable, and I think we're going to hear some of that tonight. Whether that'll sit well with the public probably doesn't matter very much now because the election is over. You know, it's interesting because, I'm sorry, I just want to say um, that we have been reflecting on the fact that the polls have been off, you know, by several percentage points in all of these battleground states. And the Biden team, it appears, took the cues from the positive polls that they had that it was working. The strategy was working for him to stay at home well, and not to campaign. I'm not I'm, my own suspicion, Martha, about this is that I'm not sure they had a choice. I mean, Joe is Joe Biden. I, I nice hear what guy. you're saying. He's elderly and uh, and, you know, he had some dark moments on the campaign when he didn't quite remember what state he was in, and then he suddenly would lose track of his thought in the middle of a sentence and so on. I don't think they wanted any more of that because I think there was a concern that the public might look at that and say, gee, that guy's too old. Yeah, but the, um, the polls weren't telling them that the, the strategy wasn't working. No, so the they, polls they, 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 no and there was no reason to look at the polls and think this wasn't working. You're yeah. right, exactly. But speaking of the polls, uh, Kimberly Strassel tweets, for the record, the final mainstream Ohio polls, Quinnipiac had Biden up four, Emerson, Biden up one, Quinnipiac, again, late, Biden up five, with 94 percent in Ohio, Trump is up eight. Right. Eight. That's a 12-point swing. Quinnipiac is having a bad night. Quinnipiac polls. No, but I mean, pretty much all the polls except Trafalgar. Des Moines was right. And Des Moines Register was right. But I mean... He's up hmm. five, six, seven, eight. Uh, the Spectator Index, linked by Grimfate in the Discord, shows that the popular vote right now has gone to Biden at forty nine point eight percent, with Trump at forty eight point six. Too soon to tell. So I think we have a pretty good idea of what Donald Trump is uh, going to say and do. I'll keep an eye out, but this is already uh, a six hour recording, over six hours. This is impossible. How do I even post something like this? So uh, I, I should probably cut it off. I, I kind of have to because I, it's already an astronomical file size that I have no solution for posting. So I, I suppose with that, I'm going to uh, stop the official recording, but I'll keep the stream going for a little bit longer as I wrap it up. If you've been watching this, I don't know how that's possible. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, expect, I suppose, further analysis as needed by the show. I, learned. I don't have much more to add than that at this point. I'm a little fried. I but it's kind of what we expected. Nothing too surprising so far. Bo, Bo is associated here. Anyway, the point I want to make is maybe one of the last times I get to play this song. We don't know. All right. Thanks for joining me. So much. I learned black, white, all colors, all backgrounds. What I mean, men, women, gay, straight, everyone deserves a shot. You know, man, you know the thing. You know what I mean. You know the thing. You know what I mean. I came down here because I remember the first bumper sticker 
I saw. I learned that uh, I got hairy legs that 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 that, 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 that turned blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was straight and then watch the hair come, come back up again. So I learned about kids jumping on my lap. I love kids jumping on my lap. Oh, 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 I'm in trouble, trouble. What are we nuts? Dead, dead, dead. You know? Come on, man. Give me a little break here. Get a life. Taking cocaine or not? What do you think? Come, come on, man. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds. What I mean? Come on, man. Men, women, gay, straight. Everybody.